Hey guys, welcome back to the OCA podcast with your host, the anime collector, Don Jobo Agi. Hey guys. And FDDM. Sup. <laughs> so What's up? Um, okay. So we've got uh, a lot going on this podcast in terms of um, like we're sort of trying some new things and we got a lot to discuss in the uh, opening um, discussions here. First thing I want to mention, well, first thing I'll mention is that I've actually got, uh, I picked up a cable that has allowed me to dual screen here. So I should be able to actually um, stay a little bit more up on the chat uh, than I normally would uh, on the podcast finally. So we sort of getting that kink worked out. Um, first thing I want to mention, I just want to let you guys know, I do, I do not want to spend a lot of time going into this topic, but um, basically uh, as you guys know, I, I work VFX and uh, I do it freelance. So there are months where I will be extremely busy working nonstop uh, and then other months where literally I have nothing for months, like no, no jobs come in. And this is sort of like, you know, they say that uh, um, people in America, like, like, was it like 80% of them are living paycheck to paycheck? And it's like, they're one paycheck away from a catastrophe. Uh, that's sort of the life that I live, but it's even more chaotic than that, especially right now, because um, the I've had one job since Anime Expo, you know, and it's starting to, it's starting to get into, uh, what I would consider a dangerous territory. So we still have a couple months worth of savings, you know, um, like if, if things don't improve, uh, I could stick it out with just what we have for probably another two months. But I'm just letting you guys know now that there may come a time where the podcast gets really screwed up, um, scheduling wise. Um, and it's not like a, um, like a Patreon, uh, ultimatum thing here because realistically, even if everybody who um, who watches the podcast were to join the Patreon, it probably would make a negligible difference in the short term where this is actually really crucial. Bottom line, um, I, last week, you know, I, as you guys have seen the last couple of podcasts, I've been kind of stressed out and irritable. Um, but last week has, has just decimated um, the stuff at the family right now that has been. <laughs> Really sucky. So more so than uh, Patreon requests, I'd actually just rather you guys um, keep my family in your thoughts and prayers for a while. Also, Japan is going through a pretty uh, hectic uh, typhoon or whatever, so uh, them as well. Now, uh, moving on, I want to check and see. I already checked earlier, I know. Premier fan tickets are not, <laughs> are not on sale yet. Not that I could afford them right now. <laughs> but uh, also, okay, so let me go ahead and... Uh, let me share screen here. All right. So, a couple corrections. In, I think, the last podcast, I went off on a tangent about uh, Dragon Ball um, character names being puns. And I had mentioned that the character of Chi-Chi, that Chi-Chi in Japanese uh, is father it's a it's a kid's way of saying it's like otosan but for like younger kids right turns out it is actually also slang for breasts um weirdly on twitter somebody retweeted uh a post which i can't show you because explicit but uh 
somebody somebody had posted a picture of some streaming hentai site with this particular title uh, as the thing they were going to go into, and they had 1% battery left or whatever. Anyway, I saw it. I happened to scroll by and see it, and I when I noticed the title, I, I looked into it. So this is titled Bust to Bust, Chichiwa Chichini, right? So this to me is confirming that I was actually wrong um, about this. I, I think it's a little ridiculous, personally. So that the Japanese have that the Japanese have uh, um, a slang word for tits is also what their what their kids call their father. <laughs> I think it's a little weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, my uh, anyway. Say Brad, what? you're you're on your way to becoming a proud father, a proud tit of two young children. I am already that. <laughs> I'm not on my way. <laughs> Anyway, and yeah. then um, I found out. So we had talked about um, we had talked about the sound euphonium, the sound euphonium stuff. And I said, according to the Blu-ray I bought from Pony Canyon's booth at Anime Expo, it does have a dub on it. Um, subtitled anime here uh, said he owns this set and has watched it, and it does not have a dub. All right, so there's definitive answer from somebody uh, that I would consider a very reliable. Uh, a reliable source. Reese says, this is my daughter named Tatas. That's, that's pretty much how, uh, how Dragon Ball is. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then Sean Kleckner, uh, owner, CEO, whatever position he holds of, uh, at right, right stuff has said you on know Twitter. You can drive a... What? <laughs> We know that he can drive a forklift at the place, but as he said on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he said, I feel like kickstartering something, right? Um, now, people, Augie here saying City Hunter, right? Like, hey, this is something you should check out. A lot other people, and you can see I, I've liked the things of like, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's likely they're going to get uh, picked. In fact, I think actually that him saying this, I think implies that he's already made his decision. Because well, yeah. right. this kick, Kickstarter is such a involved task, like actually going to the trouble of doing that. So it's it's not something that you Can yeah, just, just casually like kickstartering something and then you just like like run you it will take you probably over a month just to set up before you even launch a Kickstarter, right? Anyway. So um, there's a couple things in here. I still think it's worthwhile to like or retweet or or put your input in here because it further down the line. It shows that you're uh, interested in uh, stuff, but um, well, in the oh, I guess that's on Brad's end because yeah. I'm not. Well, I mean, I'm glad to see the Gal Gygar, the Brave series fans are still con- still asking for it on their Twitter. So, Anime Works lost that one. Uh. More likely that it expired by now. I mean, it's been almost 15 years. Okay, we see. Okay. see the, reason I, the reason I wanted to, to start with that in the opening discussions is because the ARIA Kickstarter has been shipped to me, and I thought it would be good to jump from here into pickups where we can sort of talk about this in particular. So if you got this in the mail, I want to make sure that you know, inside of here, there is, God damn it, Augie. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
your mic is so sensitive that you just resting your elbow on on the table. Picks I know up what it is. It's it's because he has the default stand. <laughs> that could be. Uh, well, I mean, I can I can do it too. But anyway, That's what, uh, like, I'll just I'll just I'll lock it on me for a second. So okay. it has the first set in here, um, and it's got a spacer in here, like just some foam. And you you play that. Now, this is important. Just so you know, before we get into anything else, that foam is not something you want to take out and just throw away because it has the uh, patches and like stickers and stuff inside of it. Okay. So I wanted to make sure you guys knew about that. And uh, as far as the actual set goes, I mean, it doesn't look terrible. Um, we've sort of aired our grievances on, uh, on the fact that they didn't request input regarding the uh, the box and how the box is kind of mm-hmm. playing. Although one thing I did bring up before that uh, when we could only see the pictures uh, is that I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be the sun and like a sunburst effect. It's actually like a floating city. All right. I haven't watched Aria if it's not abundantly clear by now, but, uh, but that was something I wanted to bring up in regarding Kickstartering, how you Kickstarter projects. There's all this other crap I didn't want that I had to get in order to get the set. So, we've got this poster that made them ship things in this enormous box. And so there's like a mug. I think, I'm hoping this is just the mug. The mug we did get input on. Right. Like, of all things. I'm hoping this is just the mug. Looks like it is, yeah. So this is just the mug, and it was shipped in a box to protect it, which is which is good, you know. Good. But here's here's the crap. It's, it just drives me up the wall. Hold on. There's so much crap here. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that next. Right. An Aria pencil <laughs> that you're never gonna use. Three pins. A Blue's Clues-like post-it note set. <laughs> you're not going to use either. A pad, again, that you're not going to use. Mm-hmm. Postcards, which, okay, I guess. And stickers. Look at once. Like, all this you're crap. You're not going to stick on anything. I, I'm clicking on stuff because I put all this on the keyboard. Um, so mm-hmm. all of this stuff. I'm, I'm not certain. But it almost looks like my sticker got pulled up and put back down. <laughs> so when it comes to kickstartering something, I think we can all agree that this bullshit is made because it costs them almost nothing to make it. But and then they can charge you that much more for the tier to get mm-hmm. it. So this is really disappointing. Um, I think the sentiment of basically everybody who backs them. I mean, there are people, God knows why, who want post-it notes and bullshit like this, and pencils and <laughs> stuff. But for the majority of people, just give us a tier that lets us get the, the DVD and Blu-ray Kickstarter exclusive stuff. Am I right? Yeah. The thing is, though, I at least give enough credit that it's like... the. The tiers that go beyond getting the base box and all that stuff, it's usually they have the t-shirt bundle and all that stuff, and it's yeah. quite a bit more. 
You're not. And I don't know why anyone would go any higher than that. Reese uh, says, just so you could get that art box that holds all the sets. Yep, that's exactly correct. Anyway, um, so pickups. Um, I'll continue. I think I've only got one thing, as you guys know. As I said, I'm in a budget right now. Um, I didn't buy anything here, but uh, my friend went to Comic-Con and picked up the My Hero Academia Comic-Con exclusive version of uh, Volume 1 and gave it to me. So that was nice of him. Anyway, I'm done with pickups. The feed is fine, Augie. You're just, your connection must be okay, bad. Okay, so, all right, fair enough. FDM, you go. Okay, I got to turn on my camera. Uh-oh. And am I locked in? You are locked in. Okay, so let, let's start off with our good friend, Get the Out. And his brother, get the out second semester, whatever, ultimate art box, whatever editions. We're missing an OVA of that with them being uh, in junior high. Well, like you said, OVA market isn't that prevalent. Um, What is it? I never said that. Nope. Those art boxes, I remember, Brad, you were talking about how the old Bondi sets had super solid boxes. Those things are like titanium. How also, solid they're. since you brought it up, this one is quite nice. Hold on. Ooh. Let me, get, let me get the camera off for you. This one is in, it's a, I wouldn't say it's as thick as the Bandai ones, but the type of, of material that they use to print on it. Is the same kind. Um, so like the actual reflective, see how it's kind of like shiny. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not shiny, but it's glossy, right? So this glossy, thick paper that's in like those Bandai uh, art boxes is is the kind that they used here. I think that the actual chipboard is a little bit more. It's it's stiffer than a normal one, but it's not as thick as the Bandai ones in terms of like, like it, it feels it, it's a good set. Okay. They did a good job here. I would say it's on par with those Bandai ones. It's just not the exact same materials. Um, right. But this is very reminiscent. Like when you rub your finger across it, you know, this glossy uh, effect is the same stuff for sure. Okay. Anyway, back to you. So now we got my first girlfriend is a gal, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And on the back, you have the panties, whatever version of it. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm pretty disappointed with the glittering effect, because I don't know if you can see it, but every single seam for every face is not glittered, so essentially, you just have, like, patches of it, and like I said on Twitter, I doubt you're gonna be able to... No, wait. Because what they did... Hey, Danny. What they did is they they dipped it, each one, on, like, a (laughs) thing of glitter. And I, I doubt you can see it, but you can barely read some of these texts or make out the yeah. the logos. And on the bottom, good luck reading that uh, FBI it's, warning. It's like the Peach Girl uh, set in terms of, like, they did something kind of ridiculous with it that makes me actually not want to buy it, you know? And, and fun fact, uh, th- I took out this Blu-ray disc temporarily for a while, and a moth flew right into the frickin' art box, how thin it is. What luck. It was... Ex- it was exclusively that box as well. Okay, so real quick, Reese has said that I have a light blur 
from the lamp in the corner, meaning this one. Yeah, it's kind of wants, unusual. Yeah, he wants to know if I can wipe the camera lens. So I will use this. I don't think it's going to help, but I'll I'll try and see what we can do here. This one's really good, actually. All right, so let's. Uh, uh, uh. It did oh, work. Thank there we go. Good, good on you, Reese. Right, so, thank you for learning. Right. I did, I never would have thought that was the issue. I thought it was just. I thought it was just the camera. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. It's back on you. Okay. Then we got uh, what is it called? Starship Girl Yamamoto Yoko, because. Uh -huh. I think I was on CD Japan and this was in the recommended for like uh, the Blu-ray box set or whatever. I'm like, oh, we totally don't have that. It sounds a lot like Sp Bal whatever, Space Battleship Yamato. And uh, Right Stuff got the OVAs, not the TV series, but I'm like, okay, I'll pick that up. Then we got uh, Haunted Junction because that's the one that uh, is coming up, right? Right. Yep. And yep. this one has a really cancer two disc set, but it's like one and a half spaces wide and it has it opens like that Kurumi set. Yeah. Assuming the podcast doesn't get canceled by that. <laughs> but um, I hope not. Yeah, I, I'll, I just I'll do everything I can. Trust me. I will do I, everything I can just for the sake of my own survival. But uh Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate those cases because I can't replace them. That's exclusively yeah. why. But if anyone knows where to get some 21 millimeter DVD cases, hit me up. Speaking of that, I got a second one that has an identical case, Slayer's OVA series. Mm -hmm. And then you got the Slayer's movie box set. And I got them at a pretty reasonable oh, cool. price. Because last time I checked each of these movies, on their own is somewhere like maybe fifty to a hundred and fifty dollars, and yeah, I didn't even spend that to get the box. And all I need is Slayer's Revolution R, whatever seasons four and five, essentially. Which those are easy to get. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm pretty much home stretch here. And I don't know, Brad. You said that one set was real expensive. Which one? I'm not sure. You said. Oh, don't even get me started on Slayers collecting all of that or I, something. I'll have I'd have to look back into it, but um Yeah. Are you talking about like the OVA movie combination? It was stuff? it was something about the way I wanted to collect it that was out of print that is unrelated okay. to I think you could still get it through like anime classics or whatever or save or something like that, but the way I wanted to get it. Uh, so like one of the season one or season two uh certain specific set? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look up uh, up again, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to spend any money right now, so I don't even want to take any time to look at it. <laughs> okay, so then Which we got. Me, hold on, Reese. Reese said um, he brought up the No Game No Life uh, DVD, the No Game No Life Zero DVD and Blu-ray versions. Um, that limited edition that I pre-ordered off Right Stuff is out of stock, and I never got mine. <laughs> they they didn't uh, ship it out to me. I canceled mine on Amazon because there's a third party seller that sells it for actually selling it instead of, oh, it usually comes in one to two months. It's not cheaper, but it's negligibly more. Yeah. It's like a dollar. Then we got Brad's favorite anime of all time, Oradaddle. Ah, Oradaddler? <laughs> or a battle. Or a battle. You and I both can't pronounce that. 
Or a back I used to Dunbine. think it was called uh, Dubine instead of Dunbine. So when he said Dunbine, I thought, <laughs> he can't even pronounce his own anime. Oh, never mind. That Yeah, come to think of it, I, I sort of started with the... Um the opening discussions with some corrections. There's another correction that'll come up during the uh, random merch section. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about it then about something I said in the past in terms of how to pronounce something. By the way, that uh, remaster looks pretty nice. Good. So then we got Bayonetta bloody fate because it was like really cheap. And then we got, uh, that thing that I told you to cancel on Funimation. <laughs> Dagashikashi Season 1. And I think I already messaged you guys that Season 2 is apparently only 144 minutes. So it's half length, up, length episodes. Just so you know. Hold, hold on. Hold on one second. Anyway. Just so you know. Regarding Funimation, you had asked me, first of all, behind the scenes, stuff was going on that is irrelevant here. But basically, um, I ship stuff to Canada for FDM that he either can't get shipped there or it's cheaper for him to have me ship it. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, when it came to the Funimation thing, uh, I had ordered it. um, Hold on, I should clarify here. I said the day it came out. I meant the day it went up for pre-order regarding the. The no game, no life stuff. Not I didn't pre-order it the day it came out. I, I would just be ordering it. Yeah, I, I should I misspoke there. Um, anyway, so the thing about the the, the Funimation stuff. Oh, my hair looks great. <laughs> the thing about the Funimation stuff is the uh, I had placed an order during their sale, which thank goodness is still going on. So I was able to fix um, things. But um, I had placed an order for some for some stuff, particularly stuff we've been talking about doing uh, behind the scenes of Watch Club for, and. Um, and FDM had included a couple things in my order. So I ordered it for him. He is saying now that he had told me to, to cancel the order. Here's the thing. I tried to cancel something from the order that was just something I had ordered because it was a pre-order and it was inhibiting them from shipping everything else out because when I had checked out, I had selected the ship all at once thing. So I had contacted Funimation and said, can you remove this from my order? And then... Um, they canceled my entire order <laughs> instead of just canceling that one item. And it turns out uh, when I inquired about it, like, Hey, you guys have like screwed me here. What's going on? Um, they literally, their, their policy is they can't cancel a portion of an order. They have to cancel the whole order and you have to reorder it, which would have been nice if they had actually told me that instead of just doing it. Right. Um, but I wanted to bring this up, especially because you would, um, asked me, which even though I didn't notice at the time, but you had asked me to cancel your two of your orders from it. Oh, so um, it would have you should know if you had asked me to do that and I had done it, they would have canceled the, my entire order too. <laughs> anyway, ah, okay. You, th- Worth you think they would have a disclaimer that, like on the cart area? But... Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad system. Anyway, all right. So Back then to- we got we got new game. And I decided to order this because I realized, oh, I might as well have it for when I pre-order season two. Yeah, that was and the item that I was referring to, actually, that we were ordering because it was discussed for a future watch club. So if anybody else is thinking about getting it, that was the one. Yeah, um, I'm already like 
the first disc in, and I'm quite liking it. So then we got another one that was... I mean, you could say it's on sale, but it's just, like, reduced price on Amazon temporarily. Scrapped Princess. Um, I'm glad that they brought it over here from Funimation and got the remaster. Because it went out of print with Bandai and all that crap. And my... Ooh, that's not my final, but I might as well make this my second final. So I got the first volume of a bunch of manga, like, over my history of buying manga. I get, like, volume one of something as a reminder that, oh, eventually I should buy more of this. I got volume one of Gantz, and I haven't gotten any more. And now they have these omnibuses coming out, so I pre-ordered it. And look how thick it is. <laughs> it's like four volumes. No wonder it was 30 bucks or whatever I paid for it. So I'm actually... Have, have you seen the Devil Man or Cutie Honey omnibuses? No. They're just as thick as that, but hardback. Yeah, I don't like omnibuses. Um, they are hard to read. <laughs> I can't disagree there, but they're more efficient buying. So then my final pickup, which Brad is not really into, but I liked, was is Vantred, which came with all eight volumes. Vantred, <laughs> yeah. I think I, there. I, I think, think season yeah. two. <coughs> that has season, season two in two. it. Yeah, that's season two in there. That's season two so, right there. Okay, isn't it missing like an OVA or something? Cause the Funimation release. Well, this one's missing the recap films. The Funimation one does have the recap films, but they are. Let's let's be wild. real. Who gives a shit about recap films? I, I was gonna say it's basically <laughs> negligible, but I is, will is there is there it. anything more annoying than wasting your time sitting through a recap film just so you can say Something. you watched it? How freaking annoying is that? <laughs> I just fast-forwarded through it, and there are some minute differences, but it's not worth re-watching a freaking recap yeah. film for. But anyway, so I'm done. No. And then my final one is I got the Doom soundtrack. Boom. <laughs> Move along. All right. All right, am I locked in? You're locked in. All right. So first off, I can find it again. How did I lose? Oh, first off from last episode, I got the LR collector's box still sealed and haven't opened it. Followed by new game, double exclamation point. Nice. We're twins now. Oh, yes. Twins is. And I got these because they were a good deal. So, in the quest for all tracks, I got Sailor Moon R Volume 2. This one was 20. And because it was there, Sailor Moon S Volume 2, and this was $6. Oh, damn. Where'd you buy that? Yeah. Uh, second and Charles. Oh. They're the place that I keep tweeting about the stupid, stupid aluminum stickers. And because tenth times the charm I got is pure. Ooh. So will it have the discs? It has the discs. So finally, after buying this ten times, I got one with discs. Correct discs. Correct like discs. Correct discs. There's like four that didn't even have the discs. 
Now to return it. Why is... If it turns out to be a bad show, I'm going to be angry. And after that, we have Stella's Women's Academy. This was a pretty fun show. I think that's one of the modern Gynax shows. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, is this Gynax? Yeah, Gynax. Okay. We good to move right. on? No? No, there's still more. Okay. Another sci-fi one is uh, Planetes Complete Collection. So finally, oh, I'm getting, we're getting some class up in here now. After that, we got Catnapped. That's Ooh. a great one. Good. I'm glad to hear that. It looks fun. I just hope it isn't abstract for no reason. I'm not saying it's not abstract for no reason, but it's fun to watch. Okay, before I get to uh, limited edition boxes, I got a special treat that's more likely a bootleg, and that's Cat's Eye, the live action film. Yeah. By the way, I started started watching uh, um, the GoGo 13 uh, live action. The one that says remastered edition on it, that thing's a VHS rip. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But. What you might like about this, Brad, is it takes several liberties instead of them just being being uh, cat burglars. They're also killers taking lessons from a Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this has absolutely nothing to do with the anime. Yeah, and it's strange that it says it says this right up here. Huh. <laughs> More likely that's going to happen. All right, let's get into some limited editions. In case anybody early. hold on. In case anybody didn't see that, it said a, it said a live action adaptation of the manga by blah blah blah. So that's what he was pointing okay. out. If you remember the first few episodes, we mentioned I kept mentioning this one series. Well, now I finally got Saint Seiya Volume One ADV release, and I can confirm that this is a better quality than the new video re-release by a long huh. shot. It's like they got terrible masters for some reason for the for the new video release. Following that, since it's getting to Halloween season, I also got Blood Sea. I'm surprised how long that's been in print. Yeah. And I do have the card for the back. I bought that at Anime Expo and the uh the Blu-ray um, case was like shattered, and I noticed it after yeah. I got home. Well, speaking of something that's now on Blu-ray, but I got the DVD version. Ori Emo Two. Woo. Following after because. They're moving everything to Blu-ray, and I want these boxes, even though I'm not probably going to watch the show. We have Junko Romantica in this box. That's a Jun- yaoi. That's Junjo Romantica. Junjo. So volume one and volume two. Oh, so I see there's something else I got. 
I got a giant box. Is it just is it an empty box? Please tell me it is. Legend of the Galactic Heroes. (laughs) Yeah, it's an empty box, but it did contain not a surprise. Stella's Women's Academy. They use that box. Yeah, I can hear him. Okay, sound check. I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you. All right. So I got this big mongoloid right Holy here. And I was number. I was number uh, four seventy-five, by the way. So I got this thing. I didn't it's think heavy. I was right. <laughs> yeah, he was dead right. It's heavy. There's creases every which way. What AC or whoever put down in the description was pretty much on on uh, yeah. On well, par with. Why don't, why don't we go into discussing that now instead of? Yeah, uh, let's discussing it. All right. So, so let number eighty. So before we discuss that, I feel like I'm on guts. Oh yeah. And you two don't know what I'm talking about. What observe? He's talking about Nickelodeon guts. Oh. Okay. So before we talk about Legend of the Galactic Heroes, I wanted to bring this up. I saw this recently. A friend of ours from uh, the Anime Collectors Galore group had said, what's up with the Sentai Labor Day sale? Why is everything so expensive? To which I reiterate, Sentai has trained their customers never to pay Full price. Kitty thinks that they can't always do 90% off sales. They need to make some profit, which again, I say they won't <laughs> because they trained everybody not, not to uh, pay those full prices that because they make these ridiculously high um, savings sales. I mean, like they're in bad shape. Now regarding legend of the galactic heroes, Here are the things regarding the physical product. No shrink wrap to protect the case during transit, which, by the way, um, Aria was the same way, although there's a reason for this, and I'll get into that in a second. The serial numbers are seemingly not being shipped out sequentially. This could be... That's correct. um, Well, it's it's not necessarily true. Okay, I'll I'll come back to this. The coins and plaque... Uh, so the plaque being the serial number plaque are floating around loose in the box. Almost everybody who's gotten it has reported that the coins uh, were not in that. Like they have these little plastic pouches for them that are yeah, being shipped with it, but they're pa- not in the plastic pouches. They are instead in the box somewhere because they came out of the little holder. You want to show the holder real quick? Yeah, I'll get the holder. Uh, uh, FDM distract. <laughs> Uh, I'll just keep talking. I'll just keep talking about this stuff. Now, here's the other thing. Let me pull this up. So, our friend Sam Swerchek was saying he just opened his, and he thinks he's actually going to return it. The product does not feel of a premium quality. It says after he rips all the blue rays. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I agree with him on that. It's cheap cardboard with loose plastic wrap. 
was expecting something nicer. The packaging looks of a lesser quality than their other premiums. Now, to that I'll say, I have been talking about this for a long time regarding the fact that their premiums use horrible quality materials. Opposite are, of Aria. Exactly. Uh, if you want to see what it looks cheap. like inside. Right, so that's what, that's what the box looked like. Um, can you show the... I was talking about the coin holders in the actual set. Um, oh, not uh, these plastic things right here? Well, you can show those too, but I was talking about the spot uh, where the coins are set into the set. Okay, so let me grab the box. Reese uh, has said here, regarding Legend of the Galactic Heroes, apparently the discs do not follow a particular viewing slash release order. How, how do they actually achieve that? Do they get the guy who's authoring it to just pump out the episodes and they just throw whichever ones are ready onto the disc? No, I, I think he means like... Um, you know, series to movie to other series to OVA to I, I think that's probably what he meant. So those are the so coins in the holders I was talking these about. These are the coins. So yes. they're shipping these out with the plaque at the top and the two coins there on either side. Um, those are in the set the way that they are there. So that means by the time they get to you, they're not in the set anymore. They're in the box somewhere floating uh, around. And from all the pictures um, I've seen so far, good. As you as you see how I'm displaying it, that's exactly how I got mine. So okay, so I you guess got lucky. Like a few yeah. that didn't encounter this. So a lot of the ones I've seen photos of of people unboxing and stuff. The can you show it again real quick? The um the actual the, the actual case. Well, apparently, if you, I'm not sure, but they give you a card that says this right here. Apparently, if you get MT, maybe that's the better one <laughs> yeah. that packaged it. The other, the other ones we've seen is MB. So I guess Media Blasters is shipping it out. Um, oh no, my but, god, this thing's like twenty pounds. It's not heavy, but you can tell it's cumbersome. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. God, your um, second set is really printed crooked. They put the uh, the label on that real crooked. Look at the look at the upper left corner. So those things are getting uh, real scuffed up. The the shiny metal things. Oh, yeah, a, yeah. a lot this of the things. ones. Good. I agree with you there. A, a lot of the of those you know middle sets of the set one, set two, set three, set four. Those are um, getting really scuffed up uh, in transit because the coins are floating around in there. So a lot of the ones I've seen in these pictures just they do not look great. Uh, in fact, another uh, person um, who I think had discussed the potentiality of sending theirs back as well. Um, I'll read it in a second as soon as I get the was saying that uh, said I agree with Sam. So he's agreeing with Sam who was saying he was thinking about sh uh, sending it back. The quality of the box set is piss poor and isn't worth the $800 price tag. This is one of the damages I saw upon opening the set. That's not even a glue stain or whatever. The paper is chipping away, right? So this is on one of the uh, the sets, right? Um, and right. so like here's the uh, the picture he's zoomed in on to show you. Um, so it's literally like the paper chipped up and came off and left revealing what's underneath the hole. 
in the in the thing, right? So, um, again, I, I'm I'm just going to reiterate what I've said all this time is that it's just it's not a good idea. This was this was a bad release from the beginning. Everything yep. about it was bad, in my opinion. Here, here you can see. Look at the scuffing on here. This is what I'm talking about. Look at this. This is awful. They did not take care of this at all in their, um, it was botched from beginning to end. Like this was a bad, a bad decision on their part, uh, on how they handled it. Right. So moving on to the video, uh, stuff. First of all, let me get this out of the way. Uh, Lishansky asked them, and I totally forgot to do this. He actually asked them what their inventory, how many uh, copies of Legend of Galactic Heroes did they have left? Uh, to which they gave the obvious reply, our inventory count isn't public-facing information. But I can assure you that we have several left in the event that you would like to purchase one, right? Anyway, well, of course so, you can assure it because no one's buying them. What? No, yeah, because yeah, they got a lot left. They got more than half the stock, probably. And probably they're going to have a lot more as people start returning them because they're such a bad quality. Now, regarding uh, Exhibit B here, the actual disc contents. I'm just going to I'm going to read through what's actually here, but just to preface with sort of like a glossary of what we're going to be looking at, it's a 1080i upscale of the DVD release masters. And because they're using the DVD release masters, it uses the reanimated scenes that were done for the DVD release in Japan instead of the original scenes um, in the Laserdisc and VHS releases, right? The subtitle track is missing important on-screen text. Um, so in the original release of um, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, this is an incredibly epic show, right? So they're in space... They're, um, it's a big military thing. So anytime you would see an establishing shot of a planet or of the, um, of the, uh, the ships or whatever, it would have the title of like, this is the name of the planet, right? Here's the planet. Here's what it is. Here's where you are giving you a, a reference of the world and where you're at as the, the story jumps to all these different places. Anytime a person would show up on screen, at least the first time it would have the name of the character and their military rank show up on screen. Um, that, in the original VHS and Laserdisc version um, for, for the Japanese releases, was actually in the um, the image, of, like it was hard-coded. It wasn't like a, a subtitle track, right? In the DVD release, which again is where they got the masters that they upscaled to make this, that is um, that is removed and used as a subtitle feature. Um, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but when they did the fan subbing and stuff, they had translated it for the, for the subtitle thing. So you didn't have the Japanese text coming up on screen because they did that. And they did such a piss poor job releasing this set and, and manufacturing the sets and everything. Uh, they just omitted it entirely. They didn't include it. So the subtitle track of which there's only one of is just the dialogue, Right. And the, the last thing on the list here is that the movies were also in upscale instead of using HD transfers. So let me uh, let me go through this. Well, I do know the person who translated all of it, and he was surprised by the price point. Maybe yeah, the, I can the, hit him up and see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe I can hit him up and get his two cents on this. Uh, do it. You know. Um, so the the okay. I I think 
actually, well, I'm just going to read this because we're probably going to get to the, uh, it'll, it'll get addressed as I, as I read through it. Okay. So, uh, so this person here, Professor Who, uh, said, before we even discuss picture quality, I have to talk about how the series was produced and its home video history as failing to do so can give false expectation as to what, uh, about what is presented about what is being presented. So, Legend of the Galactic Heroes is a 110-episode OVA series produced between 1988 and 1997. It was shot on 16mm film, being made on sales, uh, cells, and was originally released on both VHS and Laserdisc. When DVD started to become a thing, Legend of the Galactic Heroes was an early title, but to convince people to spend an insane amount of money on the new DVDs, um, several scenes from the first two seasons, the first 54 episodes, were reanimated from scratch. Not bad, right? Wrong. These were done digitally, and while not inherently bad, the character designs were different, the colors were wrong, and it looked cheaper than the cell artwork. As a result, these have been included in every release of the series onward. There is no way to view the original and superior-looking scenes without watching it on Laserdisc and or VHS. And as a result, because of that, the series is upscaled. No HD scans were produced for the series, as that would be expensive. So the original scans used for the DVD release and the original masters of the, orig of the reanimated scenes were used for the Blu-ray. With that out of the way... Uh, disc one episodes one through eight is 38.5 gigabytes. Um, episode one is 4.51 gigabytes. So something they're, they're going to go into is the bit rates actually remarkably good considering. Uh, so the video is 1080i, yada, 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 right? Uh, so the audio, um, sounds great that they basically didn't have anything to say that it wasn't, uh, there's nothing I've noticed that was bad with the audio. Um, and here we go. So being an upscale of what is an SD standard definition transfer of 16 millimeter film, it looks as good as you can get. Clarity is good. Lines are sharp and not aliased. Grain is present and color is rich and vibrant. By the way, I've seen um, comparison uh, screenshots and they look okay. I, I mean, they could have released this as just DVD, but they went Blu-ray specifically, I think, for the um, price point. You know, so they Maybe. could charge Maybe. more. Doesn't it seem that way? Because there didn't, if you're not going to clean it up and do a good job, it, it just doesn't seem like there was a reason for them to need to go Blu-ray. Although the movies and, after yeah. you were finished, but um, on Blu-ray.com, I searched up the original like Japanese sets. They're also mm -hmm. 1080i, as they said, because right. they obviously didn't make an HD scan. I think they're just mirroring what they did in Japan. And the Japanese sets, according to somebody in this thread, uh, are seven hundred dollars instead of eight hundred dollars per set. And there's like five sets. Oh no, it is four. Oh, no, I think I think they said uh, they said it totals out to seven hundred. Oh uh, no, I could be wrong. That's, well, that's what I read here. Current inflation or whatever. <laughs> um, well, I I think it's I think it makes thousand yen. Hmm. How much is that? Thirty-two thousand yen. Look that up. I'm going to continue reading. So, um, okay. Clarity is good. Lines are sharp and not aliased. Grain is present and color is rich and vibrant. There is an inherent softness to upscaled content, but here it's okay. It's near perfect given the source. That being said, I hate that it's interlaced. Not that it's interlaced over progressive, 
but due to frame rate, it's at a constant 2997 uh, FPS, and it looks kind of weird. Uh, then I'm assuming they mean instead of it being 24 frames. Uh, I know why they do that, because some older masters for uh, DVDs that were interlaced or whatever, they have to de-interlace it essentially, but for that, it has to be changed. They have to change the frame rate, so they must have just stuck with the 29.97 instead of fiddling with it, which usually has a well, worse remaster when they try and remaster it. Right. I'll say this. If you're going to watch something interlaced, I would want the qual the frame rate to be as high as possible so you notice the interlacing less. But the problem is that if it's designed to be interlaced at 24 frames per second, then um, when you actually watch it, uh, if it's, it's going to, like, the image is going to look different if you change the frame rate in order to offset the interlacing, right? So um, I think that it, it results in things like ghosting and whatnot are, are, are things that often happen. But, no, uh, it's me, just you just, simply see the lines, pretty much. Right. So it it becomes noticeable. So here's what he their 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 theory behind it though. Uh, I'm assuming this is because those ugly as f uh, reanimated scenes were done at that frame rate, but in normal footage, everything that was not redrawn it looks weird. Most prevalent in scenes with characters moving, it just looks weird, kind of distracting, but not the worst thing ever. Overall, it is probably the best show. Uh, it's probably the best the show will ever look outside of a new HD remaster. Now, I just want to say, if there was ever a chance to warrant doing an HD remaster, it would be selling here. selling eight hundred dollar sets is the place where you would do that. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Right? Though the the Japanese company, if they did a HD scan of the film. That's 110 episodes plus three movies or whatever it is. So that's a lot the movies, of money. The movies already have an HD scan. Oh. I believe there are already Blu-rays. Of, from what I've read here, I believe there are already Blu-rays of the movies in Japan. But what was released through Sentai is an upscale of the DVDs of the movies from Japan. They say something weird like there is a non-upscaled version of the movies included as a, quote, special feature on the Japanese Blu-rays or something like that. So it's weird. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's weird. I still don't see why this set shouldn't cost $300 to actually get in knowing what's in there. Honestly, for the 800 it should have come with a deluxe viewing chair. Let me tell you, let me, show on it. let me put it this way. If they hadn't limited this to a thousand, they would not have sold nearly as many as they did. Right. The entire so reason the most people jumped at buying it was because of the scarcity. We've talked about this from the beginning. This was a deliberate effort. Every step of the way, they have tried to circumvent people finding out how many copies are left. This has been an attempt to create artificial scarcity to make you, to prod you to buy the product. Okay? Right. Another curiosity I have with this is what in the world Sentai and the parent company are talking while dealing with the contracts for this show, but... That's right. something kept private. I suspect that a lot of the thing, a lot of the choices made by Sentai were contractual obligations from the Japanese companies. But I definitely think that's yeah. 
And I'll say this again. So this is this is the catch twenty two that is really going to suck here. Even still, they cannot expect to make at best case scenario more than eight hundred thousand dollars for eight hundred dollars a set times one thousand sets in the limited quantity that they make. On top of that, a lot of the sets are either going to need to be reprinted or use up some of the stock of these thousand they couldn't sell in order to fix and and re um, in order to basically uh, replace the sets that have been damaged in transit uh, of which we've already seen reports of which I've shown you the scratches and stuff as Augie has a weirdly printed one that I think um, if I were you, I would definitely request a replacement of that, you know? So they aren't going to make a lot of money off of this long-term. Now this is going to be bad for two reasons, because number one, I mentioned originally that the maximum amount they could make is $800,000. And therefore there's no way we can't expect to see a standard edition down the line. Again, with all the moves they've made to hide the amount that they have in stock and all that stuff to pretend without saying definitively, but very specifically phrase things. So it sounds as though they're not going to make a standard edition, even though they never actually said that, that they are trying to drive everybody to buy these expensive sets. And in reality, what we, what we expected at the beginning is that because they are only going to make 800,000 from this and a show like, um, Crow Phantom Memory, when back when Section 23 was ADV, they paid a million dollars for that uh, for that license. license. That's like a 25-episode show that's not even very high on the radar. There's no way it cost them less than that for the license of, of Legend of Galactic Heroes. Just for the license alone. For 110 episodes, plus movies and all that stuff, there is no way they got a deal on that that 800,000 total amount they could make. There's no way. Now, the problem here is that if they report terrible sales on this, number one, they're definitely going to want to release a standard set, right? Because that's the only way they could recoup the losses. But at the same time, look how much worse it's going to make the company look when they finally do that, if they can do that. And the thing is, they might not be able to do that because the sales are going to be so poor of people sending them back because the quality was so shoddy to begin with that the Japanese company might say, uh-uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to let you go beyond um, what was in the contract of, uh, and this is speculation here, but in the contract of doing an $800 set. And the reason that it was probably stipulated they had to do $800 sets was because they're trying to prevent re- reverse importation into Japan where their sets cost $700 and they don't want the Japanese to buy sets uh, from America and hurt the market in Japan. Right? So all around, this has been a huge clusterfuck on behalf of Sentai. And it's all speculation at this point. But there's a lot of weird evidence popping up that seems to push the narrative that Sentai's not doing well. They weren't at Anime Expo. They've announced like almost nothing when all these other companies are, are just going at, you know on a heyday with, with all the stuff they're, they're announcing at different conventions and stuff. This doesn't seem 
like the the future of Sentai is looking a little grim. I mean, that, at least that's my perspective on it. Now, let They're me, not uh, releasing as much as what we're used to, but still, you can see some other stuff that they're releasing as well, like Eidolon or a Battler. A lot of people thought so, or a Battler because it didn't sell well back in ADB, they wouldn't get a re-release, and here it is. But I think it might be knows, partially to due to Funimation X Crunchyroll's snatching up all the licenses. Well, also they have high dive and we don't know. See, that's the, that's the one factor in this that's hard to quantify is if you are making, if, okay, so, so think about it from this perspective. So all of this seems to be a deliberately crafted manipulation technique regarding this $800 set, right? And it seems as though one of the beneficiary factors of this is if you get the show, and you try to sell it for a price most people don't want to pay, but you put it on high dive, then maybe you can raise the amount of subscriptions you're getting to high dive. But if, I mean, you have to be doing, I've, I've never used high dive, but I, you got to be better than your competitors um, or at least on par with them in terms of what your catalog is, what you can provide all stuff in order for it to be worth it for people. Right. So mm-hmm. it just, it seems like, this, I'll just say, I, I think that this could tank Sentai, this whole debacle. If if only for the, pl- the, the public trust and goodwill with the company could tank them because of how horribly they have handled it and hiding and attempting to obscure and all that stuff is just awful. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Maybe, yeah. but I still say wait till see if they have any releases in December kind of better judge the situation because if it gets lower there's your sign all right so let me let me quickly just get through some of the other stuff that's said here overall it is probably the best the show will ever look outside of a new hd remaster i'm happy with it but the interlacing uh but the interlacing being somewhat distracting i'm not sure if this is present in the Japanese Blu-rays or not, it is just for the record. Other people have chimed in and said, you know, it is true. Uh, they confirmed Japanese discs are also 1080. Right. Um, while I've read, they are 1080p. There is no definitive proof. It is progressive from what I've found. If it is interlaced, uh, then that must be a source thing. If not, Sentai might, uh, might've seen, might've been sent a somewhat inferior master, which I wouldn't put it past Japanese companies. Anyway, um, Continuing down, uh, there's also one other thing. You know, okay, so this is this is just going on to the stuff about the uh, the characters' rank showing up and how how they didn't put that on the subtitle track. And here we go. And the movies are upscales, not the HD versions. Movie one looks like shit. The series upscale is good, probably because it had a good SD source to begin with. But this is effing horrible. Granted. It's from VLC and not 100% accurate to how it would look on a TV. Uh, and Imgur converts it to, converted it to a JPEG, but it's still damn ugly, right? Um, again, if it were me and I was in charge at Sentai, I would have put these out on DVD. As far as I'm concerned, there's no point in using Blu-rays or this SD Blu-ray. Do, do okay, the whole if they do show. An, if they do an upscale, it's better than... DVD in different ways than you might think, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying that if you're going to go out of the way to do a Blu-ray, to do an HD 
version. You shouldn't even bother doing it unless you're going to actually use an HD source. Tell that to Justin Savakis. The only time when it would be warranted to go with Blu-ray, and in fact, this is a situation where we might see this happen for the, quote, standard edition release they may do, is a standard def on Blu-ray version of the show where they, because they would only have to, they wouldn't have to make nearly as many discs, right? And they just put the DVD quality ones, which is basically what they're using anyway, onto the, uh, onto a Blu-ray disc so they can get fewer discs into the overall set. Yeah. Anyway. So I just want to... You know what scares me about this situation? How much is Funimation going to charge for the reboot? (laughs) No, I think Funimation is probably going to be able to twist their arm back at the licensees to get a good price point. Yeah. Probably the same as uh, Star Blazers. Is that right? Ooh. Anyway, Sentai Encoder did it 29.3 megabits per second, which is the higher, which is higher than almost all other uh, of their releases. So they, they're doing um, a decent job with the bit rate. All right. Anyway, there's, there's more on the next page, but uh, not, it's right here actually. Um, yeah, so they just go on to talk about the uh, the Japanese Blu-rays have an HD native version as a special feature. Um, anyway, so let's move on. Um, I just thought that that was like... <laughs> I think most of it's due to stingy licensees because they must really like their baby and want to milk it for all it's good. You know, I won't put it past them. You're going Tommy Boy on us, so FDDM. I what? <laughs> N- nothing. Let's move on. Um, okay. <laughs> Kickstarter news. So, Grizaya got funded. And? And because they had over 700 backers, they're, they're getting, guaranteed they're, they're getting the dub. English dub. Okay? So, um, I mean, that's nice, right? And, and uh, John Shane had asked me on Twitter, uh, because this is, this is a scenario where uh, the later season of a series is getting dubbed, but the previous seasons have not been dubbed. And he was That's wondering how, how common that was. Um, it's not terribly common. Um, the ones that came to mind for me were um, Lupin is an example, but I, it's it's kind That's of a different That's more of thing. a one situation type thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a different scenario because, it's a different scenario because the uh, um, with that one, the thing that got dubbed of the later series was released first, you know, kind of thing. So, um, anyway, uh, but moving on, um, front wing is also doing a Kickstarter, uh, for Island, another game they have called Island. And the Kickstarter aims to fund physical copies of game and And anime. Okay. So if I go to the, uh, thing here, they've already reached their goal. (sighs) Well, they actually How do much have for a, a hard copy. Uh, I think that's fifty dollars if you just want the game. But if you want yeah. the anime, that's but like I think three hundred bucks. It's two hundred twenty-nine for the early well, bird. Like fifty dollars for the game is actually a pretty reasonable price point, especially for a backer tier. However, as I mentioned in the chat, there is a dubbed version currently airing on Funimation now, and the sub on Crunchyroll, but that's mm. not relevant so and this set says 
it's explicitly the English sub version, so you literally have no reason if you want to get the localized version. And it's also expensive on here. And it's also a cancer box from what I can tell because it's one of those that folds out. And I think it is only the game and the Blu-ray. So you have to have one or the other. You'll have to put in one of your collections yeah. or the other. This says, with a, set, with a full Blu-ray set of all 12 episodes, this limited run box includes a set of recording scripts for the show and three unique original film strip clippings in each copy, all housed in extra special packaging and at a super affordable early bird price. I mean, uh, yeah, affordable sorry. for Japanese prices, sure. But well, if you, uh, I think if you scroll down, it has pictures. It's the thing that it, it comes with. Uh, wait, is this, does this just come with, this just comes with the Blu-ray box set and the Steam key? You know, if there was a cruel, if they were a cruel company, they would take the snips and send it out to people, but only the snips of what they didn't even use for the show. <laughs> I think those things, they have the exact same scene, and they just uh, reprint that little thing on those tiny strips as a gimmick. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't imagine they would even need film strips, because if this is a recent series, would they even well, that's need what, film? That's what I'm saying. They just make a little, uh, a little novelty thing of a film strip, even though it's digital. Yeah. I, I swear they had a picture of the box somewhere, but I guess that doesn't really matter. The point is... I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, there it is. See what I mean? But this is for the game? No, I think it's supposed to have both? Question mark? Like, why would they give you a box for only one of them? Maybe this is the Japanese version of the game? Because uh... it's all written in Japanese underneath the actual title and it's got all stuff. Maybe, because this is about localizing it. So maybe this is... Here's a sneak peek at some rewards. The Japanese version of the Island Anime Launch Commemorative Edition. Everything here comes in the deluxe game set. So it doesn't say anything about the uh, Blu-rays there. Okay. Let's let's look up... Uh, Blu-ray. The anime is currently airing in English on Crunchyroll simultaneously with the Japanese broadcast. And they neglect to say Funimation because they don't want to steer people away with saying dub. It says it's airing in English on Crunchyroll. As in subtitle. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, And we wanted to work with them to create a special opportunity for fans to get their hands on a deluxe Blu-ray box set of the anime, featuring special bonuses that we otherwise wouldn't be able to make available. Similarly, we wanted to offer an English version of the upcoming physical re-release of the the original game, complete with an all-new art book. Okay, so that was was unhelpful there. Uh, the Blu-ray is expected to ship out February 2019. Please note the Blu-ray set available in this campaign will only include Japanese audio and English subtitles. Like I said, they made it a point that it had no dub. Yeah. So Which could is... this be a Persona 4 and the animation repeat? What do you mean by that? Like the localization can only release the dub of it. They have to go through other means to get Japanese with sub. Uh, no, Funimation is probably going to have a hybrid because they straight up have the licensing rights. Should. Let's, hopefully, uh... Well, the, even, either way, 
I just yeah. it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous that the one tier, the lowest possible cost costing tier, in order to get the uh, the Blu-ray set, includes just the Blu-ray box set deluxe and the island stream key. Right, so it's Steam just key. a Steam key, pardon. Um, so you can play the game. That's all it is, and it's two hundred twenty-nine dollars. At best, I'd say you yeah. can chop off fifty for that Steam key price, but even even still, that's like one hundred eighty bucks. You but know, that's decent for a Japanese price point, which is probably the market. I remember paying that much on Kickstarter for a for a series and. If I recall right, for that same price point, we got season one, two, three, and two other others that weren't released over here. I mean, season four ends the Everabla OVAs. Yeah, the pretty much Aria. Pretty sure I remember that was... paying that price, but I remember getting like a lot more than just twelve episodes in a game. Yeah, we got the pencil and the sticky notes and. <laughs> And the stickers and, and, and in the mug. Fact, when we were going in there, I thought that that tier actually came with the stupid beach towel and all that stuff, but apparently not. Anyway, I'm moving on here. So, yes. Kenichi Sonoda to attend uh, Anime Central for a Bean Bandit Episode Zero premiere. So, that's cool. I'm not going to go to Anime Central, unfortunately. I'd love to meet uh, the whole thing. Yeah, and Reese is saying, and also, thing, but... also saying for the Aria and also the whole thing dubbed. Um, oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Live action Geekama Good. For the previous, what angers me about that is not that he's showing it, not that it's there. It's I paid a Kickstarter to get that, and they're just going to show it to a convention. Right. That's so the convention exactly gets it first cool. before I get it in my hands. Mm-hmm. So, unless they do a slacker batter, backer to sell more of it, I don't see the point. Well, they, uh, I mean, it, considering it says episode zero, it's obviously because they're they're trying to promote the show that is going to be an actual series after. Afterward. Okay, I'm thinking to ahead. I'm thinking to ahead here. Okay, we'll see. Live action Gintama two shows first episode uh, gets four million views in the first week. So this is kind of interesting. Um, how many? How long are these? Uh, they weren't. It has three episodes on Docomo's DTV streaming service, and the first one I think ha- think had six million views or something like that. Yeah, the first episode has reached six million views since its debut in July, but the second. Wait a minute, they're talking about the first episode in the first week. Why? Why is this news now? <laughs> If they are, if it's reached six million views since its debut, is this this must be a different thing? Okay, Gintama two, right, right, right. So it's the second series first episode has reached four million playbacks in the first six days since it was uh, debuted on August eighteenth. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Gintama is uh, wildly popular, to say the least. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Funimation offers Showa Genroku uh, Rakugo, Rakugo Shin- Shinju. Shinju anime for digital purchase. So once again, we have more and more series that are getting digital purchase. Is this digital purchase only? Is this another scenario? Or? Well, the thing is, I yeah. think the only licensee at the time would be Crunchyroll, which has the 
love square. No, not love triangle. It's just one way. With Funimation. Has not released these titles on home video or via Funimation now streaming services. And right. Fun- Funimation the, hasn't. That's the yeah, thing it says Crunchyroll's license are on Wikipedia. Right. So Funimation hasn't, but Sound Euphonium has been released uh, on home video through Pony Canyon. Um, and the one of, the only one I really care about right here is uh, the fact that this has already been partially released, but not three Ray. Uh. Anyway, it's just, it's just more um, stuff that we're keeping an eye on because uh, yeah. obvious reasons. Forest of Piano, last hope anime to premiere on Netflix in September. Um, so this is another thing Reese uh, had shared. So these are um, last hope slated for September 13th, which I don't get because the Japanese title here doesn't say last hope. It says uh, something Pandora. That's a, that says Pandora right here. I forget what the actual kanji up here was, but um, anyway, it's called last hope in the English release at least. And then obviously this would be forced to piano. So we got that to look forward to on Netflix. Netflix premieres the seven deadly sins revival of the commandments anime in October. So that's also coming. And then this is some interesting news. Um, VRV. Did they, is it called VRV or Verve? I think, I think they refer to it as Verve as well. Okay. So, so Verve, uh, Verve is doing um, Nicktoons. Like 90s Nicktoons are coming here. So all that, Rocka's Modern Life, uh, Wild Thornberries, Legend of the Hidden Temple, All Real Monsters, Catdog, Doug, Angry Beavers. All of which I never watched as a kid. And kill the man's show. And then, and then even though Augie tried to disparage us, uh, Nickelodeon Guts right here, if you want to watch it. Oh, the more interesting one is Legends of the Hidden Temple and uh, yeah, Double Dare. But, yeah, but that's not what you said on... Uh, I know, earlier. I know. Then, anyway. if you want to promote Guts, why the, why the boring sports segment? You show the giant mountain thing that they climb. That's what you promote for it. The, Ast- the Astro Crag, isn't that from the other one? Yeah, yeah. No, that's from Guts. Is from Guts? I don't care. I don't watch enough of that. I, I'm surprised they even still have the the, <laughs> the recordings of those shows, honestly. Anyway, so um, Crunchyroll put out a uh, statement regarding the HTML5 uh, player and their originals. Likely which, in response to Digibro's video, but yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah. they didn't really say anything in this whole post, which I'd be happy to read if you guys Wait, is this a is this a new thing after everyone said the HTML5 player sucked? Uh, no, this is... I I don't... I have... Again, I don't use Crunchyroll, so I wouldn't know. Um, I didn't even know this was an issue. I didn't know they were using Flash. I didn't know you couldn't... I didn't know you couldn't uh, put it at the zero zero mark. I didn't know any of those things, so... Okay, so anyway, um, I'm just gonna... I don't even know what this article says, but... If you want to start on the HTML5 player, go to the third to the bottom paragraph and that's when they, it starts they say almost nothing here they just say we want to let everyone know that our, our html5 player will be available soon to 100 percent of users they basically say like we're going to roll it yeah. out to a quarter of all viewers next okay Tuesday, well, and well i have an update crap. to this so yeah. it started out with blah blah oh they don't have an html5 player you have to get this unofficial plugin 
And then after that was said, uh, Crunchyroll said, oh, we've been working on this for a really long time. We have our own HTML5 version. And uh, that was rolled out. And it sucks. And that plugin actually works better. Yeah, well, the the thing I find funny about this, (laughs) here's a screenshot of the new player. Yes, it it looks looks almost the same as the current player, but it's much more performant and is in HTML5. Um, You can't see the HTML5. Seriously, there's nothing to see here other than just this little orange strip that shows you how far into the episode you are. There's no play or pause or anything. Okay, hold on. Dude, it's not going to be that bare bones. It's probably a little pop up when you put your no, cursor. I'm just saying, why, why even include this in the article? I think they're trying to say that um, their text on screen looks the same. It's not like they made some wacky fonts. Or I don't know. But anyway, the point is, it sucks, apparently. And my coder friend, who's in like uh, game programming, all that crap, said, yeah, it apparently, from what I've heard, it looks like it was put together in a couple days, which yeah. it probably was, exactly. to save their ass. Is... But despite them yeah, saying, yeah. we've worked on this for a very long time, it's like, if you did, you would have put it out already. But either way, I'm they glad had, they're... They had other stuff to say that I just like banging my head against the wall over regarding the cloud. I'm glad they have a little pressure on them to innovate I guess you could say hopefully they have a good HTML5 player soon. But anyway, it's still functional to me, whatever, if you like it. Anyway, this, let's get This blows to- my mind here. Over the last few months, we've added significant capacity and migrated our infrastructure fully to the cloud. Oh, Even though people have okay. been complaining about it for a while. Okay. First of all, how do you migrate physical infrastructure to the cloud? Second of all... How is the cloud any different from hosting a server? You just put it on somebody else's server. <laughs> Reese says the entire IT staff is now all female. <laughs> is that a real thing or is that? No, no, no. He's joking. That's joking. Okay. That's joking. <laughs> anyway, I just... I, it's, it's bizarre to me. The anime industry or people tangentially related to it like this, it's... I I'm just I'm shocked at the downward spiral that when I mean, we just got done talking about Sentai and all that, you know, and and these decisions are just like it's amazing how quickly you can royally fuck things up. Now, well, Crunchyroll uh, doesn't have much for competition besides like High Dive and Netflix if you want to call that competition, but mm-hmm. By the way, did now, you remember know that this Netflix- was also released like Friday after last podcast? Yeah, did you know that Netflix has a uh, Netflix-promoted uh, original uh, Mexican anime? <laughs> did nope. you know that? No. I lo- this is so Augie, you, know how you, you know how you love to uh, point out the fact that uh, Crunchyroll tries to distance themselves from the fact that they were originally a fan website. I mean, I don't see any yeah. point in them bringing it they're... up. I don't feel like they're trying to dodge it. It's just what. No, what's the I'm just point? saying, like, like they they don't bring it up here, but they they say our love and focus on anime isn't going anywhere. You can read a bit more from this Variety article on the topic. In the Variety article, they specifically talk about the fact that uh, that they are originally a fan website. Um, yeah, but there's something in here. I well, think it's about the. 
the Mexican anime from Netflix. See if it's we wish our team could do that. So we've started up a bunch of new original. Just, yeah, there you go. Oh my god, my Mac keyboard. Mexican anime. This one. This one. Face Manos. It'll be like the nut shack where it's like everyone conveniently was Filipino American or whatever because it was a Filipino American creator or something. It's going to be like, oh, we just happened to be all Mexican. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because two things should be noted about this. Viz Media? Viz Media shared the first look at. So here's what should be noted about this. Uh, Number one, Netflix didn't... uh, virtue signal about diversity and all that stuff with this show. Ah. But here's the other thing. None of us knew this was even a thing until until this article. <laughs> so huh. there is that. <laughs> Am I right? I, I mean, why, but they're like taking the clamp to the next level. They don't even get noticed. <laughs> Maybe narrow minded on this, but I look at the picture and I'm just imagining Jade from Jackie Chan Adventures grown up and off yeah, on her own that's, adventures. That's what it looks like, right? The art style. It, yeah. it, it only tangentially even feels anime-like. This looks like Jackie Chan Adventures, but... Anyway, yeah. I, I'm just... This worries me. This one right here about the... Oh, yeah, we've, we've migrated our infrastructure fully to the cloud. It's like, wh- what are you talking about? You know, it's just, it's so ridiculous. I think also, they're trying they, to make themselves sound like they're really innovating when they haven't really done I, anything. I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like everything past here, everything past this paragraph, I feel like they're just bullshitting. And like you said, they it seems probably like they coded the HTML5 player in a couple hours kind of thing. It just seems like bullshit. Anyway. To me, this, to me, that whole article kind of reads like they... Pick someone from HR to quickly write something up and make it sound good. Yeah, basically. Okay, let's move on. I think it's less of what? PR, if you ask me. Okay. Anyway, so um, I'm leaving these in here. Um, not these. I'm leaving these in here until after the uh, the date that they. These are from last podcast right here. I'm going to leave these in here until after they're out of theaters. It's just to remind you guys if you want to check them out that they're coming up. Um, but uh, Liz and the Bluebird uh, is coming to North American theaters on November 9th. And Eleven Arts is going to host the dubbed The Laws of the Universe uh, Part 1 screenings in the U.S. and Canada. Ooh, for the once. Laws of the Universe is from the uh, Happy Science Cult. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Happy Science Picture no, Studio. Yeah, well, at least we can get more hard copies of the stuff. Kind of strange that them of all people would grab it, but well, sure. Eleven Arts isn't a physical copy distributor. They're literally just theater only. Pretty sure. Yeah. Look at. They'll uh, find a way. This looks like. I can't even. I can't even come up with what this looks like. I would say Devil Lady, which is not a. Uh, well, it looks it like a lady? succubus. Okay, no, I'm talking about the art style. The is art Devil style. is Devil Lady oh. the one that was a Western animation that was released by ADV? Lady Death. That's that's the one no, I'm talking about. Lady, Lady Death. Death. Yeah. Lady Death. Um 
this this looks worse than that though. It does this doesn't even I mean, I'm not saying it's not anime because it because it's it's you know from happy science cult and everything, but I'm just it's just yeah. weird because it looks out of place like it's a western thing trying to be anime, doesn't it? I see what you mean, yeah. To me it kind of looks like 2000 something animated from 2001 and they're trying to learn the 3D tool <laughs> and different backgrounds. Oh, just, just a real quick comment, uh, Brad. You might like uh, New Game because there's this. Uh, she's learning this program called Autodesk Saya. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I, he, I he would like New Game it. because it's very. Aside from him not being a woman, it's very relatable <laughs> to what he would do. Don't assume my gender. Anyway, um, <laughs> especially I don't know after what that, that even means. <laughs> Especially yeah. after that California law that states that the uh, the um, like the what is it called the board of directors now need to have a, a woman on staff in 2019 yeah. anyway or 2020 or whatever it is. Um, Eleven arts to screen. Their... Oh, go ahead. Eleven arts to screen Penguin Highway film uh, in U.S. theaters in winter of 2019. So this is still a ways away. That one looks uh, interesting. Well, actually, no, because I. Winter crosses into January. <laughs> Damn it. I know the seasons of anime are all confusing. Well, when I when I was a kid, I used to it made logical sense to me that you would orient January, February, all that stuff so that it it would be like, yeah, so January's where uh spring, spring starts. starts. Three months Months in is where it ends. Then you've got summer, right? Like that's that's logically that makes yeah. sense. Can you to me click as a on kid. film. And then when I click on film, yeah, I think it might take you to like the ticket register, or it will say a film no, is filmography definition. Because I think that that film that I just clicked on was talking about this particular film. Anyway. um... No, it gives me hope that I'll have insane animation. But it looks know. cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going because. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Laughing under the clouds. Uh, third film is gonna also come in 2019. How does that still have stuff coming out? I mean, I haven't I watched it, but. Uh, Night is short. Walk on girl film earned three hundred fifty thousand dollars at the box office. What? Technically, three hundred fifty thousand nine hundred seventy-nine. So almost three hundred fifty-one thousand. Did this like recently um, come out? Because that looks like yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure that's watched it like it. before last podcast. When when we saw Tatami um, Galaxy, when we saw fireworks. We saw ten minutes of this movie at the end. Oh, right. Which, which sadly, it's not her being a drunken slub the whole time. Um. So fireworks, by comparison, which may have had more more screening dates and all that. Um, earned five hundred twenty-two thousand six hundred. So, anyway, and then just to remind you, Sword Art Online, whatever this is, is uh, going to start airing September fifteenth. Haikyuu, the movie, is going to be September nineteenth, twenty-second, twenty-third, and Mariah's coming November thirtieth. Right. Uh, and um, Reese wants to know what you thought of it, Augie, because you saw it. Um, I did see it. It's one of those movies that if you right sit back. down to. I enjoyed the movie. It is abstract. And for the only thing that threw me off was how 
I couldn't decide if the pace of the movie was just one night or if this was a series of different nights. Other than that, um, I like the characters. I like the different ways that the story applies itself. It has technically have three phases of the story. They all get drunk. They go to a midnight book thrift store and then everyone gets sick. Um, I didn't, and I did not spoil anything from saying that. Um, give it a watch. It's a very different pace of a show. I haven't seen Tatami Galaxy, which that's probably going to be a big indicator if you like it or not. Or if you're f- more familiar with this person, this person's work. Um, so those are my two cents on that. It is this like, uh, wasn't there something that uh, was pre-Tatami Galaxy that it was based off of? Is that this? This is, this this is based off of... This is based off of a book loosely. Uh, apparently, when Tatami Galaxy was over with, the creator had a poll to ask which two characters he should work on next for something. So, he took the results of the poll, took this novel. I'm not sure if it's prior or after he got done with it. With it and made the movie. So, um, yeah, it's Walk On Girl was. Uh, there's a couple novels that were turned into movies that some of them were, I think, compilations of parts of two separate novels or whatever. I don't know. But um, but just real quick, remember uh, last podcast uh, we talked. I briefly mentioned that I had noticed anime snobs um, what his five star oh, ratings okay. went to. Yeah, um, one of them was, I think was Tatami Galaxy. So, anyway, he gave a four point five to Persona 4's anime. I was really shocked to see that. Yeah, it's hard to tell though because um, you don't know if anime snob and his Rorycon fan username are the same persona because it's hard to tell if he's actually if he's actually like I mean it's probably an exaggeration of himself if anything. Um, yeah. so it's, it's hard to tell if his ratings on anime planet are from the perspective of his character of anime snob, or if it's legitimately him, uh, like his own legitimate thoughts on things. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell, you know, anyway, animation studio drop prepares to file for bankruptcy. Um, we talked about this last podcast. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. Uh, or we talked about this. We we had talked about we had gone over an article that was speculating that they were going to go that direction based on some stuff. Anyway, well, all I have to say is that uh, they're going out of business because I didn't even know they existed there. Uh, according to a report uh, on an economics website, as of August 24, 2018, Narima-based animation studio Drop has ceased operations and it's preparing for to file for bankruptcy. So, first of all, um, if you don't even have enough confidence in your company to treat it as a proper noun um, and capitalize it, then yeah, I mean, nobody else is going to take you seriously. Well, Founded who, in 2000, good. Well, what anime have they made? I'm about to go through that right now. Founded in 2004, Drop specialized in commercial animation. Okay, so they, they did stuff like uh, 
They might have been they might have been a company designed to outsource stuff that wasn't specifically anime uh, series related. The um, McDonald's commercials and stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. That, that could have been that could have been something that they were specialized in, or like cutscenes in uh, video games or something. Anyway, video production and CG production, uh, and they also produced the 2017 anime TV series Glamorous Heroes and Lights of the Cleone, uh, which I. I think this is Glamorous Heroes, obviously, right here, um, which I'd never heard of or seen before. Uh, anyway, continuing. The article... Okay, so... And we could look them up on... Um, I mean, we could look them up right here. No. <laughs> Saki Drop comes up? <laughs> Not the same thing. Uh, I'll look them up when we get to... Uh, what was the name of the thing? It was um, Glamorous Heroes. I'll, I'll look this up when we get to uh, one of the tabs that has... Uh, anime news network thing so we can look them up real quick chibi maruko chan manga author momoko sakura passes away at 53 was that the second longest living anime manga person you know why she passed away is because she doesn't smoke Uh. i don't don't know that's a joke (laughs) (laughs) what an awful thing for me to have said about so she died of breast cancer (laughs) oof that sucks uh, she's best known as the creator of national popular show Chibi Maruko Chan. Good. I remember seeing this. Uh, I don't know too much about what what this character is all about, but I remember like reading the name and passing in like Anime yeah. Insider or it's it's Inside not magazine. something that bridged to the West uh, the way that other things have. So it's not something that we really know about. Right. I, I don't think so. Anyway. I do like how all the artists like came together and just drew yeah. drew different collaboration pictures in memory this, of the person. Yeah, this this being an example, it's kind of kind of sucks that this kind of stuff happens after you die. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Like, um, I think that the human race should get in the habit of demonstrating appreciation and value while people are still alive. You should make a manga based off that. Uh, finally, the disappearance. Go ahead. The disappearance? Used to hard, you know. Disastrous Life of Psyche K, new anime, will be its final chapter. So the new anime coming out is going to do the final chapter for the manga? They're going to pretty much. This is going to be a concluding season since they got right. caught up to a certain point with season two. I'm glad to hear about this because how it ended, it kind of felt like they could have just stopped at that point and made people like me really want it even more. So I'm glad yeah. this is happening. Yeah, the disappearance of Sekai, Psyche K, disastrous life. It's supposed to be Psyche Kun, but. Well, that's about it. There's no other pictures to really go off who's who's who in the series. Yeah, I was just reading. All right. Reese uh, also shared this. Um, the official Psychopaths Facebook page, which Reese said was run by Funimation, uh, posted this image. Psychopaths SS? Sinners of the System Case 1. So the speculation coming from Reese was uh, that 
they've they've got the movies. So I guess there's three movies that are uh, coming, forthcoming. So, um, so oh, that was joy. what he said. I can't wait. And I then can. he he also um, shared Boy. this. Steinsgate Zero fans, Mayuri's voice actor, Ashley Birch, will not be able to continue her role as Mayuri for the remainder of the broadcast run due to personal and time constraints. So this is specifically about... Um, the broadcast dub. Yeah, about the broadcast dub, the simul dub or whatever. However, we are excited to have Megan Shipman take over the role. We know that she will do a great job. And this is a personal message from Ashley. She said, I'm heartbroken to announce that due to scheduling impossibilities, I won't be able to continue voicing Mayuri uh, for the remainder of the series. I love the show and this character, and I don't take this decision lightly. All my love and apologies to the fans for this change. So, Well, the beauty of broadcast dubs is that, is that they before can the Blu-ray comes out, you can bring them back in to finish the job, but they're probably not going to do that because they probably don't want to spend more money. Yeah, they probably. Let, let's be real. They probably won't do that. I they might. They Steve might Ro- take Megan Shipman and have her vo- revoice the earlier episodes. Megan Shipman's was, actually pretty good. She's doing uh, new game uh, dub yeah. for whatever. So but. Reese had pointed out that Ashley Birch is also voicing um, Sasha in uh, Attack on Titan. Potato Girl. Yes. So, look at your... Okay, he wants me to look at his comment on it. How many lines does Potato Girl have? Right, that we, were, we were discussing that, that, that. It may not... The reason why she's not dropped out of that one could theoretically be... Where's your comment? Oh, your comment on the actual thing over here. Between will two you voice re-dub? actresses, will you redub her back weird. into the? No, no word at the moment, but we'll keep you updated with news. Uh, That's a fancy it. way of saying no. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, I. Uh, okay. I was about to say my comparison that uh, with D. Grayman, they didn't get. Uh, What's his name? The guy who does Roy Mustang to come back to do him because I'm assuming he just doesn't do Funimation roles anymore, from what I can tell, because he's been in LA. Vic. With Alan Walker. Vic Vic Mignogna is the uh, voice of Alphonse. Oh, yeah. Alphonse? Alphonse Elric? Or Edward Elric? Edward Elric? What about it? What? Augie's crazy. I got a voice confused. Let me, yeah, but let hold me on. Why did you even mention that? Uh, okay, I was gonna say, wasn't D? Wasn't one of the actors in D. Gray Man the one that went to prison for uh, pedophilia or something? Um, I there mean, Baca and Tess. One... Yeah, no, it's High School DxD. You're talking about? Oh, right. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one for sure. Anyway, um, so regarding this though, um, this sounds like just to... bad timing. They could we're easily bring her back in. We're going to be watching Steinsgate um, for the next uh, Watch Club, and uh, this throws a wrench in your plans. Well, I may, I may not. Um, Reese says it was Scott Freeman, and he went to jail. Um, so anyway, um, mm. I may, I, I may change my opinion yeah. on this, but I'm just saying, from what I remember, the first time watching Steinsgate, I didn't dislike my Yuri. 
but I don't remember her sticking out to the point where her getting replaced would be something I'd even notice. You know what it's I mean? It's just... Ah! Adorable. Are you all of a sudden oh, having PTSD? Yeah, you hold me back to it. Um, so anyway, uh, so the thing about Ashley Birch, though, is when I think of her voicing Sasha, I can't even begin to picture her also comparing her. Yeah. Anyway, so I want to move on. Um, okay. Black Clover anime to continue beyond episode 51. And this That's is an probably a bad thing. thing. Well, I'm not surprised. More autistic. Inspired by Naruto follows the same rules as Naruto. Where was your post on this? I didn't post anything. Reese said, remember how set three is going to come with quote in, or with an art box to quote hold it all? Apparently that's not going to happen if they're going to continue um, beyond episode 51. But... Uh, what? Are you sure that they said with an art box with set three? Because that's all around pre-order and there's no art box list. I'm just that? I'm just quoting what Reese said. So I'm I'm saying the way that he phrased it sounds like uh um sounds like uh they haven't actually produced it yet. So if that's the case, I would say like, hey, just hold off and wait well, until after Well the thing is if they're gonna have more than fifty one episodes, it's probably gonna be like Hundred or seventy-five, they could okay. just make a second art box. I don't see the they could. big they issue could. with that. Well, I just who uh, I'd, like, I'd like them to who avoid the, the manga from Black Clover. This no, who's the publisher? What do you mean? Like Shonen Jump, Shonen, Shonen Sunday, Jump. Shonen Jump. Okay. Um, Reese, cite your source that says that there's an art box, because I'm holding you to that. I'm sure he's already on it right now, looking it up. Do your homework. Glam- because I've Glamour been down is not even coming up with a... An article? Like, nothing. Well, let me just look up Drop. See if I can find it through Drop. I just, Why don't just put Glamour and A&M. Blue Drop, Usagi this. Drop, Drop Kick. So this is the... So oh my god, you, AC, just put... Oh. I'm waiting on hold for Reese. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. According to Studio Drop's uh, thing here, they did finish animation in between animation. It seems like their job is to, like, f- they're filling in gaps. Uh, right, so they're just... So they worked on 11 Eyes. Studio. Who's looking for anything that looks... Afro Samurai... I know Kusabi, I Tenchi Muyo, AKB0048. If they're the ones doing the CG in that uh, show, they it's definitely deserve to have gone thing. out of business. Yeah, they should have gone out of business a long time ago. Amnesia? Not a win named Amnesia. That's a different thing. Uh, the Baki. Photography assistance for Baki? Apparently, I, d- I thought that was going to be like six episodes because it said ONA, but it's got a second core coming. Okay, so this is the new one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's got a second core coming. Yeah, 26 episodes. Cannot wait. So it might actually be substantial instead of some third flash in the pan. Yeah. 
I'm I'm glad that they're doing more of it, and I I hope they get to the George Bush arc. <laughs> I can't wait. To, so yeah, it was uh, serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, there are in the U.S. 14 uh, graphic novels. So 51. How many? How many episodes usually per like book? Like three. It honestly depends on how long the chapters are and stuff. Okay. Anyway, so let's. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to see. I, oh, that's that's like seven or eight. They did a lot of work. Boruto. Yeah. Cat Planet Cuties. Did we? Oh, Castletown. Okay. Uh, Death, Death Note. So they've they've been involved in some. Oh, they mentioned W. So it seems it seems to me like. A company like this, I mean, because they've gotten a lot of work. I mean, this is since what was it, two thousand four? So, but they've gotten a. I mean, this is not a unsubstantial amount of work. I think they're just underbidding themselves. Maybe. Which is probably how they, probably how they got so much work. Let's be real. Um, anyway. Well, another no, not there. The. The Goku uh, voice actress uh, revealed that the catchphrase in Dragon Ball anime started as an ad lib. I'm not going to go through this whole thing. I'm just going to say that in in the Japanese version, uh, Goku says "Os ora Goku," which uh, they translate to "Yo, I'm Goku," uh, which is actually a in the Dragon Ball series has sort of become a thing that we don't really know about. Like there's a OVA or whatever called. Yo, the return of Son Goku and friends in ONA. Yeah, that was the anniversary. That's original net anime. This is the one where Vegeta's brother shows up, right? Yep, he's right there yeah, above Piccolo. Yep, Tarble. That's his name, right? Yep, Vegeta's yep. younger brother, Tarble. For some reason, Funimation can't release this ONA. Right? Really? Crazy well, I guarantee guys. you, I Guarantee you, if they could, they would have already. Uh, 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 Reese has got a uh, ready to eat your words, FDDNF. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm already on his page that he's oh. sourced. I didn't know they had an article for this, but no wonder they have nine episodes a thing because they have five cancerous parts. They're making the home video releases of Black Clover Season 1 magical. Oh, they're making it. They're making it magical. Yeah, part three will have collector's box to hold all five sets together. Why three of all of the volumes? Do it on the final volume because then you can start yeah. at one and then you can finish with that nice box that, of an empty box that has yeah. nothing in it. Yeah, we will have. We have different theories on that. Yeah, three does seem like a word. But you you should either do it as the second one. Because then people have already bought the first one and determined whether or not they want to continue the series or not, or the last one. So that's why they did the second one. Well, I, I suspect that was the, the rationale behind it. It makes sense, but I still hate it when it's volume two. It's like, ah, but I don't want to have just, only volume two. I'd rather it be volume one. That way, if they don't like it, they resell it a lot cheaper. <laughs> that well, then and it's, you start off Wayne. Have an initial goal to collect. I would rather series, be, if you're still interested. I would rather it be the other way because it doesn't matter if I'm getting it for less money because the the company is going to benefit more from it, and I I want to support the actual show if I'm going to buy the show. 
I more or less just want to be able to, because I want to be efficient with my spending. So I want to just get the collector's item and then, then worry about getting the rest later. So if I have that, I at least have volume one that I can start with. But I, I think the best way, well, no, no, see, this is tricky. And this is sort of like, this is interesting to see that they're actually kind of returning to this method of doing things. Although Funimation has done their limited edition things the way they have. Um, but uh, maybe three, they're just doing the volume <laughs> two thing and just hoping people need to force themselves to buy volumes one and two. Okay, we, we're running into this again. Fall 2018, winter 2019. They mean the beginning of the year. Okay, they, yeah, that's definitely what winter 2019 is then. <laughs> I don't just say quarter one 20, uh, 2019. I can agree with that. No, I'll just put the month and year. That way there's no question about it. Put the day. Put the exact minute it's going to be live. <laughs> okay, anyway, but I, what, I'm, what I was getting at is that I, it's interesting to see them do this. Now, they have done the limited edition thing where you buy the box with part one and then put part two in it. But it's, it's interesting to see them do this because, and it's smart, it is smart to maintain this way of doing it because... If you release the box at the end with the whole set in it, people who already bought it are going to probably um, sell what they have in order to replace it. No, with I'm not saying have volumes one to five. I'm saying if you do. Yeah, no, that's. I'm yeah. saying that it's smart that they're doing it this way because if they did do it volumes one through five in the oh. collector's box, then the people who already bought it are not going to buy it because they already have one through five, or they're going to sell one through five, which means that other people who might have bought it with the art box are going to buy the reselled uh, seller version, right? So it's actually smarter for them to do it this way because it cuts out that as an option. It makes it easier for you. Or, or the best way they could do it is sell it with the complete set or just buy the box. That, that's the way the, the company should set, operate. Then we'll have a Legend of the Galactic Heroes 2. No. Anyway. Uh, so let's continue here. For that OVA. Oh, huh. For the ONA? For the ONA, what I find kind of funny is they include launch in it, but super onward, they just ignore that Akira once again ignores that she, she exists for some reason. No, he doesn't ignore it. He just forgets because yeah, he, no, he literally forgets. forgot. He forgot characters like um, launch. General existed. Tower, whatever his name is, existed yeah. and launch. Launch he keeps forgetting about. But the thing is that um, there's a brilliant line in the live action Cromarty High School uh, that is a joke, but actually has like so much innate wisdom to it that it kind of blows your mind. Where they talk about you can only have seven heroes, right? It's the idea that um, seven samurai. Uh, like they, they go on, they go off Same on a list seven. of magnificent seven, all these things that, um, and it, it actually is in a storytelling, uh, like a, uh, like from a story writing perspective, it's kind of a rule that if you go over a certain number of characters, you can't give them ample enough screen time, right? So, and and you can't you can't develop them without it becoming confusing and burdensome right so um movies like toy story that follow 
um, you know, Buzz and Woody and, you know, like all these other characters, like you got the, you got the main characters, then you've got the side characters like Mr. Potato Head and the Slinky Dog and the Rex and, you know, all these characters that it's, um, there's a certain limit where if you put too many in, uh, it, it, there's diminishing returns on characters, right? Um, and I think with Akira Toriyama, he keeps bringing in new characters that become main characters, and then other characters have to fade away from focus um, it, because they can't, they just can't always be getting lines and stuff. Like um, when they have a get together, you'll notice that he tries to get, um, that he tries to incorporate people like launch and whatnot yamcha like in the background even if they don't have a line kind of thing um but uh but yeah i just i think that there's an aspect of it that he has got too many characters because so many characters are villains that become good guys piccolo vegeta frieza everybody right you know boo you know it's like he it's this thing is that he he has a hard time um killing off his characters even his heroes you know they come back from the dead right he has a hard time with that and i i weirdly think he's made a very entertaining series, regardless of the fact that there's no sense of urgency to, to right. character deaths. But yeah. Anyway. Auditions are now open for Fist of the North Star virtual YouTuber. And can we not continue this already? <laughs> you mean the VTuber VTuber culture? Like the fact that these are even a thing? Because <laughs> I, I, I will agree with that. <laughs> But uh, if you want to be the the, um, I don't think Damn. you're even the voice. You're just the the acting and persona of the character. That you don't even show up on camera. It's literally you're the motion capture for it. Um, so men ages sixteen and up are eligible, regardless of body type, because they're only providing the motion capture and won't be seen on screen. Um, potential actors must also be able to be in Tokyo for at least a week for filming. In return, Donuts promises that you will not have to share a stage with Kenshiro. Uh, Donuts is the company doing the, the VTuber thing that they're sort of outsourcing uh. it to. Um, that's such a disgusting shot. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I just thought that was funny. That of all the characters for them to do a, a virtual, you, I mean, like you could have done Rin. <laughs> no, <laughs> we do this. I haven't watched this. Say what? I haven't watched this. Oh, so I. So, do you two know who Hart is in Fist of the North Star? I don't. I just only, the only characters I only characters I, I know okay. by name. So that's so that second picture right there. Hart's ability is to absorb stuff through his fat. Yeah. So typically, if he runs across someone that knows Ken's martial art, he can destroy them because he can outtire them. Yeah. However, Ken's a master, blah, blah, blah. Because it's, it's ex- his body type is exactly the opposite scenario. In most cases, in a real street fight, the guy this big is going to tire out before the the martial art master, right? Like, by a long shot. Oh, yeah. That's what happened with Kimbo Slice when he finally fought the uh, the MMA fighter. He, tired, he got so tired he couldn't continue. Anyway. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Like, Let's let's just keep going. So so this blew my mind. Hanebado, the badminton anime currently airing, has a Twitter collaboration with Baki the Grappler called Hanebaki. One sec. Is it pronounced badminton? Because every single time that I've pronounced it as a kid, it's badminton. And every person from the US says badminton. 
like it's some foreign word. I never knew that there was a just know that there is. Just know that there's a shell cock in there, and you'll be fine. Okay. What did you say, Brad? You both talked. I know, and one of us had something important to say, and the other one made out oh, weird. I didn't know there was a second N in here until you just said it. Uh, <laughs> I've always heard it badminton. Oh my god! Anyway, well, that um, just blew both our minds. Yeah. So. <laughs> This is like the understatement of, of the year. Badminton anime Hanabato and prison martial arts anime Baki may not have much in common, <laughs> but the two air back-to-back on Tokyo MX. Okay, so that's why they're doing it. So uh, they're basically the same show. <laughs> this proximity means it's time for... tired, yeah. The thing I love about Japan is they come up with clever i like the ideas like it's literally like uh the scenes in that 70 show where they do the the camera going around the table while they're getting high it's like i just imagine they think they uh they somebody in the studio is talking uh, like at the um at the fuji tv or whatever the places that they broadcast the thing uh and they misspeak and mention hane baki instead of uh Hanebado or something like that. And then that becomes like, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious? Yeah, let's call them up. Let's call them up. And they do it. And they're like, hey, guys, we just had this really funny idea. And they're like, let's run with it. You know, like that's just what seems like happens in Japan so often is they just come up with a really ridiculous idea and they actually run with it. I love Japan. Well, I guess Baki's gotten a fourth life from this. There's a special Hanebaki Twitter account that will consist of three phases. The first phase starts late tomorrow night and will consist of a three-round phrase battle. Cool quotes from characters from each series will be pitted against each other, and Twitter users will judge for themselves which is the coolest. The second phase will entail voice actors from both series and pit protagonist parents. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I haven't watched Hanebato, but there's no re- there's no way that Baki's dad isn't going to destroy <laughs> whoever the parents of Hanebato are. <laughs> Yujiro Hanma is probably like the demon of, of anime. <laughs> there will also be a third phase to be expanded on at a later date. <sighs> That's All amazing. right. That's amazing. I love this. All right. So up the next, says, oh. you showed this. I what tried reading say? this. This was what did Reese say? Read. Oh, Reese said what was he essentially says it's their way of swindling the customer into buying the whole black clover thing because if they get set three, it's like, well, now I need to get the rest of it and commit right, to which it. Was, which was the business model of putting them out in um, volume one and volume two, but more specifically volume one with the art box back then. Because it was a motivation to continue collecting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this uh, the the main reason this is even being brought up uh, is we had we didn't know who Ed Chavez was uh, in the last podcast, and uh, this sort of clears that up. Um, so he is the was he the founder or the yeah so the founder of Faku, um, Jacob Grady. Is now is the, he's the founder of Denpa, but Ed Chavez uh, was the one who 
um, announced it or whatever. He's former former marketing director for Vertical Inc. Okay, so that's that's an answer to who that is. Did you have something specific you wanted us to uh, talk about, Reese, or other than I'll just list these while you, while you get back to me? Uh, so these are the, the lineup of the titles they're going to be doing. They've got Inside Mari, which is a nine-volume series from the creator of Flowers of Evil. Oh, see, they're using quarter four, 2018. Good for them. See, they're already well, at means. Pez, a post-apocalyptic story. Uh, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the candy <laughs> about a girl and her cybernetically modified friend. The story will be released uh, in, as a single volume in quarter four of 2020. That's like the last three months of 2020. Don't worry, Reese. I, guess... I do have something to say. 2020. Jeez. Anyway, Gambling Kaiji. Apocalypse Kaiji. So that is the one we actually care about. An award-winning An series about a prolific gambler who bets uh, on everything from pachinko to rock, paper, scissors. Depa will publish the series in six 500-page omnibus volumes. Grown. Okay, now I'm sold. I'm sold just based on he'll bet from pachinko to rock, paper, scissors. Okay. An um, invitation from a crab, you... a short story collection, in the railways, uh, a train-themed short story collection, and future log and art book by Range Murata. If y'all look at Seven Seas, they take like six to nine months to release another volume of what they have. So I'm kind of not surprised. By that. Things, but um, what what FDDNM? I I said they also have like fifty things. But what I was gonna say about this is that this gives me the hope that they're gonna be like uh, the manga equivalent of Discotech. Because if you read in the article, the guy in charge sounds like he know, he knows what he's doing. And he the, basically the guy in charge, meaning Ed Chavez or Jacob Grady. Ed, because apparently he's kind of in charge of what they license, from what I can well, tell. Yeah, I guess because being the the former marketing director uh, would, uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Well, he says in the article because there's yeah, a question: right. How do you how how are you guys picking this based on the community feedback, or is are it pure, focusing on a particular genre? It says right there. And it essentially says, um, yeah, it's more or less curated by me. However, what I'm going for is a more diverse uh, something or other. He's yeah. basically saying they have much more variety in, is it Spain and France? And Spain's particularly like recent in manga and stuff. But still, they have much better variety. So he's focused on bringing more variety. And he goes okay. on to giving the examples of what they have already licensed. Showing yeah. it's like, oh, we got crazy gambling, we got uh, shoujo romance or whatever, and then yeah, this and because that. because in the states, if, if you go to like Barnes and Noble or whatever, pretty much Naruto. everything is either shonen or shoujo, mm-hmm. because that's what sells to the demographic that that comes there, you know. And as you might see right now, he says that he's more into Jose Seinen and indie manga. And Jose is like the least, uh, I'm not going to say least popular, but it's like there's very few Jose compared to every other demographic. So you know you got a good curator when he's into the obscure. <laughs> well, Reese says they got the Fate Cooking Show series, yep. today's yep. menu for Emia family. Yep. I think that'll actually be the best fit of that fiction so far. <laughs> That's a manga, I'm assuming? He said show series. Is that it's an anime as well. It's so, currently airing. So 
Denpa is going to be publishing the anime too, or? What? No, they're manga publisher, but I'm saying so that... I'm, ask, um, I'm asking what Reese is talking about. He says they got the fake cooking show series, Today's Menu for Emiya Family. They got the so, manga for it. Okay, so that's what I was asking. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know if there... You said it's an anime, so I, I got confused. I was saying it's you also meant, an you anime. Meant it's, yes, I know. You meant it's yeah. Okay. Shoujo manga predicted 2018's Japanese high school baseball championship 34 years ago. There you go. So I'm not going to just to save time. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to bother reading through all this. Uh, it's, it's less uh, impressive than it sounds. Just some, some people on Twitter had pointed out that uh, basically these are the things that were the similarities between the team and the manga and the real world team include status is an unknown regional agricultural high school, lack of funds to pay for hotel expenses at the finals, causing the team to rely on donations from locals support performances from an orchestra due to lack of brass band at the school status of the opposing team in the finals is a well-known urban high school with previous overall wins team members, uh, strong legs due to agricultural experiences, lack of second string pitcher, uh, match developments in the finals, including the leading points in the home run reversal, uh, competing in the finals against the biggest favorite to win and finishing as a runner up. So, anyway, um, yeah, yeah, so Reese confirmed he meant, yeah, Dempa has the manga, and he says, I just call it the fake cooking show like it's on Food Network. Hunter Hunter manga returns from a five-month hiatus on September 22nd, and Reese had uh, joked that it'll be returning to its hiatus on the in December, <laughs> like, like it'll be back. It'll be back to uh, um, to being on hiatus shortly later. I mean, based, based on the really trajectory. likely is going to. Yeah, let's let's be real here. Um, if it were me, if I was the author for this, I during my hiatus, I would actually be working the whole time just to try. But to he's get just playing several, Dragon Quest. Several volumes out of the way, you know. Yeah, but he's and playing you, Dragon you also, Quest. You also, like, the next volume after your hiatus had better have some incredibly detailed pictures in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just for fan uh, appreciation. Like, okay, so he took, he took, yeah. uh, he took, like, several months off, but it, uh, these pages look like, you know, he hired Kentaro Miura to do his next issue for him, kind of thing. Anyway. Uh, Hiroki Yagami's basketball manga, Dear Boys, to return with Act 4 in October. You mean so poop I days? It, I do, yes. I bring this up because this um, is the manga. Uh, and the anime was also called Dear Boys, but in the U.S. they released it as um, Hoop Days. And just so you know, if you're going to buy it, get the 28mm uh, Complete Collection from Bandai because this had a sorted release uh, history where they released volume one and two and then didn't release the, any of the other volumes and then just released it as a box set later to get it out there since they had gone to the trouble of dubbing it and everything. Oh, so it is dubbed. So uh, Reese also says that uh, his stuff is amazing. Literally volume 34 had some sick art uh, regarding Hunter Hunter, not, not dear boys. <laughs> I yeah, hope this gets okay. re-released cause it's been a pain trying to get the Bandai entertainment box. Like you hold held out without paying like price. I don't want to pay. 
I'm shocked to hear that because it is a garbage show. And in fact, there's like some history yeah. behind the show about production. Like the production was so bad uh, in terms of like how much funding they had. They were so under budget. Most of the animation is awful. There's a scene in the last episode where um, where you see a, a girl wearing a skirt walk down the, the steps of the school and the skirt goes like, all over the place on on her like where it ends on her leg, but it's just, the production is so bad, so bad. Anyway, now we've got some uh, rounded up print uh, counts for manga, so these are always fun to try to come up with something to say about. But they keep getting shit. Frag still going. <laughs> uh, say what? The frag still going. Nobody said it's still going. These are just how many they've sold. How is oh. defrags on there? Defrag. 1.5 million. Total number of volumes in print, 13. Golden Kamui, 8 million. I always need to have uh, Tokyo Ghoul here for reference. I should have I should have grabbed those ones just so that I can hold it up to that. It's funny. I know Golden Let's Kamui. See, uh... Let's see Watakoi being at uh, 7 million. Yeah, Yeah. with only six volumes. That uh, that probably puts it at the highest. uh, Like, this is per volume. This is the most sales of any of them. Wait, is this the one that I've been? Yeah, this is the one that I I specifically pointed out with the art style saying, I I think this is going to be good. It is. All right. I'm going to move on. I don't have anything else to say about that. Adult game developer Mink shuts down. Adult game developer Mink. What? Is anyone missing this in particular? Missing what? I well, let me just say I would have imagined they'd been out of uh, business for a long time, actually. I was surprised to learn that they're just now shutting down. Adult Game Creator Mink's uh, representative director Toshihiro Abiru announced on Monday that Mink will shut down this year after the company released its last work. In its announcement, Abiru stated that the company judged that it was, quote, no longer our time. Abiru added that he would be happy if people thought of the company as one of the industry's cornerstones. So, let me... (laughs) I'm, I'm determining whether or not I want to actually verbally say the stuff that I'm going to have to say if I continue to... The write. two facials of Eve? What the hell? <laughs> That's the American title I think Media Blaster gave it. Um, so Mink began creating adult games in 1993 with its One Power Wars game. Uh, the company is perhaps best known for its Yakin Byoto or Night Shift Nurses series. Uh, so, so to that I'm going to say, first of all, I've never watched that, but it's kind of notorious. <laughs> like... Do you guys know about this? Uh, which one? Night Shift Nurses? Yeah, I know about Night Shift Nurses. So, them saying it's no longer our time, I hope means people aren't interested in uh, people eating feces <laughs> anymore. And that, and that uh, the, the world is moving in a more wholesome direction. <laughs> really wholesome? There's more to Night Shift Nurses than that, but... Let's make a shirt. That's wholesome what, hentai. That's what it's known for. Is that that scene? 
um, which inspired numerous adult video anime. Some of its other games that inspired adult video anime include Laundries, which was released in the U.S.'s office, Laundries, uh, Utsuku Shiki... Sorority? Sin Sorority, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. That works. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, the two favorite ones. Monster no <laughs> And, uh... Heritage from okay, so so I, I I this is one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, bring this up actually. Heritage from Father. Uh, let me grab this real quick. Where is that? Hoop Days is right here. Then it, it's right next to me. It is. It's right next to me. This is so convenient. Oh, Not that boys. I can show it to you actually, but um, yeah, I can't show it to you. <laughs> uh, just describe. It? I'm gonna try to show you just the spine. Um, okay, so. I talked in my. Um, can you see it? Uh, I see it in one yeah. P. So, VA box. Can I see it? Uh, I'm. I'm not gonna show you more. This. It's completely explicit. But I talked about this company in uh, my video on um, um, smoke damage. The one I that don't smokes know. Me. I don't know that, well, yeah, everything I've gotten from this company reeks of marijuana on the, on the shrink wrap. If you take it out, it's fine, but, um, it's, it's region all. I don't think, I think this was a situation where the company that released it, uh, VA box, um, or AV box rather that they were, um, yeah, made in Taiwan. So these were like, May or may not be legitimate. This, well, let me say the next thing I'm going to say, and then you can determine. If you try to watch those DVDs, they are unwatchable. And I don't even know how they got made. Because um, I tried to watch the first DVD of that, and I thought it was uh, a real artsy uh, piece. Because basically, remember when you had a CD with a scratch and it would skip? Yeah. You're like, yes, the remix edition, right? That's what the the DVD is like. Episodes splice together, scenes just jump from. It's like I'm like I, I'm I'm looking at it from this like uh, from this perspective of uh, like a film um, major. Like, wow, the juxtaposition between each shot. This speaks, to me. and then and then like a, a three minutes into it, I'm like. There is no way this is right because the subtitle track is definitely not lining up at all with, with any actual dialogue. So I looked it up online and found out that the, the scenes um, like there's, I don't know what happened with their authoring process, but basically the DVDs are completely unwatchable. Anyway, let me, uh, let's continue here. I don't want to waste any more time. He says this avant grade. Uh, this avant-garde. Yeah, avant garde. It's okay, Augie. I used to think it said grade at a glance. Oh, I met. Oh, I did on purpose. Okay. Oh. Streets of Rage Four. Everyone wants to play it. It looks so awesome. It looks awesome in terms of the cutscene. <laughs> Don't know the about anim- the game. The, the anime like cutscene here looks really awesome. Kind of reminds me of like that other double dragon game. It looks even better at two frames a second. Well, you can look at it through the link. So it looks it looks awesome. The actual gameplay looks like shit because it's it's uh, like a cart. It's it's no longer pixel based, so it just looks like crappy uh, clip art drawings. 
maybe. Kind of reminds like, me of it, it like a high its... definition Game Boy Advance game. Lishansky says, "Just checking in." All right, man. Glad to have you here. Hey, leave leave the video on uh, anyway, since you're going to be starting over from the end. That way, I get that watch time. <laughs> um, <laughs> We need it. The channel is failing. Um, no, uh, so uh, but yeah, That's I just some I, modern beaten up, beat him up. Well, I just think that there were two ways that okay. So I, I think that old fighting games like this series benefited greatly from the artistic style of being pixel based. Pixel. And there were two ways you can go with it, and it's interesting to see now we've got we've got their attempt, which is to uh, to basically just do vector-based sort of clip art effects that are not necessarily pixel sprite-based anymore, right? Um, and then the other way was the Street Fighter 4 way of doing things, which is interesting. This is Streets of Rage 4. Um, so Street Fighter 4 being the recapture basically everything from the posing and everything of the games, but in a 3D model, 3D. right? So anyway... Also, just say, uh, Samurai and Demons Clash again when Onimusha Warlords returns. So this is coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. The ad, I'm pretty sure, is just the ad that they used from the PlayStation 2 one. Um, I'll just say, though, that Onimusha is a grossly underrated series. Amazing game. First one is dated but worth it to get into and play through to get into the second and third uh, and the fourth one's not spectacular, but the third are, one are especially you, is. Are you, sure, just, are you sure about the third one? I remember watching a movie for the most part for the, the third one. one. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's still a great game. Well, for Onimusha, I haven't heard a whole lot about the game, but every time I do hear it, I hear only positive stuff. So I don't know about the underrated claim, but well, so here's here's what First happened. Two, I agree, is awesome. But this is in, this is an interesting thing that happened here, and I don't, I, I, I don't know if they upped the. Uh, okay, so they, they've got like the the CG pre-rendered cutscenes in the first one, which don't look that good compared to how great they look in the second and third one. But um, then the actual footage... So first of all, let me just acknowledge the fact that literally the trailer and also the opening to the game is Princess Yuki writing a letter to Samonosuke asking him to come and save her. And he gets to the place where she was to find she's not there. And the letter is on the ground! (laughs) It clearly never got sent. (laughs) Anyway, but... um, So what happened here is this is from Capcom, right? Uh, So what they did is... This is the same thing that Capcom did... Uh, in fact, this was actually originally a Resident Evil uh, game. They were they were going to see about what if we same let with people, right? Same with Double May Cry. It was what if we let people utilize swords in um, in Resident Evil, and this became Onimusha, and then the the other thing of like swords and guns together became Double May Cry. Right. Um, so what, but what they did here is that you can tell it's the same thing that they were doing back in the day with resident evil with pre-rendered backgrounds. So that allowed them to get a much higher resolution in the background and the characters too, just, they have fixed camera angles, right? By Onimusha three, they actually started using 3d backgrounds. So the, so the quality looks a little bit less good in terms of the, um, in terms of the backgrounds. Uh, but you can, uh, you can move the camera around a little bit more. Um, anyway, so 
it's a good game. Um, it, if you have a chance to play, it's it's a lot of fun. It's kind of uh, dated in terms of the fact that a lot of things that they came up with for this game got used in other games like God of War. Uh, and one of the annoying things is that, that God of War did better is that um, you when you kill enemies in this game, you stop and suck up the souls that that burst out of them for power up and stuff. And in God of War, that comes to you automatically. You don't have to sit there and hold a button down. Um, so that's one thing that has been improved that is going to kind of be hard to come back to an older game like this to, and still enjoy it the same way. Well, now Anyways, that it's coming to PC, I can try. I can try. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it would be nice, see, because the, the thing that's really obnoxious about it is you can't be running around while doing it. You literally, you hold the button, you have to stand in one place, which creates an interesting dynamic to gameplay. And, you know, like, do I do I take a hit to suck up some of these souls or do I let them despawn so that I don't die? Kind of, you know, there is, there is an aspect to it. That's kind of interesting. Um, by the way, I didn't grab, I, I forgot to get, uh, I knew I was forgetting something with this podcast, but um, uh, I didn't grab uh, the right stuff uh, thing for us to talk about stuff. But anyway, here we've got, this person said, where's the slip cover at Funimation and at Crunchyroll? I don't know why they brought Crunchyroll. I noticed that. Is this the like, non-essentials the only release that came out of it um i have no idea i, I never heard because of this show before. i noticed on amazon i saw the like the standard looking cover art then i clicked the link and it had a different artwork like it was an essentials thing so they probably did ask the uh the slipcover so right and and the reason i would imagine they would have is because this sticker is on Thank you, uh, Reese, for sending me. I'll get it in a second. Well, actually, they put the stickers on the slip case because they did that with the new game season two that I showed you guys. Right. That's what I'm saying is that that because the sticker is not is actually on here, then that means that it wasn't good. They put the sticker on the back of the stupid thing as well. It's it's on the slip case on that one. It's on the back of the slip case as well. It's on the front. But why would you put it on the back in front of the information? I can't see what it says. That seems like a mistake. I've never seen that before. But I'm just saying that um, that it seems like uh, it, it seems to me that this is a confirmation, like that they are actually. Um, I'm getting some deja vu over the or like uh, the fact that they took a picture of their thing in front of their Twitter. So that they could then post it on their Twitter. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah. So, so the thing here is that be, this seems like confirmation that that we we we've speculated that was the direction they were going. Right. And it seems like well, this. Is it, a, I was gonna say if they don't natively release with a slipcase, I'll survive. But of course, it's sad to yeah, see them go. Well, I'll be I'll be annoyed if any ongoing series that had a slipcase. In future volume, like for instance, Black Clover. Since we were talking about if if Black Clover Volume Three has a slipcase and Black Clover Volume Four and Five don't, I'll be kind of irritated. I think they're honoring those because Sentai, in the same way, did their they honored how No Game No Life had the DVD dimensions and they did DVD Blu-ray combo despite axing the Blu-ray because that was their stance. But um, Funimation Funimation is actually pretty decent with slipcases um, well, when they do include yeah, them. Because but here's, twist, here's the thing. I, I think that this is, I think this is um, Sony acquisition of uh, Funimation and perhaps budget cutting. Or not budget cutting, but like looking for um, ways cutting to... Costs. Cutting costs. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that that's likely at play here. Um, yeah, probably. And here's, here's the thing. One of the main reasons why I didn't want to upgrade to Blu-ray as a collector for a long time is because uh, DVDs, like, for instance, just to pull a random one out from next to me, this, in my collection, looks pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And this is a relatively old show. This type of case keeps it safe and, you know, decent looking for a long time, right? Um, but Blu-rays that are just without um, a slipcase, they look kind of shitty in the spine region. Particularly, I hate, I've always hated this yeah. stupid thing. I've gotten um, so accustomed to the header. But in a collection, a single Blu-ray like this by itself in a row of DVDs doesn't look so bad. But once you start having, you know, an entire shelf of just blue, it, just, it doesn't look that good to me. I don't, I don't like I think it looks better when it's beside it, its counterparts because it looks less, uh, it looks like I, it goes with it better. I think there's more visual interest in the height variation of different things. Like when I look at my collection, um, DVDs all in a line together look pretty good. Uh, but then also an art box here or there, like where the height starts changing or like, for instance, uh, you guys can't see it, but what I'm looking at here with these being a little shorter. That looks less neat. I don't know. Uh, If if it's part of the same series, like, like I'm just now bringing out with ghost in the shell. Yeah. I would prefer them to be uniform, but, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like For in recent me, years. Was... One second, I'll just finish up my thought here. I think in recent years, um, my collection has started to get uglier and uglier looking, um, or like the value of the aesthetic quality of it is starting to degrade over time, and it's partially because I am buying Blu-rays now. But uh, go ahead, Augie. To me, if if it comes to a spine, I'd rather it have full art and title. To me, yeah. To me, at first with Blu-ray, if I have the like stacked at the side, that that square of blue at the top, mm-hmm. to me at the beginning, I keep thinking that it's going to light up like there's some sort of light inside for some reason. I can see that. It just yeah. looks so different. So this is kind of a good example here, which is kind of hard to see because of the light on there. But um, when this is in my collection... I can easily read Ghost in the Shell 2 and Innocence, which on this one, because of the curve a little bit and how how it's thinner, I can read Ghost in the Shell 2 pretty easily, or I just know that that's what it says in terms of like the in the, you know. But um, thank you. But uh, Innocence becomes difficult to make out, you know, in the... So I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of Blu-ray cases in general. Um, Lishansky pointed out that... Um, I can read it fine. The no, criter- that's just me. The, the Criterion Collection um, Blu-ray cases, actually, they nixed the, uh, they nixed the, the top up here. They literally are just artwork dimension. So, and they're also clear instead of uh, blue. Um, anyway... So that's it for that thing. Let me pull up. Augie, you were going to say something? Or did you already say that? I already said it. I okay. thought that the thing would light up. <laughs> let, me, let me pull up the pre-orders real quick. 
I've gotten so accustomed to Blu-ray that I'm just numb to it now. But now I just see it as a seal of quality or something like that. Yeah. Depends on how they master it. Alright, I'm um, just pulling up the next thing I need. Okay, let me go back to screenshot. I don't mind I don't mind the different heights if I end up having like a fully packed shelf. That way I know I have some leeway to stick my fingers to try to get yeah. stuff out. But I didn't just be a limited edition for that. Well, Invincible yeah, Superman Zambot 3, it's Japanese Blu-ray release. Right. So it's cool to see that more stuff from, assuming it's not an upscale, uh, it's cool to see a lot of the stuff is getting 2K HD scanned. Wow. Every um, time they say 2K, I can't trust what it means because 2K is... Is like, actually one and a half. Is that what you're going to say? Well, no. 2K, the way that it's officially perceived in the media world is it's literally like just 80 or something pixels more than 1080p to make it 2000 or something. But 2K is technically what 4K should be called. But the thing is, they name right. it 2K, so we can't tell if it's actually a 4K scan or yeah, is it. That's, that's the thing is that in order for something to be 4K, it's. 3840 um, by 2160. Right, which is actually, yeah. When you when you do when you double the size of something, it's not twice as high and twice as wide. Is the thing, because well, it, it actually is four times. In order to do that, you have to make it four times the size, right? Because yeah. it's, it's 1080p here. In in that case, if you imagine that 8K uh, is supposed to be is the actual 4K. If, Let's yeah, that if, if you imagine that this is the 1080p, um, like the 1920 by 1080 size, then 4K is here, up here, over here, and down here, size-wise, right? 2K okay. is not that. 2K, I mean, that seems like you're holding four 2K, times, but it's actually just double. It's just that in order to do it double, you make it's dumb. It's dumb. I, I agree with what you're saying. It's hard to explain, and it's not worth going to the trouble of but it's cool to see that they're, that they're doing this because this could mean that i mean it'll likely mean that that discotech will re release it over here two real quick things i was going to say that um with the sony costs cutting things i think that also has to do with their uh the cases? yeah the cases and yeah. second um i wouldn't write off all upscales just in the name of it because if you've seen the avatar the last airbender Remaster. Oh my god, that looks fantastic for an upscale. Anyway, next topic. Okay. Uh, so we saw this Blend S Blu-ray. Um, it, it appears that Anaplex of America. I mean, it's only twelve episodes for a hundred bucks, but it, it's still better, right? It's it's going in the right doing. direction. Yeah, it's trending positively. Yes. Unfortunately, I can't afford to buy this. Right now. I just ex I exclusively want to buy it for the memes. I haven't I, I have I, not seen anything about it, but I do know that there was, for whatever reason, people were. I don't even know if they were changing anything for the sake of a meme, or if they were just showing what looked to me like an opening uh, op. That's what it is. They take the opening and then at the end of it, they put a clip because they rhyme a bunch of things with S. It's like sadistic something and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they end it with shut the fuck up or something okay. like that. That's the anyway. main. All right. So here's I legitimately the, uh, like the show. 
I'm a, what is that? Oh, that's important. Oh, that's the six hundred dollar. Yeah, uh, what six hundred? I didn't see this till now. Yeah, it, it yeah, they released this today about, about a half hour before the podcast started. Well, actually, yeah. it was. I do remember that WTK posted that, but um, a while ago. But well, uh, I saw I saw Bronco talking hundred dollars. This one includes the TV series as well, but honestly, I don't know if it warrants buying at all. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay for six hundred bucks for no, really? like even if they just released the TV series separately. I'm not sure. Twenty two episodes. Come on, TV just follow the format, the just like last time. They're gonna sell this. Then once they get done selling the import, Bright Stuff will come out with their own copies for yes, you to buy. But we already have a copy. We already yeah, have we a copy. We already have. He's okay. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna bother Teen Titans complete series. Best anime ever. That show. Why pseudo? So much. So Edeon and Zabungle. Idolon, that's the one that. Uh, Ooh, Princess Tutu is finally the getting a of Blu-ray. Yes, yeah, finally getting a Blu-ray. There's no, no Idolon. That's the one that inspired uh, Arno. The I miss I butchered his name. The creator of Evangelion that inspired him to go to the mon to the mecha genre. Yeah, mecha genre. Uh, Zabongle, I would like to watch it. I'm, I know a lot I'm, of people. Yeah, I've got these the links that I'm going to be going to in a minute. If you guys want to save your comments, and we'll just go through opening new tabs of these. You different can like click on one of the Beyblade ones. Just one of them. Let's click on both. Never a DVD. Oh yeah, girls versus gangsters. Uh, best anime. Who's who licensed that? Why is that even on? Uh, <laughs> some reason, just a random slew of live action for some reason. If I had the money, I would buy this for a D for Marvel House. Just as a joke. Hmm. And then we're we're at where we were with Baldios and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what this was we're, last time? Huh. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So All right. let's, the drunken let's girl start show. at the other end. I just want to see this real quick. Okay. So who so the, these are Asian Wellgo. From Wellgo. Wellgo. Okay. Chinese is, well, the, is that's so Mike Tyson. I can't make out that much detail on I, my screen. It, right here, Mike Tyson. Oh, well, that was extremely experimental. Why is Mike, Chinese, Does Mike Tyson speak Chinese in this? <laughs> this is like he doesn't speak Chinese, he punches Chinese. Come on. Does. Gonna be a fish out of water story about uh, about. <laughs> okay, that, Sorry, just, that's enough of this. <laughs> I just had the the uh, the politically correct filter. It was like, well, that's racial stereotyping, making him a gangster. <laughs> he does have a tattoo on his face, though. <laughs> At a certain point, you kind of have to acknowledge <laughs> the uh, the the look. So what okay, I had so to say about, about these is, look okay, at the freaking price. 20 bucks yeah. for 51 episodes. Yeah, not, that's bad. not bad. And it's 25 on Amazon.ca, which is still considerably good. So, and these finally. It's from Cinegum. 
Synodime. Synodime. Oops. Um, <laughs> does uh, hey. it does it contain the episode with Moses? Spark- I don't know. Splitting the, Red sea with, uh, splitting the Red Sea with a Beyblade. Oh, hey, <laughs> scroll down to the to the runtime on either of them. Yeah, this is the same runtime as uh, Galactic Heroes. <laughs> okay. Are are you insinuating that these are on par with each other? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. How's that? This is this is only a hundred episodes together, and Galactic Heroes is hundred and sixty or whatever. Oh wait. How much is it? Three movies. Okay, never mind. Plus the movies, plus the seventy guidance episodes. I retract yeah. my comment. So I think it might be more, but still. So look, standard just, definition on Blu-ray. As soon as I saw that tiny little banner at the top, I'm like, oh, that doesn't say SD Blu-ray, does it? That that one makes sense. And then I'm like, oh, I guess they've made the switch. Good for them. 50 episode series plus movie. For every, when I go to panels and stuff, I'll see a glimpse of this and no one explains it. So when I'm looking for something new, like go on YouTube, like anyone else would do, look up different anime openings. This one will show up a lot. I have no idea besides the synopsis below and what it's about, but I'm glad I'm finally able to pre-order it, at least at that price. Finally, try, yeah. Yeah, to finally figure out what this is. I'd it looks like a very this, fun show. But I'll have to wait. Yeah, I think Made in Japan so far is the only one that's doing standard def doing a good on the ray for Section 23. Yeah. Oh, Section 23 is going to burn Sentai to the ground, and they're going to be like, thank God we started all those other sub-companies that aren't attached to the debacle with our bankruptcy here. I used to think that Made in Japan was like a sub-only subsidiary of uh, Sentai or whatever, but um, they have dub content, so that makes no sense. Yeah, However, now I'm starting to think that it's they're the discotheque branch of Section 23. Yeah, that seems more accurate. Because they don't have limited editions yeah. or anything. They, they also release. Oh, they have one. Wait, what? They have one? Yeah, Pat Labor. They're coming out with a Pat Labor special edition. That's not special edition. That's the ultimate collection. Collection. Which just contains all the episodes. It's not Ellie. Except for that new season that's about to come out. Space Adelon, the one where. It shows children There's dying. There's no L in this title. He's just hallucinating okay, extra one or something. Complete series Ild plus on. movie. And I like how both these collections have the movies of these series included. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it's it's of things that are old enough that it's not like they're going to be like, hey, it's continuing past episode 51. We need to make 17 other collections for just one movie. Part 1 of 17. I like how the second human race is called the Buff Clan. <laughs> I hope they're buff. The Shia LaBeouf Clan. Just do it. All right. That's their only right, dubbed title, girls. I think, that they announced this late. Scroll up some more. The strips okay, are in the so, way. So when you look, 
you can tell that this is very likely a chick. But at first glance, every time I see this, I think this is the underage boy that these predatory <laughs> like, housewives are getting drunk to take advantage of. Mm. <laughs> I don't see that. I see the Miles girls, but okay. That's pretty interesting. You don't see it at all? Well, I can see I what see you mean chest. now that you've explained it, but <laughs> I never saw that before. The little short shorts, the little boy short shorts that are, I think, doing are it. You, are you implying that women can't wear short shorts? Yep. I didn't say that. <laughs> Confirmed. Like the Illuminati. Do we have... What? Do we have any else? Yeah, that is an English school. No, we, that's it for um, release. We've got more stuff, but I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm good to go. I mean, all they do is drink and get into shenanigans. I just like how it has a dub. That's all. Birch. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Nair, whatever that is. So There's the uh, the hair removal uh, thing, right? Where did you? Yeah, but where in the world did you read that? Reese anyway, just said, new Lupin. What do you mean? Where did no. we? Where, look I'm, at the chat. I'm, I'm focused on the details here. Uh, new Lupin the Third digital art book brings line art to life. So this is an interesting concept. What they're doing. This is a digital art book, right? Um, I don't want to click on that link. <laughs> Loop on the Third and, uh, and the gang may be out of Italy and off to France, but you can still revisit part four thanks to the new digital book. The e Sakuga uh, publication compiles sketches, unused art, and behind-the-scenes material in an interactive format. You can look at storyboards as you watch the finished scene, see line art in various stages, and check out never-before-seen material. So just based on the artwork alone that they're showing here, this looks really interesting, um, like from a production standpoint. Oh, they've even got the dope sheets in here. That's pretty yeah. incredible. You don't see that very This often. is impressive. This is very impressive. You get like more of the nitty gritty than what you'd usually get like from an interview. This is. I wonder if what they would include us, this for the next release. Well, what they're giving us here, like they're giving way more than the average person that would want to see a digital art book would even want. It's like like this is. I mean, you have to be it's into to even care about. About this, yeah, it is. That's what I'm saying. It's an education tool. This is a really. I'm, it's cool that they're doing this, you know, because people who aren't into the dope sheet and all that stuff, they're going to, uh, they're going to um, appreciate the actual artwork. But then there's an entire like uh, class of of fans that are like, this is just amazing for them to offer this up, and for something like Lupin that has such lasting credibility over how how long it's been popular and all that stuff, it's really cool. This is a, I'm pretty pleased with this. If I had the money, I would even buy it, but I don't. So yeah, but so you tap and you can see the the timings and stuff. Is that's really cool. I'd even want it. That is really cool. So would this, so would this kind of 
if this were a video game, would this kind of be like the game genie behind the show? Uh, no, no, <laughs> because I'm not changing okay. what I'm not giving the character infinite bullets or something. <laughs> Big head mode. This scene, but now Lupin doesn't run out of money uh, out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> So we t- we talked about this a couple times on the podcast regarding the devil main car. Uh, Gona guy presents it. Da-da-da-da-da. Here you go. St. It's literally the exact same car that we've seen all this time, but red. It ripped <laughs> with, off with and endorsed by main. Gona guy. Well, they used they yep. the one of the characters in the show has a white version of it in Devil Man Crybaby. Okay. Right? Almost looks know. like a stingray. I haven't seen the show yet. It's uh, underwhelming as far as Devil Man goes. All right. Next. Moving on. Next. Uh, if you care to have vinyl, the one person who watches this podcast that cares about the that, Boogie Woogie Box lover, <laughs> Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust um, release up for pre order. So I don't even know. I don't like the music for. I haven't watched Vampire Hunter D, let alone Bloodlust in. A long time, but the music uh, didn't really stand out to me. Oh, you can hear the SoundCloud version. <laughs> now they have. I'm glad. I'm glad to see this article because they did mention this for a long time now. So it finally came to fruition. But that's about it on my end. So the uh, the double disc LP is available in a solid yellow color. Because that's Vampire Hunter D, if I've ever seen a color. Or the Dampier Burst. Is it Dampier or Dampire? I mean, you're the one correcting us about pronunciations all the time. I think you'd know. Go with the hip. <laughs> Go with what the hippies would I, say. I think there's. I think it can be said both ways. I think this way is supposed to be Dampier. Dampire is half vampire, half human in that lore. So anyway, you can go with the boogie woogie uh, style or the uh, solid yellow. Uh, anyway. Next. Feature Lemon. Gay no Kitaro launches new clothing brand for older fans. To which I ask Are any of them would, alive? Would your grandfather? I mean, this one's okay, but I mean, would your grandfather wear this? <laughs> I can see every grandmother wearing or knitting that. That's just a bizarre title for this. Uh... Reese says Dampier. How you're yeah, saying it's it? just like, one shirt. That's, that's that's what I always thought, and then I heard one place say Dampier, and I'm like, well, now I have to question everything. But that's not how it's normally spelled. Um, the way I was pronouncing it there, the way it's written. Anyway, the modern remake. I just want to know if they actually. Go into the fact that the you know um, older fans and all so because they might just be talking about yeah okay so the first line of new shirts fuck you Crunchyroll <laughs> I'm young at thirty <laughs> uh, it's it's targeted specifically to women in their thirties and forties with the theme of friends for life why don't you write middle aged fans <laughs> how about that. <laughs> This seems weird. How many 30 to 40 year old women are actually going to wear this? If you ask anyway, it, it can happen. I don't know why I'm even sharing new this. New Pain t-shirt. The new Design Zigapain. carries a hidden message. 
if you shoot if you photograph it with flash, you can see something written underneath it. Yeah. And I forget what it actually said now that I bring it up here, but I don't think it actually said anything interesting enough like uh new series coming soon or something like that. I thought there was a new series already confirmed a while ago. Yeah, they don't actually tell you what yeah, the translation is. Certain... It's a... I wish a certain uh, Sentai Filmworks would release this show. Give it the proper re-release everyone would like to have. <laughs> Just don't make it $800. Uh, yeah, so I, it just seems weird. It's a, not even a great design to the shirt. I feel like I would have gotten this at like an MTV Awards or something. <laughs> like back in the 90s, which based on her pants is where she's living. Boom. Anyway... Uh... Fight Evil by Moonlight with Sailor Moon Jammies and Duvet. Now, the reason I, th- I thought this was funny to bring up is that these are the quintessential 90s anime jammies, are they not? I don't know. I was like, this is, exactly, show, yeah. this is exactly what they look like in Sailor Moon. Yeah. So it's a good merch for once, is what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying it's. Uh, it, it looks exactly like it. Yeah, I just think it's no. interesting. No. Anyway, so all I can this really say about it too. Yeah. All right. So this is the thing I was talking about earlier. Flaunt old school Gainax style with what I always called Hone Amise and Gunbuster gear. I don't know what this word is meant to mean or why. Uh, first of all, yeah, let's just get this out of the way. This is the laziest. I mean, this is yeah. a this is a, like a Teespring upload your own design and we put it on every type of article of clothing that there is style branding. I mean, that's so dumb. But what I noticed here is that Hone Amise is pronounced One Amisu. <laughs> oh my God. So it's not Hanamize, as Agio put it. It's not Hone Amise, as I would call it. It's in Katakana, meaning it's a foreign or perhaps made up word. And it's just oh nay uh mis. I I've oh, decided I, I hate this word. Anyway. I can agree. Oh, and, uh, once again, Vespa brings legendary FLCL scooter to life for exhibition. Or an orange Vespa is donated for an exhibition. It's not the same color. The lights uh-huh. are not in the same place. Like, like what the How can they even claim that this is even related? If they didn't put a sticker on it. Out, why in the world is a uh, Italian scooter more popular in Japan than like other Japanese scooters? Like over here, that's considered to be a foreign vehicle. Augie, name a name a Japanese scooter. Yeah, Does Japan Osaki. even make scooters. Yeah, <laughs> like you can I make can a motorcycle, you can make a scooter. Anyway, next. New Fate Grand Order Frankenstein figure is ready for the beach. Yeah, so Reese is bringing up something I was going to say, actually. The, the Arby's tweet had more authenticity. That that tweet we talked about a couple podcasts ago, like half a year ago probably, with that Arby's tweet with the, with the like, stop motion uh, Vespa going through the drive-thru. <laughs> anyway, um, so figures are just insane nowadays in terms of the uh, what they're doing with them. Just incredible. Although I will say that this particular figure was definitely designed to be viewed from this angle. It looks a little wonky from all the other angles. 
But why the gold thing? It looks like a giant Easter egg for some reason. And it's that probably is her purse, that is her purse. Oh, that's it. Know. No, I have no idea. I don't know. That's what my purse. I, don't I never. Even, I didn't even notice it until Augie brought it up. <laughs> have I seen the Shoujo Hellraiser one? No, I haven't. Send me that link. And original mechanic designer supervises Bandai Spirit's metal build uh, for Evangelion Unit 1. So is this a reimagining of the... Uh, With die-cast metal? Yeah, I'm liking the fact that the- instead of doing modeling, you're doing die-cast now. <laughs> uh, Elaborate. Hmm. No. Like with typical models, it would be like plastic. You have to paint. For this, you're going to be doing the same thing, but with metal. So it's in theory a lot harder to break, and it has and like make. a slicker look to it. I just know in the figure community, having a having die cast in your figure is like, oh, it's so so beloved. Anyway, let me just pull up this. uh, It's a lot cooler. This link. So, diecast is the method used to uh, to mold the um, the figure. Like it means it was it was cast using a die, like a diecast metal. Let's say that doesn't have to be metal. Well, this this uh, no, I'm saying for this article it said metal or yeah, whatever. No, I, I'm I'm yeah. just saying it doesn't have to be metal. First of all, let me. Uh, oh God, that's creepy. So this is oh, this is the Shoujo uh, Hellraiser. Oof. Yeah, huh. I, I don't want to look at this anymore. <laughs> so she have her own than, Rubik's cube. You mean? Uh, yeah. What was that thing called in the in the movie? Uh, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen parodies of it, which doesn't help this case. This is probably the closest I'm going to get to it. What do they call that thing? You're going to know this one, Reese. What do they call that in the... Danny, Danny says, have you seen the Destruct Before We Send You Replacements for the Legend of Galactic Heroes set? No, please uh, please link that to me right now. What does that mean? Everyone sabotages their returns? Or well, what? yeah, they, they are trying to prevent you because it's such a expensive sought-after set. They're trying to make sure that you can't uh, resell it or anything. Because can, can you imagine, for instance, if Augie requested a... Uh, replacement to those four sets that are actually the only thing that any legitimate collector actually wants. Uh, and then they send him that and he's like, yeah, no, I got, I got four extra sets that I can give to somebody who would be willing to pay, you know, well, what they expect your, you to return the actual unit itself. And then you get the full replacement. They should, but but then it would require you. It would, it would come at cost to you to actually send it back. Which makes them look even worse. Anyway, I'm going to scroll through this real quick um, about this. I don't... I mean, I haven't watched the rebuilds, which I know this is from the rebuilds because in the original series, this was purple, not green. Now, Reese, 
Now Reese commented about the box. It's called Le Marchand's box. Le Marchand. Le Marchand. Le Marchand. That's not the that's not the name I remember it being called. Um, I haven't anyway, seen the but, movie. Uh, I haven't seen it either, but I had a. Uh, there was this girl that I had art class with in high school who was obsessed with the movie, and she we used to talk about it just because it was. She made it sound interesting. She did a. Um, I went to a I went to a Christian high school, and for right. her, for her, um, we had to do a um, like a portrait thing. What is the name of the groups? Like, there's the the name of what the Hellraiser guy and the guy with all the, I forget what they call them. Damn it. Um, yeah. Uh, Danny, if you can, let me make you a moderator, Danny. That way you can link it here. Where's oh there <laughs> the, uh, the three buttons that I, the little button thingy at the end is so far away. I couldn't even line it up to the, cause I've got it on the full screen. Uh, oh, it says you're already a moderator. Or did I just click on Reese because of that very thing? I just admit, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, add moderator. Okay, there you go. So now you're a moderator. You should be able to post. Anyway, so we had to do um, we had to do portraits, and she did the I forget what the thing's called, but the one with the teeth, like the the skin all pulled back with the teeth exposed. Somebody tell me what that's called in uh, Hellraiser. Let me look it up. Um, I'll, I'll bring in up. The, called the God Hand. Yeah, ba- that's basically what they are. In fact, I think that the Kentaro Miura. Um, okay, it's this one, but with the symbiotes, cenobites. That ah, it's like I feel Cenobite. like I'm right there. C e n o b i t e cenobites. Ceno, yeah, b i t e. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find the one. It's just like it's here. I found it. I found the exact image, kind of like angle that she used and everything. And ah, damn it! It's a thumbnail to a video. <laughs> the chatter, chatterer. That was that. Yeah, chatterer. Okay, I can find it now. I just I loved uh, having art class with this girl um, in a Christian school. <laughs> we pushed the boundaries. <laughs> Okay. So did you pray? I'll screen share this one. Pray to Satan every night? No. Like a good little boy? This was, she she did a, and she's also a very talented artist, right? So she did a pencil drawing of this, really finely drawn, (laughs) and submitted this uh, for homework when we did um, portraits. And the scrapbooker got the how did she do on that anyway? Did the teacher grade fairly or okay? I I hated my art teacher in uh, in high school, but um, we had artistic talent enough that they couldn't not pass us. Anyway, right. anyway, I hated, so, like um, in high school, you have the art art classes, and they always favored the scrapbooker for some reason. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. You, you went to public school, that's why. Hey. All right. So here we go. Uh, you said it was... Who was the guy you said? It was... Blaze. Whoops. Blaze V. Scroll down. I mean, it's literally the first comment there. after. 
I was just double checking so you don't have to waste time. Just happened to be up at the top of the page. I'm so confused and shocked by the correspondence I'm having with Sentai Filmworks representative in my attempt to get some replacement chipboard cases for this set after they were damaged by the loose number plate in transit. Boom! I said exactly that. Did I not? I said exactly that. Uh, due to being in the UK, I was looking at trying to get replacements without sending the current scratched up cases back. I understand why this might be a problem, but given the price of the set, the complete lack of fault on my side as to why the set is damaged and the widespread damage that has occurred with this release in transit to practically every customer, I was hopeful of being able to solve this issue. If I was an outlier in having the, this damage occur, then maybe not. But obviously this was the fault on Sentai's side and not a one-off. Okay, so real quick, um, what they should do is just send the box, just the chipboard box. That's what, that's what happened to me with the, the tear in... Um, no game, no life. No, in Parasite. Uh, they, uh, they sent me... I got it from right stuff so when i reached out to them they shipped me just an art box um same thing with the uh, funimation escaflone kickstarter one of my boxes looks really wonky so they sent me just the box right they didn't make me destroy anything they didn't make me provide proof yeah uh danny says he has no hope that his copy will not be damaged somehow um anyway so let me keep reading here because danny's in south africa <laughs> by the time you get uh your copy you might have already moved um all right, so just for the record, I'm not expecting Sentai Filmworks to send me replacements directly to the UK, only to send them to the same address they were sent. They sent the set previously, which is a US address, right? Because this person is uh, proxy yeah. shipping, just like I do for you, I think, you know? Yep. After some back and forth, the representative I was talking to seemed to be willing to help me. He just wanted some pictures of the damaged sets or so I thought. Hi, Blaze. I understand where you are coming from. I'll tell you what. If you send me a picture of all the sleeves destroyed, I'll send replacements. I mean, how would you understand this message? So I took some pictures. This is exactly what I said. Nice anime collection, guy. I like how... I, lo I love how people in uh, other countries like the UK buy the American uh, <laughs> regional yeah. sets. Um, Quite a lot of photos. Uh, uh, and it, it's like a, to the layman. I mean, well, you're having a fight point, there. this is shine. like to the layman. It's hard to tell that these are even different, you know? Yeah. At first glance. God, there are a lot of photos, man. Quite extensive is... the damage. What the hell? Oh what my god, you see that little center? scrape up there? But yeah, or this one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so something I was going to say earlier that I totally forgot to regarding the fact that they didn't put shrink wrap over it was that obviously they were packing them as they were going. So for instance, with the Aria thing where I showed you that they had the, the patch and whatnot in there. Yeah, that was packed. Um, that was hand packed, placed into the box carefully, so they didn't shrink wrap the stuff. Same with and, all of the Gundam wings. Right, right. Um, well, not Iron Blooded Orphans. I said Gundam wings. <laughs> oh, I thought you said I thought you said Gundam things. All right. That's all right. God, these look hideous. I would just ask for my money back. <laughs> 
I would just send them back. Like, I can't trust you to get, they're not going to get to you in one piece. Just you know what would happen? He'd destroy his sets and then the guy would be like, yeah, sorry, can't help you. <laughs> anyway, so, so he, and, and this is, this is, he's not wrong. If you send me a picture of all the sleeves destroyed, I'll send replacements. So the way you would interpret that, I mean, you could interpret it both ways once you know what he meant, but ahead of time, that is like, you would think, yeah, you got to prove that they're destroyed so that you can warrant getting a replacement, right? In terms of the shipment screwed them up. I'm not just asking for more, right? Um, I mean, how would you understand this message? So I took some pictures, explained exactly what was damaged and how the damage was caused, the number plate, uh, I figured this would likely suffice. I mean, sure, they aren't completely and utterly wrecked beyond all measures, uh, but they certainly aren't in the condition that they left Sentai's warehouse. You don't know that. I'm just kidding. Um, they aren't in the, in the condition that, sh- that Sentai showcased in the unboxing video. And finally, they aren't in the condition they would have ever ended up in while in my possession. Well, no, apparently I had misunderstood what Sentai Filmworks representative wanted me to do. Sure, he wanted pictures, but he also wanted something else, as he explained in his response to the email with the pictures. Hi, Blaze. Thank you for your re- for your response. I'm sorry. For, for clarity, please destroy the existing cases. Tear them up or show me substantial damage, such as marking them up with Sharpies. By the way, if you mark something up with Sharpies and then use Goo Gun, you could probably get it off. Um, <laughs> Just so you know, Life marking, marking them all up with Sharpies. Uh, we don't want any existing parts circulating in the wild and superficial scratches won't suffice as, as I am making a deviation from our standard practice for you. Fuck you. That's <laughs> probably provide, all the other ones. Please provide me with proof that your existing cases have been destroyed. I already have your replacements boxed up and ready to ship pending a shipping label. I doubt that. Uh, Danny says every copy I know of has scratches on outer and inner boxes. Damn, that, this is bull. The, Sentai, I think that they're being uh, like poked by the licensee about, yeah, we don't want anything in the sure, wild. Sure. You know what though? Here's, here's the thing. If you're a company like Sentai, transparency is, is the best thing for you. Just be honest. Look, I'm sorry, according to our contract with the licensor, this is something we're not supposed to do or it's difficult. We have to we have to go through all this stuff. I'm sorry, I know this is extra work on your on your behalf. You've spent a lot of money on this. You don't deserve this this sort of reaction from us, but unfortunately, contractually we have to do this. Please, you know, just understand this is where our hands are tied legally, right? Be transparent. Because Lashansky is bold enough to email them and actually get a response, he should email them asking for some sort of transparency like that. I challenge you, Lashansky. Anyway, continue. Now, for the whole you show us it, it's destroyed, I know it's kind of foreign for us, but for like particular special editions for comic books, like if it's uh, if it goes to the seller and it's like a page is bent or crinkled up around the edges somewhere. Depending on who you're getting the next issue of that for replacement, they want video evidence of like it being destroyed. Right. I don't think it's an unreasonable request. I'm not saying that at all. And when it comes to comic books, as you're talking about, there's a reason for that because it's not like they can just take a part of the comic book and, and fix it. 
You know, they can't just reprint the cover because it's already been bound, right? You have to destroy the whole thing. And it's just, it would cost, it's not worth the extra cost to, to try to salvage it. If it's bent and it's, it's obviously ruined, then they, they, it's easier to just destroy it and print a new one. Cause guess what? The actual printing of something like a comic book is dirt cheap. It's the artwork right. and everything that you paid for that, that really is what the cost is. The value of it is more than just the paper it's printed on, right? No, so anyway, no uh, AC, something that you're going to eventually get to. The For this box set, if someone's crazy enough to do this, if someone were to bootleg this box, this would be a case where the bootleg would look far better if they put the time into it than what was officially released. I want to get in contact with some of these bootleggers and ask them how they actually make their custom boxes and commission them to make me some. I mean, what? <laughs> I, I don't want to go down that path. Right now. Let me just let me just get through this. Okay. Um, so yeah, with no cast iron guarantee of a replacement. Uh, with, oh, sorry. Let me let me just say that again. <clears throat> so yeah, this guy doesn't use. Uh, Grant his his commas are not properly placed. <laughs> so yeah, with no cast iron guarantee of a replacement, a Sentai Filmworks representative has just advised me to essentially burn the sets that are in my current possession. Only then will I qualify for a replacement to be sent to the to a U.S. address. Just because I'm not really in a position to return them, eight hundred dollars set, less than a thousand made, and far less than the current than that currently sold. But just to be sure, I need to deface and destroy the sets. Look, I understand that this set was for U.S. buyers only and such, but this is 2018 and the internet exists, etc., etc. But seriously, can this be considered reasonable customer service? I'm utterly baffled by this. Just what sort of contract did Sentai have to sign in order to release this set? Were blood sacrifices involved? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I feel relatable to this person. So Danny says they promised me they, they will keep enough replacement parts out for when I receive mine in December. Not sure there will be anything left. Danny, I don't there think they're going to sell be. anymore. No yeah, they're definitely going to have enough left over because this shit storm that's happening right now, all this stuff we're reading and the fact that we're putting this out on the podcast. Look, if I make a, a, a podcast clip for this, that's what Lishansky should send them when asking for transparency. <laughs> Anyway, this is not the norm, and we all know it isn't. All I wanted was some empty art boxes made out of a cheap cardboard and shiny paper with the words Legend of the Galactic Heroes on it and a couple of portraits of the characters to be sent in replacement for the ones I paid for that arrived in less than satisfactory condition. What are Sentai... Okay, what are Sentai, and probably more accurately the Japanese side, so afraid of? that I may have two copies of those art boxes. Which can't they really aren't worth anything to anyone. Yeah. yeah. They aren't worth anything to anyone. I have no intention of selling them and no one would want them anyway. Preach. I'm almost at a loss for words. I'm almost at a loss for words for this. You'd think I was talking about replacing some serious stuff like important documents. <laughs> You know, something I could potentially do some damage with by having duplicates of and not some silly art boxes or an incredibly of an incredibly niche anime set. I feel like I'm being trolled by someone or being made fun of by the representative. It's pretty demeaning and, and honestly disgraceful in my view. Okay, so I, I get it that this, 
this feels like a hopeless situation. I, I don't think he's being made fun of or being trolled, obviously. It's just like you wouldn't expect. Th- he's just comparing it to that, though. Sure, sure. But I'm just saying, like, the, the this is not a terribly unreasonable request. But I mean, when it's 800 bucks. Right. Yes, this all reflects back to the fact that Sentai should not have shipped these things out the way they did in the first place. And what US only on earth were you thinking? Sending the coins with plastic cases for them if you're not going to use them. Do you really think that somebody is going to take them out of the case once it's sitting on their shelf to put them in these little coin purses? The one thing I that baffles me more than anything in this whole situation is why weren't these like plastic wrapped? I mean, even the Garfield box I have in my background, it was plastic wrapped when I got it. Yeah. What made this so so different and special? As I, mean, I paid like these sets uh, because they have the placard that says this number mm-hmm. out of whatever. They assuming they didn't just assuming they didn't just shuffle them and randomly put it in as it seems like they did. I'm on their defense on this thing. I think that the reason why they were done the way that they were done is because they look at the name in the computer. Okay, this was the 50th person to order it. Grab the 50th placard, ship it directly to that person. So they grab it, the coins, everything, make sure quality assurance has been checked by MT or MB or whoever you got, that they loaded them in there, and then they put them into the box and shipped out the box with the label they printed right at that moment. That's how fulfillment works. Okay? Okay. I suspect that that's why they didn't shrink wrap them. However, if you shrink wrap them, all it's going to protect is the outer box. This is going to be the situation where you buy a new anime set and you're like, guys, listen to this. Click, clack, click, clack. That's going to be basically what it is. Underneath the shrink wrap, the discs right. are moving around. Except in this case, it's the coins and the placard. Okay. They should have put, shipped those separate with a little piece of paper for the for anybody who's dumb enough to not know where those are supposed to go that says, put here for coins, put here for placard. If they had just done that, half the issues that have come up with this release would not be there. That's literally one very minor thing that should have been obvious to them that somehow wasn't. So he feels like he's being trolled or being made fun of by the representative. It's pretty demeaning and honestly disgraceful in his view. I'm an honest customer with an honest problem I was looking to get resolved. I'll add that I did offer to pay a small fee for the replacement cases. Uh, Such did I understand my position. Obviously, you know, that makes sense. Anyway. I've supported Sentai Filmworks throughout their lifespan as a company. I literally have 130 of their releases and have even bought more that I moved on over time. Even bought more that I moved on over time. What does that mean? When he moves, I don't know. Literally have 130 of their releases and have even bought more that I moved on over time. Meaning, meaning, okay, so meaning he bought them and then sold later or something. Anyway, I spent thousands of dollars on their products and have even made, albeit to a small, to a very small viewership, videos about their releases, including covering that. (laughs) Blaze, please. Wherever your channel is, please make a video about this. Uh, videos about their releases, including covering that solicitations each month. Uh, 
for a year or so. Sentai isn't a giant corporation. They're a relatively niche home video label, so I thought I might be able to work this out and come to an arrangement, but I doubt that's going to happen now. Okay, I got a response to my last email. I was provided with their return policy with a handy-dandy screenshot. Oh, my God. Along with this response. You should tell this guy subscribe to your channel because he looks like he's interested in collecting. Yeah. I provided you with a prepaid shipping label to return the items that you mentioned were defective. When you explained that you went through an international shipper for purchase, I provided you with an alternative solution. As per our damaged item exchange process, every customer has to surrender their defective items uh, prior to receiving a replacement. Since you mentioned that it would most it would be most pardon, since you mentioned that it would be costly for you to do so, I provided you with an alternative solution for surrendering your defective items by destroying them. Again, I think that's reasonable, but I, I also think it's unreasonable going back to the fact that they shipped them out the way they did in the first place. You provided us with payment prior to receiving your order, and I fail to see anywhere within our email chain where I've misled you or, prov or have pr provided you with any reason to believe that we won't honor our commitments. Please take as much time as you would like to consider the provided solution. This solution will be available to you for as long as supplies are available. Okay, I'm going to reiterate here. Transparency would really help Sentai Filmworks out. This response, although I'm actually on their side, I don't think this is terribly unreasonable. It sucks, but I don't think it's it's terribly yeah. unreasonable. If this well, is yeah, because he's in the UK. Thing, if this is a contractual thing on their end, then I don't think it's terribly unreasonable to um, to just it, like let them know, hey, this is this is something. I'm sorry, I have to make you do this. It's out of our control. Even if you're gonna freaking lie about it, it's a better way than than the way they're handling it. It's it seems almost like. It's like, yeah, this whole time Sentai Filmworks was a uh, a pump and dump, and uh, we are actually burning it to the ground now. <laughs> anyway, so he's, he says, firstly, I would like to mention that I didn't turn down the return label. It just obviously wasn't something he could use, being in the UK. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, upon the mere mention that I was in the UK, I was, uh, I was informed that my return label is now void. Honestly, I know the written word can be misconstrued sometimes, but the sternness and quickness of initial response was the equivalent of the of the blinders being pulled down and the sign being turned to close that you see in the cartoons. Meaning, like they've, uh, like, yeah, like they they've shut the doors to the business and and uh, basically are telling you to leave because they're not going to help you. Which again, I think is a little bit. Uh, I think that his response here is a little bit. Um, He's a little overboard. I don't think it's that unreasonable, but it does harken back to the fact that they shouldn't have shipped them out the way they did. I will 100% agree uh, with that. What I'm asking for isn't part of their policy. The thing is, I live in a, I live in a world of humans and logic. So given the, the pretty small company that Sentai essentially are, I stupidly thought I could still maybe figure out some arrangement. You know, by talking to someone human to human and not human to mess of law documents or whatever else. 
I was obviously a bit naive and foolish in this regard. I mean, seriously, surrendering my defective items by destroying them. First of all, what a terrible way to phrase it from a PR perspective, right? Um, I mean, yeah. if I'm not actually going to send them back at all, then of what concern is it to Sentai Filmworks that they might not be in a thousand pieces? It's not like uh, it's not like they are taking the returns. It's not like they are taking the returns they are currently getting and buffing out the scratches. Thank you. That's absolutely correct. Uh, in order to resell them, is it? If the representative thinks I am worthy of a replacement, then what does it matter if they have the defective item or not? I sincerely doubt there is some huge con going on against Sentai Filmworks that they need material evidence for each return. Uh <clears throat> As I mentioned before, what do Sentai or indeed the Japanese side think I'm going to do with four empty chipboard cases that happen to say Legend of the Galactic Heroes on them? Sell them on the black market or something? It's so extremely bizarre. But you know my solution of destroying my $800 sets is... E okay, so first of all, let me just acknowledge the, the from his perspective, the reason why... So like I said, it's not an unreasonable request on their end, but the reason why you would be hesitant to do this is what happens when the replacements arrive and they're in worse condition. Or if they say, sorry, we can't send you replacements because this or that. Right. Yeah. I would sue. If that happened, I would absolutely sue. I would take them to court and I would be the reason they went out of, out of business. So, um, so I think, I think that I, I, this is incredibly unlikely, but imagine that, um, imagine that you were, you and like five buddies all living, maybe not 50 miles from each other, you know, but like people you knew, what if you went in and, uh, and requested, okay, yeah, I'll I'll get all the discs replaced. You get the case replaced. I'll get this, and then and then that way you uh, you make a new set for free, and then you cancel an order for another one. <laughs> anyway, I, I think it's almost like it was what it seems like Sentai thinks is happening. Uh, but you know, my solution is destroying eight hundred dollar sets even further, and then let's not forget, still having to pay for any potential replacements to be shipped to me is still on the table. So no worries, eh? Jesus Christ, what a stupid world we live in. So yeah, I surrender. Not my sets, of course, because I'm not insane, but just in any attempts to actually get them replaced. Dude, if I were you, I would just return them. Just return them. I mean, the set was only $800. It's pocket change, of course. How foolish of me to think otherwise. Also, finally, and of much more relevance to everybody, is if this isn't evidence that there is never going to be a standard edition of this set, I don't know what is. Quick comment on their policy, on their replacement policy. When I was uh, trying to get like a copy of Volume One rating, rating replace, I did encounter this. I shifted, and they quickly got it back. I did pronounce that right, AC. <laughs> Will Sentai reimburse the purchase of storage cases for the meantime? Oh, that was reset. Hold on, I gotta find out which one of my, which one of my uh, AirPods just died. Right, um, always. Okay. So Danny said, any CDR or DVDR spindles lying around, as in like people are gonna burn them and stuff. Uh, Wilson, I just I, I'm at a loss for words. At the, literally, I, you'd have a hard time scripting a worse 
rollout of this. You know what I mean? Like realistically, a believable rollout. I mean, obviously you could you could put Hello Kitty DVDs in it instead or something like that. Obviously it could get worse. But realistically, this is like I I I'm at a loss for words because it almost feels like there's no possible way a human being could actually think it was a good idea to ship these out with the with the coins and the plaque the way they did. I mean, is there no adhesive? Did they did they at least put a freaking piece of tape coiled around and stuck in there to hold them in? Well, I wouldn't do a piece of tape. What I would do is like take like they use tape some on styrofoam and cram in there. That's yeah, that's another way you could do it. Is that like what they did with uh the Aria Kickstarter where I showed you that they had that foam in there. You could do something yeah. like that to protect it. And if they wonder where the coins are, have it kind of kind of be like a cylinder with a hole in the center. That way you see like the gleam from where it's at. They could have also not restricted. Uh, the black, the, I don't know how to solve that. Well, the, the way you solve yeah. it is to use the fucking plastic cases that you sent in the box with them, number one. And then make another case or a freaking Ziploc sandwich bag for the plaque. You know what, you Reese? I'm going to try their Twitter because they respond to like every single. Oh, yeah. They got, uh, like, Funimation made this tweet that had basically nothing of substance. It was all just, who's excited for Dragon Ball Super type thing? And every single comment I saw on it, they responded. And I'm like, and Reese right now is saying, speaking oh, okay, of replacements, so yeah, yeah, did yeah, Swindom ever get those Sword of the Stranger discs? Okay, I get what you're saying. You're saying Funimation's Twitter account was on. Okay, but that the reason why is because Dragon Ball is their property. Dragon Ball is their bread and butter. And By their the way, customers gonna, aren't. If they if they replied to all of those, I'm I'm actually kind of sad I didn't. I was going to type up. I, I didn't. It was not an opportune moment for me to do it at the time. But I was going to type up. A, yeah, it's too bad the dub for the show won't be won't have aired by the time the movie comes out. So, you oh know, seeing as how it takes place afterward. Um, I was going to say that. Uh, I wish I had if they were actually responding to everybody. I gotta find that tweet because I'm looking at their other recent posts and they don't seem to have any response. Oh, here's one. Ten words will be chosen, each receiving a pair of tickets. But when I've tweeted at them before, they've never responded. So hopefully, let, I'll- me, uh, let me draw your attention to somebody who's in severe denial here. This person was 335. It's in pretty good condition. A few fingerprints on discs. None were loose. The plate and one of the coins were loose, but the minor scratches seem to add character. Honestly, <sighs> this is the type of person. Oh, he is with- crazy, Miria. They're probably like, oh, this looks like Zillion's box set, except it's actual damage. <laughs> I think he, I don't know His if he means scratches on the, on the boxes or if he means scratches on the coins. Yeah, there's only a couple fingerprints on the discs which shouldn't have any on them. Okay, it's so again, this, is, this, is, this is lending credence to what I said about these are people standing in an assembly line putting oh, stuff Funimation in. Funimation Help is, uh, they have a Twitter for Funimation Twitter? Help. Yeah, they even, you can even message them. Yeah, you know, I told you guys about that thing that happened with Best Buy, where I, uh, where I could not find a way to contact them on their on their site, so I went, I had to go through their Twitter, um, their Twitter help. Like what? It's unbelievable. Anyway, I'm gonna go back to, uh, I'm gonna go back to this. Um, I want to make sure that I click. I'll mute the... my typing. Yeah, it's funny. Every time we talk about a certain anime, uh, you always start typing, and I'm like, yep, he's looking it up. <laughs> 
I'm going to subscribe to Blaze V. Um, it's and a few I, I'm going to reach out to him, and I might even ask him to join the podcast sometime, just to uh, just to just to continue our uh, absolute uh, you know shit shit show on uh, Sentai. I agree. I took so long to actually unmute that, but yes, I subscribe. So too. Uh, let me get back to uh, let me get back to this real quick. So I haven't watched the rebuilds. But does he actually wield knives and swords um, and also a desert eagle? <laughs> said that way early. Damn it. That, that, there we go. I love how the... Oh, okay, I was, I was going to say, I love how the desert eagle has a rail on the top that obscures the sight, but it, there's like a secondary sight on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's saying... Okay. So, yeah, Danny was saying, no, I meant for storing discs while... Okay, so he said CDR or DVDR spindles, right? I don't know if I actually called out the entire thing he said. It's referring to the to the the disc holder, a spindle, right? And he said, "No, I meant storing the disc while waiting for the box replacements." To which I, I will go back some, to my original so statement. I don't think of, it's really it's, practical. Yeah, it's not about it's not about storing the cases. It's about the fact that if you destroy them and the ones they send you end up in even worse condition, you're fucked. Yeah. So far, anyway, so weird that all question about Eagle. I'm just dying to know. No, I it no seems so funny it. because this looks this looks like design wise. Like I can imagine that this is being held to, together by high tension wire, and this is like an actual really large Ava size thing, and then it's just a freaking desert eagle. Well, it has a nerf handle. Daniel's responding to him. Thank you, Reese of a Thousand Geese. I wouldn't have thought to look to Funimation Hell. He's also a grenade launcher. With a flamethrower, with uh, this and that. Bayonet. This should be an infomercial. Here's our miscellaneous news. I'm not going to play it. Uh, I realized uh, I couldn't play it um, anyway, but... uh, if you follow the Facebook page, you would have already seen it. Conan O'Brien heads to Japan to claim his Detective Conan royalties. So we sort of talked about this in the last... <laughs> Good one, Reese. <laughs> we talked about this on the last uh, podcast. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in this because it's, you know, as we've sort of talked about, Augie, it's bringing attention to the show uh, a little oh, bit. Yeah. Um, the... <laughs> This is all scripted, obviously. EBS. This was oh, an idea. Yeah. First of all, to go back to the idea of, uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Yeah, no, this is, Conan O'Brien is a, is really, his show is very much um, in that same sort of vein. Um, but uh, they, obviously this is scripted, but basically the, the mayor of uh, Conan Town sent back their own um Demands, which included being uh, put on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. so they they met the demands their own way. Like this is obviously just a a painted backdrop of um, Southern Wherever California, and they uh, not even not even believably <laughs> um, 
let's anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's see it. It's, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, and and interestingly, weirdly, so uh, Conan landed in Japan. This happened after this article. Conan landed in Japan, and they went to the. There's two airports in Conan Town, and they went to the wrong one. And um, for some reason, Conan's uh, translator is getting all this like attention on the internet. Like, Oh, I wish this translator was there for, uh, for every, uh, Conan, like even when he's not in Japan, like uh, just people are like, have fallen in love with this translator for some reason. <sighs> now that I can't, now that I can't, um, now that I can't delay any longer. install. Let's talk about, uh, this. Swiss Otaku says he's moving to Japan after customs officials confiscate his 66-pound manga haul. Uh, so, by the way, real quick, um, I'm using this as the original article. The one that was shared uh, by Reese was an Anime News Network link. I'm using this one because it's the original that Anime News Network sourced, so there's more to it, more photos and everything. Um, laments the officer... I don't know. This makes no sense to me. Is Laments the name of the guy? No, there'd be a comma here if it was. Laments the officer handling his case has no tolerance whatsoever for hentai and lolly doujin. Doujinshi. Okay, so... Trying to get over this. I hate this guy, by the way. Melon Pan. Who you probably know through... I can't even click on his Twitter without risking getting uh, anyway yes right but this is the guy who does all these lewd things on uh can one of you find something that i could show uh, so to draw attention to who this is let's just get melon pan switzerland's famous and most perverted otaku has been going through a rough patch for the past few years in april he lost his job with swiss bank ubs after his employer found out about his penchant for pornographic anime and manga. A month later, he landed a job with delivery service DHL, but once again, his taste in media turned out to be too much for the company to stomach, and he was fired on his first day. Still, Melon Pond uh, had enough financial resources to take a trip to Japan this summer, apparently coinciding with Comiket, the country's largest gathering of independently produced doujinshi manga. He apparently ha- also had enough room in his budget to purchase roughly 30 kilograms, 66 pounds, of doujinshi, which for many otaku would be a dream come true, but it's turned into a nightmare for melon pan. So real quick, um, something I think is kind of interesting I never knew before. Japan has a Japanese katakana character for kilogram. It's ro. <laughs> so like, imagine having a button you can hit and it types out LBS for pounds. I thought that was interesting. Japan has that. Um, so trying to lug all, uh, trying to lug all that manga back in his suitcase, coupled with his other belongings, would almost certainly have put Melon Pan over the airline's baggage weight limit. So instead, he decided to mail his purchases back to Switzerland. After returning to his home country, he received a notice that his parcel had arrived, but it had also been seized by Swiss customs officials. Melon Pan's above tweet reads, On my recent trip trip to Japan, I mailed 30 kilograms of doujinshi, mostly lolly. But today, customers told me that they've confiscated it, and I must come in soon to explain myself. Everyone, please pray once again that the customs officials will be able to understand the wonderfulness of Japanese art. I'm tired of being in the slammer. 
The last sentence is a little confusing, as Melonpan hasn't been taken into custody for the parcel. I, I think he means in the past, like he's been he's been in the slammer in the past um, yeah. for the parcel. And it's unclear whether he actually wants to refer to some previous incarceration or is simply misusing the Japanese expression in his tweets. Regardless, the next day, August 16th, he tweeted again, lamenting the uphill battle of convincing the government that doujinshi of the lolly category, which depicts young, often preteen girls in provocative poses and situations, is benign. Well, I, I hate to say it, but I'll agree with him there. No victim, but I, I don't like having to defend the guy, but I'll defend his, uh, his well, what I would consider a right to to enjoy what he wants to enjoy as long as he's not hurting anybody. Right to lollies. Yeah, he says, <laughs> that's the uh, 11th Amendment, if you didn't know. Um, the situation isn't looking good. It's like the female official <laughs> I almost wonder if he made all this up. He posts a picture of him. It's a selfie outside the police station. This could actually be a stunt, come to think of it. But uh, anyway, the situation isn't looking good. It's like the female official handling my case has no tolerance whatsoever for hentai culture and is even stricter about lolly stuff. Is this as far as the, as my, <laughs> my hentai gentle manliness will take me? I'm scared. He followed up with, his, with a bold proclamation. Time to move to Japan. And then, in a rarity of the of the unabashed fan of lascivious Japanese comics, an English tweet. Goodbye, Switzerland. Considering the abject, dis- pardon, uh, considering the abject despair shown in Melon Pan's tweets, it's hard to say if he's sincere in his professed immigration ambitions or simply struggling, struggling to find a way to cope with the possibility that he may never get his hands on all that doujinshi he bought. Uh, should he make the move, he might also be surprised to learn that even in Japan, where people are generally content to mind their own business regarding other people's hobbies, there are limits to how accepting society and employers are towards wearing your otaku lecherousness on your sleeve. Uh, though relocating would, at the very least, free him from having to deal with the customs department after his shopping excursions. So, having read this now... What? I was going to say, we already know what you're going to say. Well, I, I, I'm not sure that you do. I'm just going to say that having read this the second time, I think that this is a, he's making this up. I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see an actual source on this that isn't his uh, Twitter. Besides that, if if the officials did take that much of it, wouldn't you think there would be an official newsletter of this? Not necessarily. Is that something that you... But I, I'm just like taking it at face value. I mean, this seems like so. If you if you were this guy, and nobody posted any, uh, nobody posted anything that I could show you. This is I, I don't even know how to describe his stuff, but it's really obnoxious. Um, but uh, if you were this guy and you lost your job with Swiss Bank, and then you lost your job on the day of uh, of starting it with DHL. Doesn't it seem a little bit like this publicity stunt may have been planned from the beginning? Doesn't it Could seem like this is how you kind of, uh, you know, raise your, like you're sort of migrating yourself to internet personality and all that stuff. You know, that this seems like it's just, it's a selfie of him Maybe. at the police station. He claims all this stuff without backing it up. I don't know. I just think that this might actually be, this might end the thing about the female official and all that. This well, seems yeah. like, 
the plane thing. Reese allows you two minutes for this article. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Could Patreon be better for the industry than Crunchyroll? Um, do you guys want to go over this? Uh, I've already read this one. If you want me to abridge this, I'll be fine with that. Well, I think it would, I think it would be worth it for the audience to to read through it, just because there's uh, Justin Savakis always has an insight that we don't normally. Uh, My connection is breaking up again. What did you say? As okay, soon just, as you start the, argument. I'm just going to go through it real quick. Um, I, I think you probably have a lot more to say about this than I do. I just want to share the information that uh, Justin Savakis is sharing here. And Reese is a Bridget. Okay, go ahead. I don't care. All right. Okay. Essentially, what's going on is this person asks, if you, as you can read the first paragraph, this Digibro person has been bashing against Crunchyroll for a while, and the question comes up, would crowdfunding be better than streaming or trying to go away from the natural business space to bring anime over here? As you yes, keep reading, <laughs> three and a half hours late. Yeah, three and a half hours late, Lance. Uh, so essentially, he kind of derives the Digibro, and I still question why people watch the guy, but that's not the point. Um, he goes into like different crowdfunding methods. The thing is, and, Patreon uh, isn't sustainable at all for studio trade. Okay, so, since you're not doing a good job about this, the, the main point that he makes about Patreon is that the difference between funding the studio versus funding the actual people who worked on it are two different things. And that Patreon funding for the studio doesn't actually provide uh, payment back to the individuals who worked on it the same way that, um, that something that would make we've the country seen. That and we've seen this before with Anime Souls. It didn't work. They made it more complicated than what it would be. Digibro has a really particular viewpoint on things because he he's one of those people that likes to, I don't know, just uh, fan over the directors. And it's like, oh, these specific individuals are more important than the show or the writing or anything like that. But um, Okay, whatever. Um, yeah. So, so it gets good. So it gets down. It gets down to to Patreon's not going to be a strong source to fund this stuff, along with Kickstarter, because you have to have a certain advertisement to it. So it's well, kind I, of a. I think, I think I read it. Kind of was like a null. It would be valuable for us to come back to this um, and actually go through it. So maybe at the end of the podcast we will, or we'll just forget, and I don't care either way. But um, the thing is about Digibro is that he used to be endorsed by Crunchyroll or work for Crunchyroll or whatever, and he's had yeah. a falling out. So he just he holds this position strictly out of a grudge. I think one so day he just was really angry and Crunchyroll was slightly inconvenient for him, so he was just made a video on it complaining about the small things. And then it got topical and got him more views, so he's just made two more videos on it. And yeah, now we're here. But anyway, the way so I'm gonna go on by Crunchyroll. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to uh yeah. to the next one. All right. Okay. Russian state media accuses anime of promoting child suicide. So this is a very short article. All right, it's very short. Can we just say no? Well, I, would like I to just say no. This is interesting because the I the reason why they're doing this 
A Russian state-sponsored media outlet has raised the alarm about anime television programs, citing cyber threat experts who say the popular animation style promotes suicide among teenagers. The assertion comes two, two years after an online game known as Blue Whale sent shockwaves in Russia for allegedly inciting teenage suicides. Russia's Novaya Gazeta uh, reported in 2016 that, that more than 130 teens had fallen victim to the online phenomenon, leading to a formal investigation and at least one sentencing. They make a lot of quality cartoons in Japan. They're not dangerous if you don't watch them all day. The, state, the state-run RAI Novosti news agency quoted um, Yelena Ivanova, uh, an expert at the state-sponsored Center for Protecting Children Against Online Threats, as saying, that was a really big mouthful of could have been avoided by just putting the quote at the end of that sentence. Um, it's another thing entirely if the characters are teenagers, like their viewers, who are also homosexuals, who smoke and drink and even cut uh, their veins, Ivanova said. The center, a recipient uh, of a presidential grant, contends that U.S. and Chinese underground animation studios are behind the questionable content. RIA Novosti relayed the tales of several Russian teens whose obsession with anime has brought them to the brink of suicide. The teenagers avoided taking their own lives after counseling from the Center of Protecting Children, the outlet said. Of course, the root of the problem here is much deeper than cartoons, but they're tailored specifically for these types of children, Ivanova said. It's best to restrict access to questionable groups, even if they're playing in the background. Their content will only seep into the brain. The head, the head of the center, Vladimir Rogov, wrote on social media, we're against radical measures, but it's time to place anime culture in Russia on the right track, Rogov said. All right. So in other words, it's a politician chasing after something to make them look good, even though no. they have no idea what's going on. It's actually, there's a geopolitical move here that Russia is making. Keep in mind, RIA Novosti is state-run. This is a propaganda rag for the government of Russia. Okay? We all kind of know what's going on. Well, do you know? So they had said, it's even worse when they're teenagers like the viewers, who are also homosexuals. Uh, do you know that in Russia, it is illegal to tell children to that gay people exist? Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, you don't understand. You guys have no idea why I'm bringing this up. (laughs) Russia, Russia geopolitically, they have, they are doing, okay, they're not American. They don't have the same freedoms and everything. They have, I I would say, an almost dictatorial government that is mandating what you might call traditionalist values, particularly regarding the family, because they're trying to up their population. Because a country's power, the country is only as powerful um, as it um, is only people. as great as its people, right? You need the population in order to be strong, in order to have a good economy. All those things are necessary for them to remain um, relevant on a political stage, right? And there's sort of this, I mean, we've been fighting a proxy war with them since like the 80s in Afghanistan and in Syria. Um, and uh, like there's sort of a global positioning shift going on with things like the U.S. dollar not being used as a global um, world reserve currency for um, purchases of oil and whatnot, that there's sort of this destabilization that had been going on over the past decade, um, and even before that, but mostly in the past decade, that Russia, China, and the U.S. are kind of uh, vying to main the U.S. to maintain position as the world's number one superpower and the others to get there. So Russia's Russia's response to this is to tell uh, to make it illegal to tell 
children in Russia that gay people exist because they want to have a higher population, which being gay or being a neat, being a, um, an otaku who doesn't uh, get laid and have children hurts their country uh, in their position. So I thought that was quite funny. And when I first read it, uh, when I first read the title, I didn't pick up on the fact that that's what this was about. But having read it just now, that's very obviously what this is about. Anyway, okay. let's talk about uh, our favorite uh, anime of the week. So we got Demica Market and Love Story. My favorite anime of the week is New Game. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I'll, I'll be too. honest. I, I watched these uh, like three days after the uh, last podcast. I, I've already watched the shows um, in preparation for the next podcast. Uh, and I watched mine like a month ago, almost or something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I'm gonna pull up the. Yeah, just real quick. All right, Augie, do you want to start? Uh, well, let's start. Let's start with our uh, amen to that, Reese. Oh yeah, you uh, this new format. Uh, yeah, what is the thing? Yeah. Um, what did did you like the show and do you recommend it and all that? Okay, for me, I liked. Okay, you Augie, go. I like the show. I. The TV series, I liked it. I'd recommend it for those who kind of want sort of a Garfield mindset. However, the movie, movie, I still liked it, but it was different. If you're going to watch the movie, make sure that you watch the short beforehand because it explain it gives some explanation to a detail that's not explained in the movie. But it that's went it? from I, comedy I, to I, melodrama. For me, I thought that the it would make sense to watch the short first, just because chronologically speaking, it's right after the TV series. But Daryl no. wasn't even in the movie, so I don't see the. I don't know. He was in the movie for five seconds. Okay. <laughs> Reason I'm saying that what? Conan made it to uh, Conan Town, and uh, the mayor of Conan Town gave him a, an honorary sash, so they gave him one too. <laughs> representing he's like a giant home. leprechaun <laughs> yeah he's so tall he's freakishly tall anyway I'm, I'm trying to pull up the twitter moments hold on I was looking I saw an, a tweet from uh, Brady Hartel that looked really uh, interesting that I was trying to find but I clicked away from it and now I can't find it Let me search for, I'll just search for Brady where he says no, best best I've ever seen <laughs> The ladies in the in Iowa aren't up to your. No, they're all working at right stuff. Reason why I'm saying the short before the movie is to get to the short. It's with the movie to get to it. You have to go to the extras, then select it instead of just playing the movie. Then the short runs first, or have the option. Yeah, yeah. Which is strange because if you remember, like Pokemon, the first movie, you have like you could choose vacation, then the movie. That short had nothing to do with the movie. It was just a little and in preemptive this case, thing. Yeah, in this case, it would have worked better because it sequentially goes together. Okay, the short right. is completely irrelevant anyway. That, that's what I said. So who cares? Why is this such a big deal? It doesn't it doesn't technically chronologically have to take place first. 
I mean, it was, it's just the it's, movie. The movie takes place without the characters in the short, and the character the short takes place without the characters in the movie. I don't think it matters. What I'm really saying is that the short is kind of a dumb note to end on. But anyway, um, yeah, anything well, else, Augie? Sure. I wanted the bird. It didn't give me the bird. The movie had like five seconds of the bird. It's funny because found... while watching it, I was thinking to myself that uh, the the bird feels completely unnecessary to the story, but also like That's... the story wouldn't work without it. But then when the movie happened, I'm like, nope, that proves it didn't need him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. That's why I kind of liked that he wasn't in the movie. He Like when he first came in, he came off as super pretentious, uh, whatever it is, beauty queen type thing. And I was just like, oh, joy. Don't you mean, don't you mean cocky? Yes. For a better term that's more accurate to his species. Um, but uh, yeah, so what I thought for my like short recommended type thing, uh, the TV series I think I liked just a bit more. Um, we'll get into that later. Um, it why are it we wasn't bad. About the first. <laughs> what? No, yeah, no. Is it just because uh, we're talking about our um, whether we recommend it? Oh, because no, Augie yeah, said yeah. he said Augie recommended watching the special first. Yeah, but um, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm just giving my overall thing. But um, yeah, the TV series it's nice. Um, I didn't really hate anything about it. It's pretty nice and chill. Whatever I've kind of said that three times. The movie, like, I guess you could say, yeah, it is different, like Augie said. But I. F- uh, it felt way too drawn out for the substance. Um, but it was still like relatively similar in the same uh, theme, I guess you could say. I don't know. I'm not thinking right now. It gave me the same amount of enjoyment, I guess you could say. All right. I got to. So real quick, there are two tweets that are unrelated to. Uh... So in other words, I would recommend it. Sure. Go ahead. But don't get your socks prepared to be blown off. There are two tweets here that are unrelated to um, Tomico Market, so I just want to get them out of the way. Uh, good news from Michael Tool's tweet, which I can't see because I'm banned uh, from his. Uh, uh, I thought it was Michael Tooley. For the longest time. It's about uh, Galaxy Express three nine, correct? That's what it was. I was yes, the Blu-ray. I can see it on my Blu-ray phone. movies. I can see the the quoted tweet preview on my phone, but I can't see it on the desktop here. Uh, and then the other thing and here, sadly, we already covered that. The other thing here is drinking with Takunomi and blasting with Idion, which, if you know how to spell it, I don't understand where this L is coming from. Um, so anyway, uh, regarding, I, I'd recommend it. I'd hands down recommend it. Um, it's fun, enjoyable. Um, and the one thing I will say to echo Reese's statement, Kana is definitely the best girl. And which one was that again? Kana's the one that was the carpenter. Oh, she was pretty nice. It's, I thought she had, she much less development. So much in the movie and she's an afterthought in the show. So that's I know my, that's what that's I what I'm saying. Say. That's what I'm saying is yeah. that I I recommend it, but it, it it's a travesty that Kana that is so great in the movie and not not utilized well. Actually, Kana's right on the cover. 
It's for right here. Well, yeah, it's the main three girls, but I mean, she still had barely any it's, significance. It's weird though how they handled it because she barely seems like she gets any. Um, yeah, they don't. They didn't. They didn't do a good no, job. She, of, made she, the bird. she does. She does kind of have a. Um, well, I don't know about that, Reese. Reese says that her Japanese voice is 100% better than the English one. That line, she did this part is so funny in the movie. I think I liked how robotic she sounded. I feel yeah. like that was somewhat well, intentional. She had this, my wife and I were like laughing for like an hour at this one line in the movie where she she gets, like she starts talking up and pumping up the, the group of girls for the, um, for the parade or whatever they're going to do. So she gets up onto the stage of the gymnasium they're in and and she as she's telling like everybody and like getting them pumped up and then she at, at, once she gets up there she says like one thing and goes, "Whoa, this is high." And she climbs back down. <laughs> she's literally like 4 feet off the ground. <laughs> oh. That was a great. That was a great one. Anyway, so yeah, let's move into the actual discussion. I'll, I'll just say I re- would recommend it. Amazing art style. Kyoani has a. Um, it looks like every book. other Kyoani. But they well, have it's a done great... by the same people who did uh, Kion, so that's why it kind of looked right. like. Well, Kion. yeah, it's it's from uh, Kyoani and from um, Naoko uh, Yamada. Who's so that? let me. Naoko Yamada is the director of A Silent Voice. In fact, let me start off by sharing. So first of all, this is the first thing I, I shared about it. Watch the pedals here. Oh yeah, I was bringing this up. This is exactly what I was talking about with my. It took me a while to see that. See what you're talking about. So it, like really, hold on, really pay attention to it. So the pedals are moving in the flow of the water, and the camera's moving. There's a point at which it converges, and they seem like they stop and then start again. That is exactly what I was talking about with the credits in Zapong. So now yeah. you guys have a visual reference. And then I, I mentioned here that um, right as I was thinking Anko, uh, which is the sister of uh, Tamako, right as I was thinking Anko reminded me of the little sister in a silent voice. This pink haired girl comes on screen. Uh, pink hair is the the girl, the main girl, the, the older sister in a silent voice had pink hair like this. Oh, and then, I thought you were going to say that she looks like beyond the boundary. Which is also a Kyoani uh, thing, isn't yeah. it? Kill any art style has this has this clamp look. Well, to it. it's just the red glasses and the color of the hair combination. Right, right. But the character in Silent Voice looked like this. Anyway, the the similarities ended there. Anyway, I almost titled what episode was that on? This is the one where they did the haunted uh, house thing, the haunted market. Thank you. Taste a moment of Satan's madness. Uh, I, that was what I wanted to name the uh, the podcast, but I decided to go with the name we went with because Otakuso is the one who uh, uh, recommended. who recommended this series. Uh, and sadly, Otakuso cannot watch this video because they still don't have internet. <laughs> oh, and then this is the other one. Uh, I noticed a little similarity here in the skipping from yeah. uh, Tamako Market and Clonad. In case you didn't notice, audience, Kyo Annie likes to recycle things. Well, this is this is actually not recycled. Originally, I was going to overlay them so it'd be even more apparent, but this isn't recycled. What? So it's not re- Disney. By recycle, I mean like they have skipping shot. That's all I mean. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, Augie, do you want to go over any of the things that you specifically? Uh... Um, predictions were pretty I have on par. No idea what you meant with this. Why, why this was relevant? Copyright strike. It's the Mr. Owl 
you shared this. So pretty, and the owl doesn't show up until. So like the end, but pretty much you have replaced the naked kid with the main character and how she interacts with the different people in the our shopping arcade. Then all of a sudden she comes across this owl. And as owl? after he does. Dara's not an owl. The bird. Okay. Dara, I believe Dara is a type of cockatoo, either right, the, which is the joke of him being cockatoo. cockatoo or the major Mitchell's cockatoo. Well, this isn't the bird podcast, so let's let's not worry about exactly what, what breed of cockatoo he is. Well, the whole whole punchline for the Tootsie Roll commercial is uh, she has to deal with a smart owl, so... Pretty much what I got, what I got, what I thought is what I got. (laughs) Reese says, talking bird, talking owl. Just leave the similarity at that. It's like, yeah. Okay. That was, I'm getting now this is your prediction, though, uh, as you explained it about going to all the places. Also, are we going to address the florist? Let's just say it really briefly. I was going to mention some other stuff with the animation, especially like episode five. I've noticed some different details that other shows would never do. Like when the main guy character or the boyfriend. Can you clarify what episode five is? What happens in episode five? Episode five. um, At this point, the main male character is going head over heels for the girl character. I think this is all. Let me look this up. <laughs> it must not be relevant to the actual, unless you can talk about the exact moment in the animation you're referring to. I don't think that Mal actually lists romance as one of the tags, which is interesting. Would you consider, would you consider the, um, the show a romance or just the movie? Well, I mean, actually, yeah, I think the show definitely show is worthy of the tag because he has a clear crush on her. Okay, but that's not romance. Yeah. I know, but that's the tag would... for like it's involved that there's a little one sided falling in love is not romance. I... That's it's that's romance in the deranged like uh, serial killer who who kidnaps you and puts the ring on your finger while you're tied to the chair. It's the themes, okay? <laughs> if someone wants to look at a romance anime or an anime that has this whole catch of, oh, someone's in love and they want to whatever, then they'll look for the romance tag for a show that might have sure that. <laughs> anyway, back to the point I was going to yeah. make. It doesn't matter what happened in the episode. Just know that the boys... Yeah the boy character is going head over heels over the childhood friend. In this scene, you see him kind of talk and spas- No, I can't say that word. Talk and overexcite himself to the point that he gets embarrassed. And as he gets embarrassed, his ears turn pink. Yeah. Which some people, that actually does happen. But for the most time, if someone gets embarrassed, it's always like, like a blob face, couple of couple of so you like how they and raise ears. Well, it's not really more the ears, even though that's one point out. It's more the realism that they're paying attention to. You know what? It's just a stylistic choice. 
to choose because yeah, like for instance all. in in dagashi not dagashi kashi in um miss kobayashi's dragon maid they uh right. they had um the the girl that had the cute gasms and they would they would draw the circular uh pardon the the heart shape in the mouth the heart you know right. it imply yeah it's just a it's just an artistic rendition i mean i think the show had tremendous artistic ability like i said kill kill annie there's something about kill annie that now that i think about it the like here here's a perfect example okay so if you look at her fingers do you notice that the line work does not actually complete the finger uh yeah this is an artistic choice just like the upper lip and lower lip being not completed type thing that's a little different but that is that is something else you could note but this thing specifically with the finger lines um look at uh sakura's hands in cardcaptor sakura You'll notice this all the time. It's an artistic choice. And I'm just saying that Kyo Annie, um, I'm noticing is doing this where not a lot of studios do it. Literally the only other time I can think of seeing studios that really like that's their style is clamp. So I wonder, um, I wonder if, if clamp artists were involved uh, in the animation process here, because it is um, Naoko Yamada. Uh, She attempts to do, I don't want to use the word progressive because I think it gives you the wrong impression, but she attempts to do other things um, than you would, than a normal person. More would ambitious. Stick it's she's being a little bit less safe uh, in terms of like, More ambitious. I want to quote, I forget the guy's name, but remember that guy I talked about who said, uh, who said, um, showing panties is in line with male desires. So let's show them when he's talking about Moe fascism. Um, so she's a little bit more um, deliberate in her choices to do things, uh, doing things like a silent voice, which is about um, complex relationships and involving mental health issues, um, social anxiety, and uh, being deaf for for that particular character. Uh, then with um, then with uh, with this show, there was the the florist who we're just going to guess was trans, um, which. The thing that I like about how they handled it is this is what they did. Have a character, looks mostly female, especially because of the dolled up hair, male voice. Never address it, never go into pronouns, never preach, never talk about anything other than just let's treat it as though it's normal. Let's put it out there, okay? If you're going to do it, don't preach about it. Just do it. Make it present the world that they did. So I'm actually very thrilled at the fact that they went with that choice in terms of the directorial aspect of it. That Naoko Yamada treated things the way that, that she did so that it's not sort of cramming it in your face. You know what I mean? And um, just for the record, in case anybody's wondering, the English dub uses a male voice actor as well as the Japanese dub. Um, the, the voice actor for the Japanese dub was uh, Commander Irvin from uh, from Attack on Titan, the male voice actor. Um, so um, getting back to uh, Yamada's style, I just, I wonder if because of that sort of uh, that feminine approach to, to how Naoko Yamada does things, I wonder, I'd be um, interested to find out if, if, part of the female art team from clamp uh, was involved in production or has moved into kill Annie. It'd be interesting to actually figure out I mean, who 
all the all the connections that are probably there behind the scenes that we don't necessarily see just based on company names. You know what I mean? They could have just had some fans of Clamp stuff and just decided to put that in or something. Look, what I'm saying is that as an artist, this is instinct. Okay, this is not something that you replicate. This is instinct. You instinctively know where the line should start and end in order to convey this. This is not something you copy. Okay, so maybe you guys don't follow it the way I do from an artistic perspective, but I've noticed that with all of Kyo Annie's work, and I appreciate it because it gives me this throwback to those details that Clamp was really good at incorporating. And I won't say all Clamp, it's mostly Cardcaptor Sakura that I noticed it in, because um, I don't, I, I feel like it kind of lazied out with uh, um, Tsubasa in particular, but uh, I could be wrong with that one. They might have also had it there, but I, I distinctly remember it from the incredible amount of detail uh, that they used to put into Sakura's outfits and, and her transforming uh, and all that stuff. So anyway, that's something I noticed that I really appreciated. Also, one thing that was actually kind of irritating between uh, Tomoko Market and Tomoko Love Story is Tomoko Love Story really focuses on the fact that the guy wants to be like a film major. And I feel like that came out of left field. Did he ever even hold a camera in Tomoko Market? Yes. They recorded stuff in episode one. There's like so two in, times that he was in that club. So but in one it wasn't episode, a main focus. There's a little one off thing. It just seemed weird. They, Actually, yeah, his little three group of friends or whatever, uh they appeared a couple times, but it was very like the Carpenter Girl, you barely got any of it. Oh, Kana's teaching me about waifu culture. Also, I appreciate the fact that they made her a carpenter because you don't see something a quirk like that very often. I loved her. I love, she's not just a carpenter. She's completely obsessive compulsive. As, as far as I know, they don't even build buildings in Japan. They just import people from other countries. Actually. I'm making Japanese, this up, Brad. Japanese carpentry is incredibly... Um, different from most uh normal like hammer and nail stuff they they have an incredible um way of like they, they'll build buildings without using nails have you ever seen that let me see if i can pull up a clip we can no show brad you. we don't we don't no you can talk over i'm showing you the freaking clip of it <laughs> uh for me when you with her carpentry there was like one or two episodes that we get to see her build one particular would be the haunted house right. episode of I thought she was a fun quirky turkey as well. Uh, what I also liked about her was her conversations with guess who the bird bird like uh, when they're trying to get get him to diet she's mentioning all these recipes and stuff to how to cook a chicken or whatever pheasant you would like to as in like, yeah, let's let's not slim him down he's already plump and fat let's eat him <laughs> so you guys can watch this while uh while you talk i have it clicked onto the screen the thing with dara is i thought he was a nuisance at first and then i just kind of accepted him at one point i don't think i necessarily loved him but you know, I got over it. Might be over-exaggerating the bird. I think he 
he oh, no, sounds. I'd say I hate him. Kill him. Uh, I think Augie is saying he might be over exaggerating. I don't Ooh. think he's much. I don't think the bird's a snob, but more like he's raised one way, but it's still a loyal. He, pet. he was a ro- royal uh, mochi matsui uh, family worker servant under <laughs> for the royalty under Prince Mecca. Which, by the way, like, what the fuck was that about? Why did that? Why was that necessary? That royalty and stuff was it just to show that that character actually liked her and didn't want her to? Here, here's the clip right here of of it joining. Watch this. So they have to do this for every single piece. They have okay. to chisel it out. And then this this is how you lock it into place. There's better ones where it's like around corners and stuff. I assume it probably has something to do with keeping them from, uh, from I don't I was gonna say from rotting, but yeah, I guess it would, seems like it would be. This guy's not even doing as no. good of a job. Like there are ones where once they once they go in there, the wood looks like one piece. Like it's so well cut. Anyway, what I was saying though, basically, yeah. was that you don't hear a lot about carpentry in anime. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's let's start a petition for more shows about carpentry. Yes, and uh, accurate World War Two, etc. Historical anime. <laughs> you mean ones that don't involve zombies and uh, Nazis and stuff? I was talking about like well, guess, how that one I guess, time. I guess they should involve Nazis. I don't the know one I time said. we said they always make some sort of different fantasy, whatever spin on old historical war stuff. They don't make accurate ones. But anyway, what what about Blondie? The third uh, no, main girl. I barely I remember like... her. She was the one that the girls and guys fell in love with. Right? Yep. I don't That's even right. remember that. That was her introduction. I... She was in a lot of the episodes as a minor focus, either trying to push the boyfriend to do something or She's like the definition of a supporting character. <laughs> yeah. I was very confused because well, like at one she point might, she makes it. You I think, think she might have a crush on the main character. On Tomiko? I was about to say My that. wife okay. said that. I you know Well, because as soon as uh she hears that dude wants to say his feelings to her, she's like, I I like her too much or whatever or something. No, she didn't say that, but she pretty much implied that she doesn't want him to do it because she had, I don't know, she cared too much about Tomiko, implying that she's got feelings. But then she did nothing about it, and she didn't even address it after the point, so I don't see why. Her name was Midori. She was in love with Tomiko in competing with Mochizo. I I didn't see enough I didn't see enough evidence to suggest that she actually was. Exactly. I, it could have they, been implied, and that I'm, I wouldn't put it past Naoko Yamada to imply that. But I'm just saying I didn't. I have this thing with with modern anime. It's like this generation is so obsessed with sex that everything that's made gets analyzed as being like, oh, these characters are in, in into each other and this and that. And it just I don't. I I think it's shipping wars. Exactly, you know, and it's. I think it's something to say that um, I don't know. I, I I suspect it's probably the internet getting invented and internet porn being available to uh, 
the entire world at a certain time that You're everybody like Crispin who grew up Freeman watching, in Chobit's internet porn. <laughs> everybody, everybody being um, exposed to because they're like back in the day, like in older generations, like people would people got their porn through um, Playboy magazine or something, right? And you hear stories about people finding a stash of Playboys in the woods or something, you know. But um, with with our generation, it's like it was it was specifically internet porn where it was in your house, right? Like you couldn't avoid it if you were on the internet because 90% of the internet is literally porn sites, right? So I, I feel like there's this, this thing that has happened with this generation where being raised, even if you weren't like constantly looking at just being exposed to it at a certain point in your life at perhaps too young of an age has warped people to the point where it's, it's this weird obsession people have, especially with um, non-traditional um, romances, like not necessarily male, female, that it's like, they have to find it everywhere in every series. And like you said, the shipping wars and stuff seems ridiculous to me. It seems ridiculous to me that a cartoon for instance, Legend of Korra is a good example. Why does it matter that Korra's lesbian or whatever? You know, like, why is that included in the cartoon at all when you're making... Apparently, it sounds like that it was shoehorned into the very end. Yeah, I and, and it's like... It's probably the, diversity because she's the, also the, colored. Well, <laughs> the LGBT community celebrates it and it's like, I understand why, but I'm just saying that you know, this is a cartoon for kids on Nickelodeon. Maybe we don't need to have characters falling in love at all. Maybe it could just be about things kids are actually, you know. I, it's what were we discussing it, again? <laughs> we, we've got sidetracked. It's, it's about Midori, the character Midori that, that you guys oh, yeah. are saying. I didn't think that there was an actual, um, I didn't think there was any actual proof that that this character was. And this is this is kind of the thing that irritates me is, um, is that it, damages actual relationship with people. It's like, I think we talked about this, how people make the claim um, that fight club is a homoerotic movie. And it, it's like, it's um, I've heard it. I've heard it put this way. It's a really brilliant way of putting it. Uh, there's a Seinfeld episode where Elaine is talking to uh, Jerry about going to um, stay the night or something over at, at her girlfriend's house for like a, a um, like a, um, a baby shower or something. And he, he makes this comment like, um, are you guys going to uh, uh, put on lingerie and have a, a kissing match? Like something like that. Right. And she says, is that what you, is that really what, you, what men think women do when they're, when they're alone together? Something is like, we all wish or something, something like that. Right. And it's this idea that that's, that's like, you can't be um, you can't have a healthy adult male relationship with somebody like a friend without it being like questioning, is that guy gay? You know? And I just, I think that it, it cheapens overall our ability to have relationships with other human beings when literally everything was about sex. And I, and I'll stand by my statement. I don't think that there was any overt proof that Midori was gay. Um, other than what they said, literally the moment you're introduced to her, they say that all the girls and guys fall for her is what they said. Something to that effect. Well, the, the way I'm putting it is that I, I agree. That's why I was skeptical in saying, I think she might have been in love with, uh, with Tamako, but like you said, there wasn't substantial proof of any of that. So right. you can't, you just get a hint and you're like, 
was was that the intent? Right. And, and as I'm Reese is saying, yes, because Reese is saying Kana likes Midori. Midori was into uh, um, Tamako and competing with Mochizo, and it's like I, there wasn't. You, I mean, you could you could make that case, but there's not any proof. There's not sufficient evidence. Yeah, it you would be hard pressed to prove it in a court of law. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Uh, Lance I'm says I have nine older case, sisters. But... Lance said I... I have nine older sisters, and it's definitely not the case. To which Reese says, "Holy balls! Nine older sisters, Oni-chan for days." <laughs> now he's Emoto Chan. <laughs> Those are his older sisters. <laughs> All right, I think I'm missing one character. Mochizu, uh, the girl with the glasses that oh. uh, Dara was completely head over heels for. Like that had potential, but it also kind of went nowhere. Am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. So I'll say this. Um, Going back to Midori briefly. Okay. In most of the episodes, she felt like she was more of a catalyst to get something going. Yeah. In some from, cases, but sure. still pretty underwhelming. So she directed the story because the thing about, and this is something else that's kind of worth, worth bringing up. Again, so. I watched um, a silent voice recently because I needed to get a clip for, um, well, I guess you guys haven't seen it yet. It's for the, the Liz and the Bluebird first impressions. Um, and I think Naoko Yamada um, may bite off a little bit more than she can chew. It's great to see she's trying, but I just, I felt like I was really looking forward to that movie and I thought it just barely fell short of, hitting its mark right but if it followed the manga then it didn't end anyway that's what i've that's what i've heard is everybody everybody who comments about it says you should read the manga it's incredible compared to it but um no the manga doesn't end okay to my point that i'm trying to make here um tamako's sister anko something i thought was very subtle is you notice that they have incredibly different personality types and something they never expressly bring this up, but it's, I think, what was in, intended is that one of them was raised without a mom. Right? So it kind of showed, and this this sort of echoed a little bit in in the the types, um, how the characters interacted in uh, A Silent Voice. Um, and it might be interesting to see um, Naoka Yamada's living situation growing up. But uh, I felt like they structured the show around the tragedy of Tamako's mom without ever really addressing it until the movie. That's true. Yeah. And Anko who didn't know how to interact around boys, didn't know how to behave uh, in a lot of ways, grew up without the female role model of her mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting, um, thing that was not overlooked because you could you could create a story and just be like yeah they don't have a mom it's sad and everything and then not not go into the detail uh in character development and stuff on the behavior you know um and stuff and i i thought it was a really interesting sort of subtle thing that they put into there that they didn't really touch on yeah that's pretty interesting she actually sure is the, the girl with the the, uh, the the glasses actually before i forget um the thing I liked about the character designs was, um, you know how you gave that Scooby-Doo book, you know which one's going to be pulled out type thing you mentioned as an example in, uh, I forget, yeah. what is it, Fireworks or something? Right. Um, like, every time you watch an anime, 
you see the characters with the hair color and you're like, yep. You kind of, you know, which that characters. That the one's main the main characters. character. They have red hair or something like that. For this, it was the opposite. The main character, Tamako and her sister had black hair, looked all mm-hmm. normal. And everyone else was eccentric, like uh, the flower lady man thing. And yeah. all the other ones, they all looked fairly unique and popped out. Whereas the main characters are suppressed to a degree. Hmm. I found that interesting. I I also think that the characters for the well, first of all, character design wise, um, they all the characters were designed in a way where you could tell them apart easily, right? Which was oh, which yeah, is yeah. a great a great choice on on their behalf. Um, and uh, yeah, just like I, I feel like the show is so precious, but also just like I said with um, with. Uh, a silent voice just barely doesn't quite hit its mark. I think the movie is great, by the way, um, and I think it's great because Dara's not in it. Not that I think Dara sucks or anything, but I just feel like I I thought that a story that revolved solely around the characters um, and not the bird uh, was better. Also, what? I mean, what's up with Dara? Why is he also a, a projector that can shoot? lights out of his eyes onto the sides of buildings until uh basically you know video messages from an island that probably doesn't even have technology it seems really yeah, weird that's i still yeah. think it's an island of aborigines but um i was i thought you was going to despise the movie i'm kind of glad i'm hearing the opposite why would i despise the movie well uh, I because of all the other melodramas that we've seen this summer uh, yeah, at the end, despise the ending yeah. of the movie. Okay, let's get into Fair that. Enough. So, um, you said Very your wife open. was on the same page as me, right? She wanted to destroy the TV. My wife wanted to throw something at the TV during okay. the ending. So, How, let's, actually, let's... wait, 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 wait. Asterisk. The, they give you a false ending. Hmm? It feels like it's about to end. Then there's a little bit more. Then it does end. What's the right. little bit more? Is, I forget a, what that like, was. It like cuts to black. And then there's a little bit more. Like, I mean, like. I'm pretty sure I watched that, but I forget what the content text it, What was. I'm saying is, there's a part. Spoilers coming up if you haven't watched it. Uh, there's a We've part. We've already spoiled it. Okay. We haven't, technically. Well, we're getting no, into we that. Not... It's the ending. <laughs> okay, everyone, spoil one. So, Get out here. Um, the the last part is Tamako saying "I love you too" or whatever, and I think she says it. Cut to black. That's the point where my wife was like, "Gonna throw something at the TV," and yeah, then it the cuts false? back to the to the embrace and everything that lasts a very short amount of time, and then it cuts to black for credits. Right. So that's not just, all that much better. It's Let's... not that much better. I'm just clarifying. Okay. Just okay. Clarifying. Okay, so now let's go take a trip back to like 2011 or something where every single romance anime had the whole cliche of, oh, it, it gets to the, like the final episode and then the main characters confess or something and then they either st- A, start dating, or B, share a kiss and then cut to black. DNA Angel is a perfect example of that. Um, so then... With this, it's bringing us back and reverting us back to the old days, whereas anime since 
back then, we've been getting a lot more substantial like relationship things where it at least gives you a bit more time afterwards and stuff to absorb it. But this, uh, the movie pissed me off because it felt like they were just milking this this whole thing for, oh, does she love me? Oh, I got college and all this. It felt really dragged out for what it, it was. And then as soon as you get to the ending, it's just like, I love it. Then it ends and it's like, well, that was great. Do we get to see if if he goes to college after all? Do we get to see if they get married and have kids? Literally, that... literally there is only one anime that goes past the I love you. There's only no, one. No, you're and wrong. It's an ad, <laughs> and it goes way too far. <laughs> yeah, because I guess Chivalry of a Failed Knight didn't date in episode four. I guess no, my love uh, story didn't date yeah, in episode I'm, four. I'm saying, no, I'm saying that... And, um... The main point of this series is not what the not what Tamako does afterward. It's about her high school life. I know, but show like a clip of oh wow, we're happy we're dating. Oh, here's my parents gang. Hey, good luck, champ. <laughs> now, and stuff like one that. Complaint, one complaint I kinda have with Tamako that kind of that really affects the movie for me. And you, you can see some with the dad. For some reason, she is resisting change throughout pretty much more of the movie. Which is somewhat what kind of dragged it out. Because they yeah. surprisingly got the confession out of the way pretty early. Because they got the confession out of the way. It would have been super the whole... cliche if they confessed and then... It ended. Oh, so okay, so you're saying they got the confession out of the way early, as like in, his his initial he confession, said it, and then she, there was a big chunk of it where she of was limbo. Where it's like, Again, oh my god, and this is this is going back to her not having a mom, right, and and not right. knowing how to sort out the feelings and have somebody to communicate with. Um, you know, girls are incredibly attached to their mom for that kind of stuff. Being able to uh, um, work out the emotional aspect of, of being a woman. Right. And, yeah. um, in the, uh, in the movie, like, yeah, she, it, it was almost annoying at first just because like you, but, but at the same time, Tomiko from the entire series has been, I don't want to say an airhead, but she's very much. Okay. So what this is, is it's arrested development is what she has. And that's actually the other thing I was going to get into um, regarding the the sisters, right? One sister grew up without a mom. One sister didn't grow up past having a mom, right? That being Tamako is that at that point she was stuck in, I love Mochi. This is my life. You know, all this stuff that that is where she's stuck for up until this point of her life is she's still that little girl who lost her mom. Right. So that was, that was, I, I meant to get to that. I got sidetracked, but that was the other thing I was going to bring up about, about the mom not being there, which is why it's kind of crazy how little they actually go into detail on it. Right. I did think that the part about him being the one who handed her the, uh, the mochi that like cheer up mochi or whatever was, Oh, that was a little weak. I, I, it was a bit predictable. Yeah. I didn't see that coming, but I felt like it was a weak resolve too. The show is it's in the show where she learns about the song. Yeah, where she where she gets where she realizes the song was her dad uh who her dad actually wrote the song, you know? Um 
that was kind of a funny note about the uh, music store guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I didn't know what you're talking about because your mom always sang so off key. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, that was in the show and that I think, I forget what happened in the show that that episode happened, but that was another thing that, that helped her progress. It's hard to explain how it works, but basically in arrested development, getting into, um, there's like blocks, there's like roadblocks you hit. Uh, as a as a person growing up and having to mature that I think in that episode her um, she was coming to terms with her mom's death I guess I don't know it's hard to explain but um, also I watched this like two weeks ago so um, anyway I, I thought it was I thought it was handled well my wife um, loves that song too um, and I gotta say it was it was nice to have an anime that I could watch with my wife um, and potentially with my kids, even though I didn't, I didn't watch it really with my kids. Um, but uh, it was nice to have an, a, a show that I could watch with my wife that she didn't want to uh, not watch <laughs> such as Mayo Cheeky ladies versus butlers, all, all the other stuff we've watched so far uh, in the last couple of months. So that was, uh, that was good for me. Yeah. I, I think one that- character, there's only one character in the show I really had an issue with, and that was the father. I understand really? the whole aspect of he lost his wife and he doesn't really know what to do, but the whole time it's like he has a boot shoved up him and he doesn't know how to cope with it. I think that's partially I, I, the point. Right, and I think that part of that was, and th- this was actually an endearing quality of him, and it's kind of interesting because if you could lay out the show chronologically, I think it would make more sense. Or let's say if you were to sit down and watch it again, I think that you would appreciate this aspect of him more. But it was very clear that this is a guy who actually has a lot of passion. Passion for making mochi, even though he doesn't want to make the, the butt mochi or whatever. <laughs> the heart right. mochi and all that. Um, that was so forced. What about a butt mochi? Yeah. What? Where'd that come from? <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> okay, so the reason for that was because of they they like set that up just for the Dara movie, the little the little short okay. Dara movie. I think the Dara short was the the best of the three. There's there are um, DVD specials that were not included in the U.S. release. Um, they're probably not substantial anyway, as long as they're not, say. but but there's um there's a, a thing so they were like omakes, right? And there's one um there's one called uh Dara's Bar where the girl it's ladies only, so all the female characters come in and he's like like cleaning a glass, you know, and it's just like it's a funny set it's so funny, the Dara's bar. But but yeah, anyway, uh, I totally lost track of where we were going because of uh you got sidetracked. Yeah, so the yeah the father the father has passion, but isn't good at expressing it because he's embarrassed, just like Mochizo. Yeah, that was really apparent when uh, he they found out. Oh, that's the song that he wrote because you see right. that. Oh, he's got a sensitive side, and and, I, and what it is is that he opened his heart up to he couldn't he couldn't communicate with her in a way outside of writing a song for her, right? So that's, 
he didn't know how to express himself. So this is the, the mode he went with. He opened his heart to somebody. They fell in love and he was able to like actually, you know, express that passion to her. She died. So it's hard for him to express um, that emotion, that emotional stability and, and, and passion towards his kids as well. And other people, it's like, obviously he loves them, but it's so hard for him to show it. You know, and this is again um, for her, for Tomiko, this is the arrested development of of growing up without a mom and having that tragedy that occurred that I don't want to say scarred her for life, but stunted her growth uh, in a maturity sense. And then for him, uh, it did the same thing in a way, but to his emotional availability, even though he still clearly loves his kids and good on Tomiko for being such again, I don't want to use the word airhead, but for not, um, for not letting it come across as abuse, like knowing that her father loved her and, and being so upbeat and passionate and constantly, you know, pushing him and promoting like the heart mochi and the, the, um, the Christmas tree mochi and all all that stuff that she wanted to promote and do, uh, even though it was a solid no across the board. Right. And then that's another, another example of him not feeling comfortable expressing and reciprocating love and actually creating one of the mochi designs she came up with and getting really embarrassed when he, when she saw it was introduced to that mochi design he did right that was another um, aspect to it right so the thing about the movie is the reason that I kind of acquit very similarly to the series, despite its like differences, is even though it was dragged out and all that crap that I'm like, wow, narratively this is annoying, even that dragged out stuff, I did like what they did with it. It wasn't necessary, but their approach to it was like enjoyable enough, kind of like the show. Yeah. My, my yeah. only gripe is the lack of a real payoff because you at yes. least want to see them discussing it and being like going back and forth about their feelings for each other instead of just a simple I love you. Yeah. It, it almost seemed like it, it needed a post credit scene. Um, and going back to what I was saying before about there's only what I meant about saying there's only one anime that goes beyond I love you is I meant that after the there's a in relationships there's a phase after the you know we like each other that's dating. And that, that can go on for years, right? And then the next phase is, let's say, serious relationship to marriage and, and having kids and stuff. And that's what I mean about Clint Ad going that far. Oh, so, there's two um, anime that do do that. Dragon tell Ball. Me. <laughs> Dragon Ball. That's That has a romance tag on my anime list, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, that's... I mean, I probably have like one or two more things to say, but not for coming. To me. No, okay. they're not I'll coming get, to me. Is what I said. Agalicious. So, is there anything else to address? I mean, I can um, look at our tweets. Your tweets. Any, is there anything in particular okay. you, you didn't like? Like any other grapes that weren't? I the dad? I don't have I don't have any. Let's say. Um, critiques that are like this broke the movie but i didn't think dara and the uh the islanders thing needed to exist at all (laughs) i think the movie like the whole time i'm watching i'm like 
could this work without this aspect? I yes. think that's kind of what made it. I don't want to say a Kyo animation, but it almost does because they just have to take make a slice of life and add something to the mix. And I'm like, it's the bird. I didn't even know there was a talking bird in this show. Right? Augie, you say the short yes. explains what happens to the bird. You're just referring to the fact that in the show, he accidentally it falls asleep in the flowers leave. and then doesn't go, doesn't leave. That's the ending. That's the ending. It shows him leaving in the short. It explains I, how he left. It doesn't, I'm, it pretty doesn't sure, I'm pretty sure it showed him waking up and realizing he was not where he was supposed to be and basically already on his way. And also, I'm pretty sure that they addressed it in the movie when they talk about like the fact that he's not there. Yeah, and then they show like a five second clip, but it doesn't explain how he got back. I'm pretty sure the did short didn't either. Did someone he just woke up and yeah. it was like, oh, my slaves or whatever. The short, uh, the short revealed that he bid them farewell and got on a plane. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the reason the bird existed was so they could throw those puns in about device. the names. The names meaning uh, mochi is disgusting. And no, that no, no, I got old after the first mind. time. Yes, it did. <laughs> it sure did. Um, and then Reese had said uh, in the music scene, uh, in the music store, watching Tomoko Love Story, hold the phone, how different would the show have been if they decided to play Pulp's This Is Hardcore, the album to the left of the Bay City Rollers definitive collection. Um and one of the one of the lyrics in uh, this is hardcore is um, you're hardcore. I'm hard for you. <laughs> you make me hard. That's what it was. You 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 are hardcore. You make me hard. <laughs> and then there's a whole discussion here that we aren't going to go into. <laughs> um, so that was an observation that was made. <laughs> I'm not sure that we can go any further. I mean, there's like this one 3D par. There's like this one party ball that stuck out like a sore thumb, but. Yeah, that pretty much more to pay attention. Yeah, I don't remember it in particular, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to have done some 3D in it. Um artistically though, again, the opening theme is great. Um in terms of it, it really was more like was more like what? Opening the opening theme was more like if you said Lucky Star and you didn't know what the show was, you would point to that. I just mean like it, it had an energy to it. Um that I felt like really like I always talk about that opening to um, Monsters Inc. setting a setting a mood to enjoy yourself um, when you watch it. Um, I Reese Reese asks, did I actually know the song before the tweet or did I look it up? I did know it, but I didn't remember the uh, um, the lyric until I I, I like refreshed my memory. I also said the, the ending was catchy as hell. Um, but I'm talking about like with the opening, uh, her with, you know, like sort of the, I think the, what's the song called? Like the magical market ride or something like she's coming down the, um, with like the umbrella or whatever. And then she's got like the top hat and she's dancing around and stuff. It was a very cute, like way to open the show that brought a lot of energy to it. Um, and it was also kind of interesting that actually the show was made in collaboration with that market. Oh, yeah. That was another thing. I, I need, I I need wonder, to give that. Well, I wonder if that if that uh um, just a giant ad. No, no, I wonder I wonder if the if like the 
stalls in the market were the ones that they used in the in the show. I wonder if the reason they had that trans-ish uh, florist is because there's actually a trans pers- uh, person working in that market. Probably. This is interesting. ADR director Chris Ayers, but I don't think he played any characters. Well, he was probably a minor role if he did play any. I this is back. Um, this was released a while ago, though. Do what? I have to get the Lashonsky quality test uh, after you're finished your thing. What qual- What quality test? I need to give my my uh, evaluation on the quality. <laughs> Okay, I thought you were still going on something. So, Your nip count? Go for it. <laughs> no, not that. Yeah, the nip count is zero. None. Um, is there a lot than, of ass scenes? I don't know. <laughs> there was an ass. If there's an ass count, uh, this isn't a, a one. Take it or leave it. Um, so, while I was researching that one guy's tweet, how he said, oh, anime are still made at native 720p or whatever, um... They went over a number of studios in an article, and it said, I think Tomoko Market is the first native HD one that KyoAni made or something. They experimented with exclusively making the anime openings in Haruhi or something in HD, and they went back and re... I don't know if they re-exported it as native or something, but either way, Tomoko is the first one. And I could tell right away, yep, definitely 1080p. It's got a nice high bit rate. It's got 2.0. Instead of 5.1, but it's pretty much unnecessary for 5.1, if you ask me. We don't want new game, which has 5.1, but it's Slice of Life, so there's barely any yeah. noticeable... What's the what's the point? Oh, yeah, okay, so uh, reset. Chris Harris played the bathhouse guy. Oh, yeah, he did. He totally did. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the only things... Like, it would be at- atmospheric echo stuff, but like I told Lashansky, you won't notice it unless you had a comparison to 2.0. If you do 5.1 for slice of life stuff, it almost would be distracting. Don't you think? No. Like there's there are certain well, I mean there are certain movies like cuz in order to really put in the like it, let me put it this way. There's no reason for it a lot of times, right? For something like this. So so you're going to feel like you, you might- have to push stuff that you wouldn't like it's like all like you're watching it. Everything seems normal, and then a guy calls from down the hall, and you're like, "What the hell?" You know, kind of like when when all of a sudden the speaker behind you actually chirps mm. up for a second. That might just be for you, but um, you might think in general, "Oh, it's for action oriented, big bam, whatever." Which in most cases is no, just a, just a realm sorry. of if if everything is taking place in a classroom or something like that, there's just not as much need for it. Right, exactly. A, an action show would really benefit compared well, an to An action show is a good example, but I'm just saying there are other things, like, for instance, if, if characters are in the woods I, I, or I something. That. But, but um, you, the best example I can give is Persona 5 in, like, the when you're traveling Tokyo, whatever, blah. It's really casual, but the surround sound really adds to it because I played without the surround sound. I'm like, oh, my God, I missed those train track sounds. You know, like, well, sorry, you wouldn't know, I guess, but um, do they have um, 5.1 in Knights of Sidonia? Yes, and in in Spanish, that seems like it could have had an. I mean, I I don't have the home theater set up for it. Um, I actually listened to that with not these headphones, but with headphones on 2.0. 
and uh, and it sounded amazing. Like the the audio engineering in that was incredible. I can't wait to watch it in Spanish five point one track, which is included on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go, Lashonsky. It sounds great. Whatever, except uh, if we're talking about upscaling the two point who knows? Maybe it's good, but it's not really noticeable. Anyway, that's that's Lashonsky bit for the night. Cool. Lance says okay. he listens to anime through Pro Recording Studio headphones, so sound quality and sound placement is very important to him. Um, Who does? Lance in the comments nice. here in the chat. Uh, good for you, man. I mean, I, I I'm not an audiophile, so it's like. Um, I, I would Lance. probably not notice it, you know, because it's like I just I, you you you've picked up on the fact that I notice the first time watching it every like artistic f- flub with uh, with you know animation and especially all the three D crap, but uh, um, I don't have any luckily don't have any of that for audio. It's actually I've, I've told you guys this before. One of the things that I took away from college is like probably the one thing that really has stuck with me to this day is that audience will forgive bad visuals, but they won't forgive bad audio. Right. So it's a good thing I don't have the ear for it because I, I would be a lot more nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, because um, what is it? Something, it's like television and uh, movies. 70% is audio and 30% is video. Because if the video goes out and you still have audio, you still got 70% of the experience. Yeah. Video it's goes one of things, or I don't know. I don't know why, but... The thing that I always think back on when I when I think about that is the fucking awful CGI in Transporter Two. I mean, it's bad. It's so bad. There's a scene where he gets a, a bomb under his car, so he drives the car up a ramp, turns the car so that the crane like hits the bomb off of it. The bomb like gets stuck to the crane and then blows up. It's so stupid. And I'm pretty sure the bottom of the car, if I remember correctly, didn't even have like tubing and stuff. It's just like a flat bot. It's so bad. Um, but it's one of those things where like you would, you don't walk out of a movie when the, when the CG is bad, but if the audio is bad, like that scene, I think of our, I think I'm echoing something we've said in the past, that scene in um, birdemic, um, which is like a shitty movie, like the room. Uh, they did a video about it where he go the guy goes into the he goes into the um the cafe or whatever and when you see the uh when you see the uh the waitress she goes hi and it's like it like it like busts your eardrums and it's ridiculous that you would walk out of a movie for if it was that bad you know anyway um, I think we're just looking for. I, I've constantly said to to behind I, the scenes that we trained ourselves to talk for six hours and I think right now that's yeah, what's I think happening. We're, I think we're done with the show. We enjoyed so, it. Now let's return yeah. to this Hey Answer Man article. All right, I want to read this real quick. Um, I just feel like we were all over the place with it before. Anyway. It's uh, pretty straightforward. It is, but I still would like to know what Justin Savegas had to say. YouTuber Digibro has been against Crunchyroll saying how it is garbage product. Uh, this is this person is probably not a native English speaker, by the way. Um, there are so many bad anime they license. He also hates Netflixes. And their video still uses Flash video, which it is dying. And that autoplay hurts since it does not go where the customer want it to go. Um, but he does mention Patreon and how Trigger has done it with some success in himself. 
can make YouTube videos with crowdfunding support. So what his argument is that Crunchyroll, they are putting their money into licensing everything possible, including the garbage. The -hmm. thing is, Crunchyroll, the way they distribute the money they make is per show. I know. Blah, blah, blah. We will address that. There's still something about that. First of all, obviously, uh, funding a YouTube channel where a guy literally just uh, stands in front of the, the, camera. The, the camera and drinks beer and stuff is uh, is not as expensive as funding the 24 frame per second animation. Wait. of <laughs> Anyway, do you think it is the best for the internet customer funding that they get uh, customer funding and will make get i can't even read this let me, let me just read what what he had to say about it <clears throat> let me preface this by saying i take no issue with digibro himself uh good save justin you don't want him to make videos about you i agree with him about plenty of things and appreciate his bringing attention to older and more artistic anime most of his analysis that i've seen anyway seems pretty fair to me if a bit cranky and pessimistic that said Having seen the video where he questions Crunchyroll's efficacy as an industry-supporting business, I have to say that most of his arguments about, about that don't make any sense. In his video, one of the problems... What the hell? Okay. In his video, one of the problems he brings up with Crunchyroll is that there is a lot of low-quality anime on there. They have stated outright in the past that they do try to license literally everything. Anime has the same gold-to-crap ratio as every other form of entertainment, so that means they will pick up a bunch of forgettable stuff. He acknowledges that the service does pay based on how many people watch, but doesn't seem, uh, but doesn't seem like, pardon, but doesn't seem to like the way funds are distributed, based on a flawed understanding of it. He also hates Netflix, doesn't want to buy physical media or merchandise, and still wants to show support to one to one or two shows he act actively likes. His proposal, which appears to be his ideal way of participating in anime, is to forgo any legal streaming service, take what he wants from torrent sites, and give what he wants to his favorite production companies via Patreon. Of which there's only what? Like, the one? The trigger can I, one? Can I say something real quick? Sure, go if, for it. If it's worth you going out of your way to torrenting it, don't you think it's, I don't know, worth more than your attention or something, because if you're going out of your way because you want that, once you well, at least if, give your piece of their ad revenue or something, otherwise don't don't torrent it. Just well, watch if, the show. If his only it. way of watching it is to torrent it. Then how does he know if the show is good until after he torrents it? Well, why doesn't he just watch the shows of the people he likes if that's all he seems right. to care about? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you there. Although I will say here. When he brings up the fact that there's a lot of shit-tier anime on Crunchyroll, and Justin Savekas says, well, he doesn't take into consideration the fact that they pay based on views, one thing, a counter-argument to that, is that having, let's say, what percentage would you say gold-to-crap ratio is? Let's use the audio to video. Let's say 70-30. Okay. So if 70% of the shit that Crunchyroll... Uh, has is terrible that's a lot of their infrastructure in um, licensing what's well, a lot of it's a lot of crap that's that they're paying to house on servers and stuff mm-hmm. so it does negatively affect to some degree the um the positive good stuff by having so much crap that to his 
point people don't want to watch to, to his uh, opinion of it. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, obviously I'm sure there isn't a single show on Crunchyroll that has had zero clicks. Right. I'm sure that, I'm sure that somebody has checked out at, at least something because they've got like 40 million um, uh, viewers, right? Uh, 40 million non-premium subscribers, right? Um, and only what, like 800 shows? We were, I don't think, I don't know if we actually brought this up uh, in the last podcast, but what again, I realized that uh, our collections, like not to- together, but individually mine my collect i probably have twice as much as the library as crunchyroll um anyway so let me get back to it okay oh i have a real quick uh so is he saying that um he's disappointed they're using this money on those shows as opposed to what they're already getting literally the hype of the season attack on titan my hero academia um, yeah, that's a is, good point. Like, if they've already got the good stuff, what's the um? Well, what's I guess the loss? so. So okay, so that goes back to that's that's a counterpoint to the point I just made. You're right. That if if uh, if they're getting the shows and and less people are watching the crap, then it still doesn't matter because um, like you like we had read the the they pay based on view, right? Just like YouTube pays yeah. based on view and everything, right? So, um, so I guess that actually does, I mean, to a degree Crunchyroll could technically license things easier, but if they're already capable of affording all the licenses to all these streaming things and everything, then yeah, it, it should, it's kind of a moot point at that point. Good good point there, uh, FDDM. Let's set aside the idea that he wants to donate to anime studios directly. While we attach a great deal of importance to those studios, they do not comprise the show's entire production and usually don't make any of the major decisions regarding the show. So real quick, this is kind of like the idea that, okay, so this might be made by this studio, but they outsource this uh, task to this other studio, you know, like, so these, um, not everybody's getting paid. And if you're not supporting that other studio too, like studio drop, they go out of business, right? So uh, they just do the work. Usually they don't own anything regarding the show. Donating to those companies directly Donating to those companies directly is not how the industry is set up to operate. But hypothetically, something could be set up with with each production to donate on a series-by-series basis. Can anime production survive only on Patreon funding? No, not even close. Uh, To which I'll say, from what I saw of Studio Trigger's Patreon, they're making like nothing. To make an anime... Hell yeah. For an entire studio, product like the the funding wise is like they're making almost nothing. Um, the site Graftreon tracks top Patreon earners, and the top earner for the last several months is the political podcast Chapo Trap House, which brings in around a hundred thousand dollars per month. And after that, it's a pretty steep drop off. Number five earner takes in between thirty to forty k per month. That's I think Jordan Peterson takes in like 68000 a month or something like that, but uh, that's a decent chunk of change. If you're a one- to three-person team, yeah, for sure, making a, a podcast, vlog, or other amateur or semi-professional content, but simply not on the same planet uh, as what actual professional content needs uh, needs to raise in order to exist. So let's say a studio manages to get enough contributors to pull in 30000 per month. 
which, assuming they're only making one series at a time, comes out to 7500 7, per episode. Uh, that's almost nothing. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, we're we're trying to create a um, a kids show for my business, a free kids show, and we budgeted out at like four hundred thousand dollars for for what we're doing. Although we are doing it as, it's, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine seven seven thousand five hundred per episode um, as being. Yeah, that's, that seems ridiculous. Uh, Digibro is complete. Digibro also completely ignores the fact that while most Crunchyroll titles do pay back-end royalties based on how people how many people watch, the vast majority of the money that they or any other overseas distributor contributes to the production is in the advance payment for the rights, also known as a minimum guarantee. These can run from uh, $30,000 US all the way up to $200,000 per episode. God, can you imagine... How much money is being spent on all 800 anime, including One Piece on that? I just think it's kind of ridiculous. One of the things that we skipped on that other article about the uh, their original content and stuff is they talk about the fact that they, uh, you know, hey, last year we announced we've sent $100 million back to uh, to Japan. Uh, and I'm like, I remember bringing that up and being like, doesn't this seem kind of low? Yeah for how long yeah. they've been doing it, you know, and for how many licenses and stuff they have. Although back then I did assume they had a lot more than 800. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, anyway, uh, Crunchyroll then builds in, in additional payments based on viewership on top of that. Since production costs... Well, so, so this is actually a good point, something uh, we're sort of ignoring here, is that if, if these costs can run from $30,000 all the way up to $200,000 per episode, that's a, a pretty steep difference, considering what, we're, what he's talking about here about a show coming down to $7,500 per episode, right? Um, since production costs generally hover around $275,000 per episode, uh, this actually has the potential to outright pay for an entire production, uh, though there are other major costs that are not factored into that amount, like marketing and the right to adapt the show in the first place. This business model has been epic-making epic for the anime industry, and similar deals in China and competition from Amazon has made it so that streaming anime outside of Japan can, can completely pay off a show's entire budget and then some. So if that's the case, then get rid of the freaking... Uh, Get rid of the um, production uh, committees. Switch over to letting companies like Funimation or Funimation, like um, Crunchyroll and Netflix and Amazon, let them fund the show before you even make it. That doesn't happen for every show, and the bombs can still lose money for for the production committee. But uh, but there has never been more money flowing from international fans to anime productions in the history of the art form. So that's interesting to hear. I mean, it's obvious. It makes sense. Those I mean. Side. A side comment to the production committees, which is kind of a double-edged sword. If you don't have them, have them, you also miss a chance to have a set of people also rationalize how how a show can be merchandisable. Okay, but production committees exist to diversify costs. Uh, basically production committees are like when you start a business and you have to have, uh, investors in order to launch. And then those investors have, um, majority stock and whatnot. Right. So, um, what's the committee? Good. Okay. Um, 
let me make sure I get my terms right. The committee I'm thinking of is they get a group of people together, discuss a show's plot, plot and stuff, and try to see which you're talking about. You're talking about pitching the show and getting the studio to to greenlit greenlight okay, it. Okay, so we're talking. Yeah, I'm talking about like for instance, if you watch Assassination oh, Class, and at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode, it says Assassination Classroom Committee or whatever made by the Assassination Classroom Committee. Right. Okay. Like they always, so I'm they always name the committee up. after the show. You're thinking of something else. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, all the hand wringing over Crunchyroll, which I've seen coming from prominent fans on YouTube and elsewhere, is part of a growing suspicion on the part of fans that their money isn't going the direction, going in the direction they want it to. Let's be real here. Most of them aren't paying for a premium account anyway. Animators still make, I mean, let's be real. If you're on YouTube, you're not making any money. Speaking from experience. <laughs> um, is it going to the direction they want it to? Animators still make a pittance. Uh, there's too many shows being made, and a shocking amount of it still suffers from production problems that impair the quality of the work. The fans themselves are, you know, you know what's holding, you know what's holding shows back is the fact that they're still on syndication. That's holding shows back. Get rid of cable. <laughs> Make everything online. <laughs> On demand, right? Yeah. The fans themselves are seeking... Because then people can pay for what they actually want and not have so many freaking shows get made that people only watched because they wanted to watch the show that came before and after it. You know what I mean? Right. How many times a TV gets left on uh, and you go make dinner during the show you give a sh- you have no care for you know like watching adult swim oh squid billies is on time to go time to go for a half hour well i don't watch this shit you know anyway. the fans themselves are seeking a deeper connection with their favorite shows and hope to be a part of the solution to those things and as fans become less and less interested in collecting stuff be it physical media figures wall strolls docu makara or whatnot these are um body pillows uh they find themselves with fewer ways of doing that. Well, that's on them. Start collecting physical media. <laughs> yeah, physical media is probably the best way to, I guess, directly go towards a show that you like. You know what? This, there's one great silver lining to this hatred of Crunchyroll, and that's that people might actually start buying physical media. <laughs> if you're not going to watch it on Crunchyroll, you're either going to go to a torrent site or you're going to buy it. <laughs> the two extremes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, these are the next set of challenges that the business needs to address. But the nature of the entertainment business is such that there will always be a large amount of crap being made compared to a few winners that everyone loves, and another few niche shows that a few people love. Producers will always try to scrape together a production with too few resources, and sometimes not quite pull it off. It will. Uh, it will always be difficult to accurately predict the breakout hits and what hotly anticipated shows will completely face plant before they finish their run. You know, I'll be honest. Um, there haven't been any movies that have come out uh, in Hollywood in the last 10 years that I have not accurately predicted when they're going to flop. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them I don't personally want to see, but I know they're going to be a hit. But there have been several. Like that movie Splice. Do you guys remember that movie? No. Nope. I didn't it's remember like the, the name. The blonde, the blonde, uh, or pardon, bald, not blonde, um, like alien creature that uh, I remember <laughs> this girl uh, on Facebook, um, or God, it might have been MySpace back then, who, who was in my high school class, went to see it, and she said, uh, 
She said, I went to see Splice. I couldn't believe it. This movie was practically... Uh, um, a hentai? No, no it, well, that's, that's basically what she said. Is it was practically like I was watching uh, softcore porn. And I said, to which I replied, God, it's almost like you didn't see the trailer. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Where was I? Next. Did I already read this one? These are the next stages of challenges of business to address, but the nature of entertainment. Yeah, I just read this. Okay. I think Not I stopped going here. Producers will always try to scrape together. For their first run. Uh, that's true of literally every type of entertainment. Companies will always have to make best guesses as to what will, will hit and what and what won't, and nobody bats a thousand, no matter how, uh, no matter what they may tell you. Um, and this is why in Japan they don't like to make shows that don't have a manga, because the manga is an indicator of popularity before they go into production. And to, I also think that this is kind of bullshit because I mean, obviously you can't, you know, flip a switch and change the way the industry is run, but. Um, but if you were to, if you wanted to, uh, to fund only the shows that are going to be good, you would do that through people actually funding it individually, like like Digibro is saying. And and the thing is that what I think what Digibro getting at, and I hate to defend the guy uh, on this front, but I think that what he's saying is that right now Patreon for Tr Studio Trigger may be thirty thousand. Uh, a month, if that. I think it was like 8000 or something really low. Um, but it may be low now, but if people made the switch and got out of Crunchyroll and started, then, then it would be more. You know? Anyway. Crunchyroll isn't a perfect company. Their technical development is not what it needs to be. It's a website... Oh, pardon. Its website is among the last major streaming... Sorry, its website is among the last major streaming sites to still use the increasingly uh, deprecated Adobe Flash, likely due to the difficulty of developing styled subtitle support in HTML5, but that's just speculation on my part. I don't get this at all. If, if there's a free plugin for Chrome that automatically converts to HTML5, I don't buy any of this. Literally pay the guy like, who made give the him a licensing fee to just implement it site-wide. Their translations uh, aren't always as polished as they should be, and they never go back and fix them uh, after the fact, according to Digibro. But in terms of creating a platform that balances the needs of a demanding, young, and often broke fan base with compensating the anime industry with compensating the anime in a, industry in a fair, uh, fair way based on interest in viewership, it's really hard to fault them in, in my estimation. What they currently have both predicts what shows will hit and pays based on how many people actually watch them. Both are very important. Patreon, like Kickstarter, is both a means of fan engagement as well as funding. After a string of high-profile failures and disappointments, Kickstarter has pretty much settled into, into a place for one-time small and medium-level independent projects. And Patreon is simply a tip jar for small independent producers of ongoing content. Neither are really growing much outside of these niches. It's a nice extra for the staff and the fans, but nowhere near lucrative enough to fund most ambitious projects. 
Even most podcasters and YouTubers take sponsorships as a primary means of income. There was a time where I thought that maybe someday larger budget entertainment would be funded via voluntary contribution like public radio, but I don't think that anymore. There are quite a few fans... Well, well, let's make this point. Public radio reminds you at every single commercial break that they are publicly funded by, by you. If anime started doing that at every commercial break, we'll see. There are quite a few fans who want to contribute, but far more who would happily freeload, obviously. Same with public radio. Sometimes those are even the same person with different shows, right? Put your money where you actually enjoy it. Money is tight for people, and often people tend not to value what they get for free. I understand where Digibro is coming from. As a fan, he wants to use his money to support the shows he likes, as we all do. I do think Patreon might have a place in anime as a way for creators and studios to interact more with Western fans if they're so inclined. However, as a replacement for the actual real business of international distribution and monetization of anime, it's just not a workable solution. Anyway. Interesting insights, for sure. I'm going to check out the uh, Patreon for Studio Trigger. The thing is, if on Trigger or whatever studio, theoretically in the future, if you like drop five bucks on it, yes, that's more than if you watched one ad on Crunchyroll. But it's a whole hell of a lot less than if you bought the Blu-ray. What? Take I'll a random guess. Later, but I wonder if the Trigger store is still around. Take a random or guess at how much uh, Studio Trigger is making and yeah. how many patrons they have. $17,930 a month and 300 patrons. Wait, that's ridiculous. Oh, well, I'm sticking with my guess. I don't care. Okay. So they're making $10,654 a month with... 3,523 patrons. So let's there let's just say, hold on. Let's average this out. 10,654 divided Did by 3,523 is $3.02. If we were to multiply this, so Crunchyroll has 40 million non-paying um, accounts and I think over 1 million paid accounts for their premium membership. So if not everybody who pays for a premium membership is interested in um, Studio Trigger, let's say, what do you think, a fourth would be interested in Studio Trigger? Let's say 250000 So Studio Trigger could be making... $756,031 a month if a quarter million people were donating $3 to their uh, Patreon, right? And let's say let's say it's just $100 million, right? Or, pardon, $100,000, not $100 million. If it was just $100,000, they'd be still making $300,000 a month, right? So that's... A million, two hundred thousand. No, that's way more than that, actually. Three hundred thousand a month would be. Three thousand a month would be thirty-six. 
300,000 would be 36 ones, tens, hundreds, thousands, 10,000, 100,000, 3,600,000 a year. Okay. Does that seem low or does that seem high? That's the thing for for a studio for a year. Because, I mean, it's different, obviously, with Hollywood movies, but the budget for a lot of those are in the hundreds of millions. Right. Try this one. Oh, with it being a foreign market, I'm not sure. So if we were to do this again by 250,000 people times... 12 months. Oh, God. If they, that would be all just under a billion dollars. It'd be a, a 1 million. No, hold on. No, 100 million less than a billion. But still, a billion is a, is a, a million million. So that's, that's not uh, too bad, you know? I don't know. I think that if, there would okay so so i think that the major issue with this right now is that there you can't actually make the transition and one of the reasons why is because of the fact that the anime industry has has positioned itself into the point where they're making too much they're making too many shows right um so you can't actually make this transition seamlessly um Man, I just it seems I think he's right. I think it's doable. I just don't think that it, it would it's gonna be a, a long process and it's gonna be people actually kicking the curb to Crunchyroll and donating to Patreon and stuff in, in droves, which let's face it, might happen with some of the recent controversy at uh at Crunchyroll. Anyway. Next podcast, we will be going over Steinsgate and the Steinsgate movie. I will also be watching Steinsgate Zero, although I it won't actually be finished airing by the time the next podcast is. Um, so... There's that. I'm also attempting to watch... I've already watched Chaos Head. Going through Chaos Child. Occultics then Robotics Nine. Notes. So Robotics Notes is next, right? So then Robotics Notes, then Occultics 9. Then I'll be re-watching this and getting into the movie I haven't watched yet. Um, but uh, from what I've seen of Chaos Head and Chaos Child, that has no bearing whatsoever on Steins Gate. You guys said that there was a character that's in all of them. Augie said that um, Rintaro you know is that in character it. is. What? You know who that character is. I don't recognize the I don't character. Think it's a, is it a spoiler, Augie? I don't think it should be. <laughs> Mild spoiler for Steinsgate. There's a character named Kurisu or in uh, Chaos Child, at least, but I don't. It's not the same character. Not even, not even Okabe is apparently a teacher that makes a cameo in Robotics Notes, but look, it's a cameo. What do you expect? Well, there's only it. one thing to do now, and that's to go watch it. Chaos Head character. Well, after Chaos Head, we'll start 
in October will start uh, with Higurashi when they cry. Cry season one first, and after that, season two and three. Just focusing on the ones just for the girls. Reset. I How thought is that- Daru a freaking spoiler? <laughs> I don't think Agu's. Uh, Agu. <laughs> I don't think Agu yeah, has even seen no. Stargate. <laughs> Wait, you're right. I, uh, why did I feel like Agu had watched all of these? That's what I thought. That's the one person I thought maybe, but I, I'm almost certain this character didn't show up in. Uh, in. Um, Listen, Chaos. if Dar. I'll spill this much this. for you. I'm I'm around this guy. We'll we'll call him um, No Ten Marshmallow. It says Chaos no Head. No Ten Marshmallow rubs this series in my face a lot. So I'm at a point where I don't need to watch it. I've heard enough. <laughs> so I'm waiting to a point where I forget all of what No Ten Marshmallow said, so I can watch this. Chaos Head happens in Shibuya, and the events happen one year before Steinsgate. Steinsgate happens in Akihabara. Robotics Notes happens in Tanagashima Island, and events happen nine years after Steinsgate. So literally, the only thing... Chaos Head and Steinsgate exist in the same, quote, space adventure universe, but on different world lines? Okay, I guess... Oh, God, they go into so much. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. It says here, the events of Chaos Head are consistent with the events of Steinsgate within the beta world line, divergence ratio 1.130426%. Okay. And then it says that Steinsgate and robotics notes in, exist on the Steinsgate world line, divergence ratio 1.048596%. Okay. Okay. Uh, which is to say that Steinsgate could exist in the same world line as literally every anime that's ever existed at some percentage of divergence, if we're being real. Anyway. Yeah. So what's happening in November? I uh, Aramanga Sensei if question. If the podcast is still going by that point. Okay. I'll remind you again, if you're just tuning in, there have been some serious uh, financial struggles that have hit my family this last um, week or so that have put the future of the podcast in question. I'm glad to see, Reese, that you've already created a... Uh... Elsa Congre- Congress. Oh, my God. Just uh, share this for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, the- I completely forgot about that llama thing. Yeah. Okay. So let me just let me grab the. Uh, oh yeah, and as a reminder, next podcast I'll only be here for the first fifteen minutes. Yep. We're getting uh, one of those. We're getting a substitute host. Uh, from uh, you don't need a mentor, you need time and patience. Oh, you're talking about him. okay. So, um, I talked about it briefly, Lance, at the beginning of the uh podcast. I don't want to go into detail on it, but basically, um, 
working as a VFX artist who does freelance work, my sustainability um, is entirely dependent on whether or not I uh, have consistent work, which consistent and is like the, it's like an oxymoron consistent work with the VFX. And I haven't, I've I've had one job since, since before anime expo and it's starting to really hit us. Um, not having, you know, like a buffer and having some bills pop pile up that were like four times higher than we expected them to be has really just hit us. So anyway, regarding uh, the future podcast coming up, we're going to be doing Steins Gate for September 20th, um, Higurashi for October 4th, and Higurashi Seasons 2 and 3 for October 18th. And then we'll be watching Mob Psycho 100 in November ah. and for my birthday podcast, we're doing Arrow Manga Sensei. And then uh, November 29th, Haunted Junction. And then Sentimental Journey for um, the first podcast in December. And I haven't put it in here yet, but we have discussed since Otakuso wasn't here for our podcast that would that is sort of based around uh, Otakuso's pick of suggesting to me that Tomoko Market was a good uh, show to watch. The other show that um, Otakuso had suggested to me at the time was um, uh, Jormungard. So, or Jor- is it Jormungard? Jormungrad. Jormungand. Jormungand, thank you. Um, which is spelled J-O-R-M-U-N. So it's pronounced a little weird. Anyway, uh, so we're going to probably be doing that for the second podcast in December. Uh, if we get that far, but I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to just for the record, I'm going to do everything obviously that I can to, to keep things going. I'm just, I wanted to let you guys know ahead of time that, uh, I've, I see a disturbance in the force coming that could be. <laughs> this being, being I'm going to echo what Reese just said about occultic nine. If you don't have your Moongans or any of these, don't go up your way to grab it. If this is what we're at. Right. He said Occultics 9. He said if you don't already have Occultic 9, don't waste your money. Yeah, because it's an Anaplex uh, title or whatever. Anyway, so um, that's where we're at for now. Um, and then we'll get to begin uh, our 2019 podcast schedule, um, which I'm thinking about making a document on the... Uh, I'm thinking about making a document on the facebook group that's the one document that exists as a uh, pinned post and in that document so you click on the document and then it'll open up where we can type stuff right and then in that document it's just links to the other documents so they're easier to find would that help people out because i'm getting really annoyed when i need to look up older podcasts every time i look for the watch club i have to live in the document say what I still live in document, so however it works. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, I could I could make it so that when you go there, it'll say um, watch club list, and then you can click on that, and it'll open up the document for the watch club list, and it just is a shortcut sort of thing. So I'll, we'll, maybe we'll try that. Anyway, for at the uh, risk of making the podcast, uh, or to prevent making the podcast any longer, let's go ahead and wrap things up. God, we're at 2.30. Let's see. 9 to, 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1, five, 2. Five and a half hours. We, we beat our... Uh, we, we're doing better. <laughs> well, who knew? All you have to do is watch good anime you don't want to complain about the whole time. Anyway. 
All right. So um, we'll see you guys on the 20th um, and uh, I'll keep you guys posted in the future. Like right now, just to clarify, things could literally go either way. You guys know I have a business that I started. One of the reasons why this has gotten difficult is because my business partners have chosen to do something different than how we had planned, which means we're, we're postponing income that I was kind of counting on uh, to a degree. And with all the other stuff happening, jobs I work that I'm not ever going to get paid for, all the stuff that has happened um, is not producing um, sort of what I expected to have. And it's basically just one of those things where you're moving along in life and then uh, like the chessboard of life in three moves, you've got half your pieces, right? So you got a lot less to work with. It doesn't mean you're going to lose, but it means that it's going to be a lot harder to uh, to manage and and pull off the victory or whatever, you know? Anyway, let's uh, let you guys go. Also, Please I'm, like, I'm subscribe, and click the bell. Yes, for sure. And um, I hit 100 subs recently. Woohoo. And, and Lishansky, as you sleep, thank you for leaving the uh, podcast running while you slept, because I'm sure you definitely did that, and I'm not going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, wink, anyway. Wink. Uh, yeah, because he, uh, he, he has YouTube Premium, so... Uh, I make oh. about 34 cents off of that view. <laughs> um, for That's, good. That's 34 cents anyway. more than my FDDM channels ever made. <laughs> I know. All right. All right. Also, Dave. Last AC. thing I'll just say, um, I want to thank you guys again for helping us reach the thousand subscriber milestone because every day when I look on Twitter, I see the re cause I follow YouTube help or whatever the thing is. I see them replying to people every single day complaining about having reached the threshold and still not getting monetized. So thank you guys so much for helping us get there. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. We'll talk to you later. Uh, and we'll see you on 20th.